I'm spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica, wearing sandals, lighting candles by the sea. I spent Shavuos in East St. Louis, a charming spot, but clearly not the spot for me. Those eastern winters, I can't endure them, so every year I pack my gear and come out here to Purim, Rosh Hashanah, I spend in Arizona. And Yom Kippur way down in Mississippi But in December there's just one place for me Amid the California flora I'll be lighting my menorah Like a baby in his cradle I'll be playing with my dreidel Spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica by the sea I'm spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica Wearing sandals, lighting candles by the sea I spent Shavuos in East St. Louis A charming spot, but clearly not the spot for me Those eastern winters, I can't endure them So every year I pack my gear and come out here to Purim, Rosh Hashanah I spend in Arizona And Yom Kippur way down in Mississippi But in December there's just one place for me Amid the California flora I'll be lighting my menorah Like a baby in his cradle I'll be playing with my dreidel Here's the Judas Maccabeus Boy, if he could only see us Spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica By the sea Hanukkah in Santa Monica by Tom Lehrer And it is the second night of Hanukkah tonight Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio I am Todd Dan Druff With Tell Us, this is being broadcast and recorded live On December 13th, 2017 At approximately 8.40pm So, some of you were wondering if this show would take place this week If you listened to last week's show You will remember at the end Towards the second half of the show, I was sick. I actually developed cold symptoms in the second half of last week's show, which is kind of strange. I started out fine, and then by the end of the show, I had definite cold symptoms, and indeed, I had a cold, and I thought that if it's like some of the other colds I've had, there wouldn't be a show this week. But uh, fortunately, within a few days, it uh, mostly resolved, and there's, there's still some small remnants of it now, but the truth is I've been mostly healthy for several days now, so... There is radio this week, and there should be radio for the remaining Wednesdays of 2017. And a person who has been with me just about every show in 2017, Calwad, hello. How you doing, Drew? Well, you know, I'm, I'm just happy I'm able to do this show this week. I'm happy that, uh, I really thought last week that it was very questionable. Because I, I knew for sure I had a cold. I was I was blowing my nose during the show towards the end. It, it was there. It was there. And I just thought, I could just see next week I'm going to be announcing that no show and maybe the following week. So. You got the AIDS or something? It was just a cold. It was, uh, you know, it just came. But it, it was pretty moderate. It was, it was pretty light compared to what I sometimes get. So uh, if it was like the one in April that I had... Um, it wouldn't even have peaked yet. It, it took two weeks for the symptoms to even peak back mm-hmm. in April. But it, I was looking back, you know, because of this, I, I was actually looking back to see how many Poker Fraud Alert shows have I missed in 2017 due to illness. How many would you guess that is? 
illness? Yeah. Just how many times have I not done a show in 2017 because I was sick? You probably miss more from vacations than illness. I'm going to say 2017? Yes. Actually, I think it might have only be like one or two. You're very observant because I, I actually believed it was more than that. I, I said, you know, I guess I've probably missed about three of them this year. And I went and looked and I could not find any for a while. And then I finally found one in July. And that was it. Um, somehow I did not miss any shows during the cold I had in April, which lasted three weeks. And that was partially because I took a vacation during that time as well. So I would have missed the show if I was home, but uh, I was missing it from vacation. But yeah, I've missed four shows due to vacation this year, one show due to illness, and one show due to the World Series of Poker, where I just didn't have time to do it. So that, those were the six that shows missed. Right. Yeah, so that's, that's actually pretty good. In fact, um, 2017 is going to set a record for number of weeks we've done shows, provided we really do the next two after this one. Uh, there will have been 46 weeks of shows with six missed shows. The only the only year with more shows was 2013, but that one had multiple shows in certain weeks. So we still did not do 46 different weeks of shows in 2013. So that we actually had the most weeks of shows this year. Hmm. But it, it's funny because I kind of had the impression like I, I had missed a number of shows this year from being sick, and that was not true, just one. But I guess... You knew better. I, I thought I was going to stump you on that. I, th- I thought you were going to say like four. I was going to surprise you. Nah, I think there were more last year. I think this year. Yeah, it was more last on year. Vacation more. Yeah, that's what it was. There were four missed from vacation. One from a two week vacation in the summer. One from uh, the spring, and uh, one uh, uh, in November. So anyway, uh, we have a free roll tonight, which is starting at nine o'clock. The reason this show is scheduled for eight, for eight thirty tonight instead of eight, by the way, was that I was planning to go out and see the meteor shower. Which one is it? Is it the Leonids it's or a, what the, is it? The Geminids. Geminids. Okay. And this is supposed to be the best one of the year. Not, not like a spectacular one overall, but for two thousand seventeen, it's supposed to be the best one. Was it the best one of the year? It, no, because <laughs> because of the smoke. Because the uh, smoke smoke blew yeah. into the area. There, there wasn't that much smoke uh, for the last few days, but it blew into the area this morning. And uh, most of uh, western Los Angeles County and, uh, and Ventura County in Southern California are covered by smoke right now. And you, you can definitely smell it if you go out there. In fact, I, uh, I was talking to our sponsor, uh, Attorney Eric Benzamokin, and I, I asked him if where he is, if there's smoke, and he said yes. So it, it's, it's pretty far-reaching. And you, you just walk outside, you can't see anything. It's just there's no stars, nothing. So uh, that, that was unfortunate. But I had scheduled for 8.30 for that reason, thinking we'd be out looking at meteors, and that's, that's not happening. So the free roll starts at 9 o'clock, just like last week. It is a $71 free roll. The money was donated by three different listeners to the show. Belly Buster, who also runs the No Fraud Online Poker Room, gave $50. Thank you very much to him. He also gave 50 for next week. Charham gave $11. And I Am Greek gave $10. So that's $71. $35 for first, $18 for second, 11 for third, and 7 for fourth. And How come you don't get in there, Druff? I don't get Mix in there. Sit up a little, show everyone your chops. Well, because I feel it'll distract me. I, I just want to fully pay attention to this show. I don't think the value I bring to being in the free roll is worth whatever 
However, it worsens this show. I think people would much more appreciate the show. Can add to add to the prize pool, though. <laughs> well, that's a different story. <laughs> but no, no. I mean, by you playing, you add to the prize pool. You know. How do I do that? Well, every entry adds to the prize pool, right? <laughs> uh, well, it, it is true. When I when I enter the free roll, there is something added to it. Zero point. Zero. I'm going to guess that was 0.0. Yeah, I just noticed your sound wasn't on. It's always good we have like a test sound so I could figure that out. Yeah. So anyway, that starts at 9 p.m. sharp. You have 25 minutes of late registration. You can be paid, if you win, by bank transfer, by Bitcoin, by cash or check if you've accumulated enough winnings, or some other methods you might be able to think of that involve electronic transfer of money through a service. I won't say what that is, but you might be able to guess. So if you want to claim your prize, either PM me, Dan Space Druff, on the forum, or email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. It's all lowercase, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. You do need to be familiar with the rules as far as winning the free money. If you do not qualify because you did not understand the rules or did not follow them, then you don't get the money. The rules can be found at PokerFraudAlert.com slash FreeRoll. That's all lowercase. PokerFraudAlert.com slash FreeRoll, exactly as it sounds. And this takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert. You need a separate account there to enter the FreeRoll, but you don't need any play chips. All you need is an account which instantly validates itself. So you just sign up. You can sign up and like a minute later be playing. You just have to make sure that you qualify according to the rules at PokerFraudAlert.com. PokerFraudAlert.com slash freeroll. You just have to make sure you qualify under those rules. And if there's any doubt, you can email me, dandruff at PokerFraudAlert.com. If you want to call the show, as always, our phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Someone attempted to call the show as I was playing the opening song and right when I came out of the intro. Like, I'm not going to answer a call during that time. Maybe it's a person who was not listening and didn't know that we just started. But like when we're just starting the show or doing the agenda, I'm never taking calls, so don't bother. But the best time to call is typically like as we're winding down a segment or just finished a segment. Maybe even just starting a segment, as long as we're not like into something that we're talking about that to where I feel caused like a major interruption. Then I'll typically take your call. If I don't take your call, don't call back over and over. Just wait like 15 minutes and try again. But if you hammer me over and over, I'll just block your phone number. You can text me during the show at that same number, 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355. You can text me before, after, or during this show. I will respond to you, probably. And I may read your texts on the air, unless you ask me not to at the beginning of the text. Of course, we have the Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is a mountain that's near Las Vegas. It gets snow during the winter. Not very much yet, but uh, it will get snow. It has an old 70s rotary telephone sitting on top of the mountain in a cabin that I have there. It forwards to me wherever I go. It's a separate line into the show. That phone number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. You cannot text that number. Only call it. No matter which number you call, make sure to show your caller ID or you will not get through. And, uh, you know, the Mount Charleston line was having a problem the other day. Now, now I'm, someone got through, so I guess, I guess it's, everything's working. The Mount Charleston line was having a problem 
it said like it can't be accepting calls at this time. I, I think it was just malfunctioning. I'm, I'm just kind of nervous that uh, maybe the Mount. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be neurotic about this the whole show that the Mount Charleston line is not working. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually call it right now for my cell phone and just see if it rings through. Because if if it's not working, we're gonna figure this out during the show. We're gonna produce the show during the show. We're gonna debug the show during the show. I just remembered that I was just messing around with it the other day, and I couldn't even get through to my own Mount Charleston number. Yeah, it's coming through. We're okay. The message has gone down temporarily, which is fine. So I, got, well. I got to warn you ahead of time, Druff. We got to get Trey Daruski on here. I've been up since 5.30 a.m. Uh-oh. So it, 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 may be, it may be a short night. Okay. <laughs> and, and for those of you that don't know, for those of you saying, why, why can't he stay up past 9? It's actually near midnight where he is because he's in New York, Calwood. So that's, that's why uh, we sometimes lose him during the show, sometimes earlier, sometimes later. Because of the time difference and the late start time that uh, we do here, which seems to creep later and later. So here's the agenda, and then we'll get going. Free roll starts in nine minutes. A Poker Fraud Alert exclusive. It's getting very little coverage, except for from me. But I, I really think this is something you guys should pay attention to. The World Series of Poker might be moving from the Rio to Center Strip in a new convention center. In the year 2020. And if that really happens, that's very big news. So I will tell you about this convention center, which is definitely being built, and why I feel the World Series will move there. And I have only deduced this. This is not something that has been reported to me. This has not uh, been announced. It's something that I have deduced and I think will happen, if not in 2020, sometime in the 2020s, which, of course, are not very far away. We're only two years away from that. It's going to be a very Caesars-heavy show tonight, by the way. We're going to talk about the World Series, about Caesars, a lot of Caesars and World Series-related topics. If, if that stuff uh, bores you, then it's going to be a bad show for you. Caesars sold Harrah's. And uh, just like in, in the movie Rounders, where uh, the, uh, they pay you with your own money, it's kind of similar. They sold Harrah's to a company that was spun off from itself about two months ago. <laughs> so they spun off a company two months ago and then, uh, and then sold it to themselves. So I'll, I'll discuss why they did that and, and how this affects the, uh, the first story about the convention center in the World Series. It's a shell game that keeps the accountants and lawyers employed. That, that, that really is what's happening. That, that's, that's all a, it is. It's, it's a very accurate statement. The World Series of Poker typically releases its schedule in mid-January to early February. And I've always thought they should do it sooner, but for some reason they drag their feet and do it then. Well, this year I cannot make that complaint, or shall I say next year, because they have released the full 2018 World Series schedule this week. I have it. It's there. If you want to go take a look, you can go to wsop.com slash tournaments. So uh, I'm going to quickly go over the schedule and uh, tell you about some new events, tell you my opinion of it, and uh, just give you a quick rundown of the events I am looking at playing. Not necessarily committing to play all of these, but these are the ones that I would like to play and I'll be choosing from. A poker player claims he was banned by Caesar's properties in order to avoid awarding him a tournament seat that he won. 
That is this player's claim. He is currently suing Caesars. We will discuss that story and whether his claim appears to be valid or if it's BS. Of course, uh, don't know for sure, but uh, I've already deduced some things from reading about the situation. Charlie Carroll is a very successful tournament player as of late, a young guy from England. And uh, he's also known for wearing very bright-colored clothing. He appeared on a very popular podcast, I think, in Ireland. Some kind of UK uh, podcast with like 500,000 subscribers. I wish we had 500,000 subscribers, but we don't. But anyway, he appeared on that with his new girlfriend, who is a cam girl. Meaning a girl who takes off her clothes and does sexual things on cam for money. What's her name? Her name is Hannah. And Hannah what? <laughs> why, you think you'd know her? No. I, I'm, I'm rough. I'm going for the pictures. Come on, man. Okay, but I, I'm forgetting the name. When we get to, I'll tell you in a second. Uh, All right. The, her name is Hannah, and she's 20 years old. But the most interesting thing that came out during the podcast, and then I found subsequent videos on YouTube she had made before the podcast... She claims that she has seven personalities. She claims she has a uh, it's it's disassociative something disorder. I forget, DID. I'm forgetting what it stands for. Disassociative something disorder. She has DICK disorder. That probably too. But uh, this is where if if you've seen the the short lived uh, Showtime series the United States of Terra, or if you've seen a, a recent movie called Split. Uh, both of the title characters in those had that disorder. So it's basically where you have multiple personalities like living with you, within you and one just takes over abruptly and you become a different person. She claims she has that and has seven personalities and she actually made YouTube videos with two of the personalities, two of the seven she made videos of on YouTube. So, yeah. I'm not going to do research if you don't give me her last name. I'll look for it in a second. <laughs> All right. um, you can Google Charlie Carroll Hannah. You'll probably find it. All right. I'll try that. Uh, a $2.5 million NFL survival pool was shut down by the feds, and the fate of the money is in question. When this first happened, if you Googled you know, NFL survival, I forget the name of it, uh, something Mike and something... Survivor. Anyway, if you Googled the name of that pool and shut down, the first result was Poker Fraud Alert. We were like first with the story, but uh, we're not anymore. We're like it's been covered in so many places now that sites that are more credible than ours, at least according to Google, are now uh, way higher in the search results. But anyway, we'll talk about what happened there, why it got shut down. Speaking of shutdown, a twenty-six point three million dollar bank account was seized a number of years ago from Ray Bittar. And uh, finally, the proceeds of that bank account have been dispersed. Half remains in the country, or kind of the territory where the bank account existed, and half has been sent to the U.S. We'll talk about that. Bitcoin, which is a long-running Bitcoin poker site. In fact, it is, I believe, the first ever Bitcoin poker site. It was before SEALs. It it used to be at betco.in you know, Bitcoin. Now they're Bitcoin.ag. And something I didn't even realize is that they're part of the winning poker network. They're the same with like American Card Room. Except you you maintain your balances there in Bitcoin rather than cash. 
Well, there is a little bit of an issue where Bitcoin just recently accidentally allowed people to register for tournaments and rebuy in these same tournaments, even if their accounts had no money in them. (laughs) Not good. And what's even worse is these were tournaments across the whole network. So they added, you know, the prize pool was added to, and the network had to pay out the prize pool as if those people had money. So Bitcoin is going to be in hot water about this. Harris Atlantic City, they should be in hot water, but they're not going to be because they pulled a very shady bait and switch on a disastrous drone giveaway promo. They were giving away a drone and they, they really screwed the people who went to come pick up that drone. I'll tell you what happened. Some rumors about the Total Rewards program, which I'm saving to, till you know, towards the end of the show because they really only affect people who are diamond and above. But uh, they're going to raise their redemption rate. If you tra- trade reward credits for free play, that's going to be raised to where it's going to be a lot more rewards credits if you want free play, which sucks. And they're also supposedly going to eliminate the trip they give you when you make the high diamond level, when you're not just the diamond, but the higher version of diamond at 80,000 tiers. So I'll talk about those changes that have not been verified yet, but have been strongly rumored and I think will really be happening. Finally, if you're in Las Vegas, you won't want to travel there for this, but if you're already there, you may want to go down to Caesars tomorrow because believe it or not, at Caesars Palace, they are going to be giving away free food. Can you believe it? Something free being given away for nothing at Caesars? You just just go there and get it and free food? Yes. A new fast food outlet is opening there and they're giving away free food as part of their grand opening, which is tomorrow. So I'll tell you about that as our final segment of the evening. This show is sponsored by attorney Eric Benzamokin, who can help you with arbitration and mediation. Listen for his commercial during this show later on. So I want to just immediately start talking about the convention center because I I found that story to be interesting in two ways, and that's why I'm leading with it. Because uh, as you guys know, I've been playing the World Series every year since 2005. I I originally had no interest in the World Series. I originally just said, hey, it's a tournament. I don't like tournaments. I'm just not a tournament guy. I'm just really not. And... The only reason I play the World Series every year, the only reason I get excited about the World Series every year, is because of the start I had to the World Series, where I'm the only player in history, and you can look this up, only player in World Series history to finish first and third, actually it was third and first, in his first two World Series events. No one else has ever done that or done something better than that. And... That may be a record that's never broken. That's going to be very hard to duplicate for anyone. It can happen, but it's it's going to be very hard. So I I got very lucky to make that happen. But anyway, with a start like that, as you can imagine, I have a soft spot for the World Series. Uh, Sadly, in the 12 years since, I have never finished as high as third. The best I've done is fourth. That's the way they lure the fish in, bro. That that was. win. (laughs) And then they they just keep keep coming back for forever. I keep chasing the the glory from 05. Chasing the dream, man. So... I want to mention something else, by the way. I thought I lost my bracelet recently. And I was very, very depressed about this. And uh, I was just tearing everything apart looking for it. 
and it was just gone. And I could not figure out what happened. And I had no memory of putting it anywhere. So I was, for days, I was kind of like this depression. Like I'd wake up and go, oh, crap, my bracelet's gone. Like I, the problem is you can't replace it. It's not like I, just, I can break out the G, Drew, Drew wallet and replace the bracelet. This is something that was made in-house back in 05. They don't even do that anymore. So I, I guess the best I could do would you know, take a model of it and try to go to a jeweler and say, hey, you know, make a model of this, which you know, make a duplicate of this as close as you can. But uh, I thought it was gone. And uh, it turned out that the bracelet was actually playing chameleon on me because it has a case that's black, that's dark black. And it was actually hiding in plain sight on something else that was dark black. So, so many times <laughs> I just was overlooking it. The place that I eventually found it, I, that was the fourth time I had searched it. And only because I had a memory come back to me that that was the last place I had it. And I said, look, I've, Search three times, but I just have a feeling it's there. And sure enough, it was, it was, you know, it really it just blended in color wise. And that's why it appeared to be gone. Not the bracelet itself, but the case holding it. So I, I was very happy when that uh, reappeared. Anyway, back to this thing about the convention center. Caesars, now that they're out of the bankruptcy, feels like uh, they, they kind of feel like a, a perpetually broke poker player who just won a big tournament. Yeah, think like like uh, Chino Ream or The Grinder or Eric Lindgren. Think, think of one of these guys winning a big tournament and getting out of debt. And then they have extra money. Do, do you think they're going to be thrifty with that money? You think they're going to save that money? You think they're going to be conservative with that money? No, of course not. Well, Caesars is the same way. So they've, they've basically, since they've got out of the bankruptcy, they've come up with creative ways to immediately raise capital. It, it, as Calwatt says, it's a shell game. So it's not like they're, they're actually raising money from outside sources. They're actually uh, taking their existing assets and finding ways to turn them into cash to spend more. So one of the things they're going to be doing with that money immediately is building what is known as the Caesars Forum. Now, Cal, what have you ever been to the Caesars Forum shops? You talking to me? Yes. Have you been to the? Yeah, C- I've been there. Yeah, yeah. many times. Yeah, many so, times. So people might wonder, what do you mean the Caesars Forum? That's already there. What do they have to build? You know, why am I talking about a shopping mall? No, uh, Caesars. They, I think they need some more creative in-house people because the shopping. The, the mall they have that's attached to Caesars Palace in Las Vegas is called the Caesars Forum Shops. Now they're going to be building a convention center across the street called the Caesars Forum. <laughs> you think they could come up with a better name here so there's no confusion? Like, okay, I'll meet you at the Forum. Well, Forum what? The Forum Forum or the Forum Shops? Like, you know this is going to happen. You know people are going to get real confused by this. But this is just the Caesars Forum. And it's actually not part of Caesars either. That's going to confuse people too. They're going to go to Caesars Palace and go, where the hell's the forum? <laughs> In fact, I could see this. People are going to pull into Caesars looking for this convention center. They're going to go downstairs. They're going to walk around. They won't see any convention center. And they're going to ask some security guard, hey, where's the forum? And they go, oh, it's right over there. And they go, okay, good. They'll walk over there and they'll, they'll, they'll end up in the forum shops. They go, okay, well, this is a shop. This is a, a mall, but okay. It's got to be in here somewhere. 
and they'll walk through that huge mall and not find any convention center, and then you know, like an hour later, figure out their mistake. So, it is. I had, I had a buddy of mine convinced that that sky moves. <laughs> yeah, he's talking about the fake sky where if you look yeah. up, there's uh, it, it's, it's supposed to look like there's an open air sky. They do the same thing in Paris, I think. But yeah, I was in the forum shops one time. This is a long time ago. I think probably in like oh one. But I, I walked in there at five a.m. and it was so weird because everything was closed at five a.m. But for some reason, they allowed you to walk through there. And where I was going, it was convenient to go through there and come out the other side. So how well, long ago was this? Like an one. Okay, I don't, I don't think they allow that anymore. No, they don't. They close it. Yeah. So what was so freaky was I was the only one in the whole place. So I'm walking through this empty mall, and you've got this sky above you, and it did kind of feel real. Like I, I actually was looking up at it and trying to like pretend that's the real sky, and it was easy to do because there were not other people there. And I didn't see anyone in the shop, so it was much easier to believe without anyone else there that I really was like a, in an outdoor mall type thing. So this was like Druff doing the Will Smith I Am Legend? You're yeah. the last living person on the earth? That, that's what it felt like, yes. It was so weird to walk through that huge thing. I was the only one there. No, we, we used to hang out at that um, Casa Fuente shop, that cigar shop that's in there. Yeah. You know, have some drinks, have a cigar, some mojitos, you know, whatever. And I, I, I had buddy of mine convinced i'm like no i swear to god it moves it's just really slow you got to stare at it and that's the thing though like if you stare at something like that it actually can trick your mind and you actually he at one point he was like oh yeah i think i see it moving i'm like yeah it's real slow they keep it subtle you know <laughs> I, I was well i was trying to trick my mind about it being real like i knew it wasn't but i, I was trying to I'm like well this is it's so empty here i just like let me see if i can look at this and really convince myself i'm walking outside and i it actually worked so that, that's a funny prank he played on that guy. <laughs> he believed it. So, the Caesars Forum is a very expensive project that they're going to be undertaking. They're going to be building a large convention center, center strip, near Harrah's. And it's going to have four ballrooms, two of which are huge. Now, if you think about it, what might be a use for a very large convention center with two huge rooms that's owned by Caesars that's near eight different Caesars hotels? What, what could be one possible use of a place like that with two huge rooms and two smaller rooms? What could they possibly be doing with that? So I got it. I got it. The AVN convention. Ah, you got it. You got it. It's getting bigger and bigger. More and more porn stars in this world. They've got to hold all the porn stars and their fans. Correct. You know, I've, I've been in town a number of times when that's going on. I've never been to it. I haven't either. But yeah, which, might, which might shock a number of people. I, I lived there for, for many years, and I, I never went there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I, I was in, well, it, slightly different because, you know, I was there on vacation. Well, some vacation, some work. Um, but I was away, and you know how it, how it is when you're away in another city, you kind of go out and do stuff that you wouldn't normally do where yeah. you live or whatever. But I just just never got there. Yeah. I so, heard it's kind of fun, like not even, you know, sexual, just all the crazy, goofy shit. Yeah, I, I might be curious about it to see it sometime. So, and, and yeah, I, I, I could have gone, too. I knew people who had access to it. All right, if it's not that, then maybe CES. 
Believe it or not, I've, I've, I've never been there either. You've never been to the Consumer Electronics no, Show? They I, opened I, it up to the public recently. I know, and I, I've, I was invited before it was into, open to the public. I've just never gone. Yeah, I've one been of there a couple that, of times, you know, before it was open to the public. It's kind of fun. Yeah, you I see mean, all the that, cool toys. Yeah, that's that's. I felt that way too. Like I, it's something I've kind of wanted to go to, but never have. And for the longest time, I don't know if they still do it, but they scheduled that AVN convention to kind of coincide with uh, CES. I think they were like <laughs> just trying to get all the the businessmen uh, get to come in and have some fun while they're there or something. I don't know. Well, a tragic thing happened a year ago. A dildo vibrator mouth. Actually, sorry, it was two year, it was two years ago. It wasn't one year. It was two years ago, a guy who was a uh, he worked in software in the Bay Area and he came down for CES. He came a little bit early. He came in late December. And this guy was known. This guy makes me look like an extravagant spender. He was. I was going to say, if he's a, a software engineer in the Bay Area, he probably makes a really good salary, but is broke all the time. That well, yeah. So so apparently he he went through long stretches of living in his car just because he he was so cheap and got used to it. Wow. So he he did this and he came to Vegas. I don't know why he came so early because CES wasn't starting yet, but he came in late December 2015 to Vegas. And as he had done before, he would sleep in the car in the parking lot of 24-Hour Fitness because they were nice enough to let him just come in and use their shower for free. <laughs> so so, right. so he, he was doing that. He, he was proud of himself. He's saving money on hotels there. And he probably was not so proud of himself when a freak appeared. I mean, the guy didn't look like a freak, but he was. With a gun in the middle of the night, pointing it at his, win- at his window. Mm. And yeah, that's the downside of sleeping in your car, for sure. And uh, anyway, the the guy pointed the gun at him. Very soon after pointing it, just shot him dead in the head. Holy fuck! This was now, wait wait a minute. It was he in town on business? He was there early. I'm not sure why, but he was there. Like, for why C- wasn't his company paying for him? I you know? I don't know. Yeah, but he's there for CES and he's there early. Uh, and he so he got shot dead. And it, what's weird, it was never explained why he got shot. It didn't seem like he was fighting. It seemed like very quickly he was just shot. And it, the the guy who shot him was a career criminal who was uh, you know they, they were, he and his girlfriend were breaking into cars and and stealing stuff out of cars and, and in fact they were even driving a stolen car so they were just trying to break into that car uh, this guy didn't even resist why he shot him I don't know but he went back after shooting the guy dead he just he goes into the car with his girlfriend and says uh, I think I got him is what he said and the last thing nice. the guy said who got the last word to the guy who got shot was don't do it and then he. Apparently, the guy didn't listen and did it. So then would you believe after this whole thing happened, instead of saying, wow, well, this is pretty bad. We just killed someone. You know, better, better get out of here and ponder what to do next. No, they, they kept breaking into cars that night. They, they continued with what they were doing as if nothing happened. And then the, the girl was actually posting on Facebook for the next few days normally, just like mundane, normal stuff. Like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we just killed someone, no big deal. Now, she didn't pull the trigger, but it was, it was, she was part of the whole thing with breaking into cars. She was just, you know, she was waiting in the car when this happened. But anyway, so for a few days, she just kind of tuned it out and just acted normal. I, I, I looked at her Facebook after when she was arrested, but I guess she couldn't keep her mouth shut and started telling people that this had happened. And uh, she was 19 years old. So her, uh, of course, this, uh, this story was getting very big already, that this had happened, that this guy got shot, shot dead in the parking lot there, who was, living, who was uh, staying in his car. So very quickly, this story got back to the police. They arrested her. They arrested the guy. 
And uh, they're still in prison waiting a trial. And uh, both charged with murder. Though I, I'm, I'm a little confused how the girl's charged with murder because she was really just in the car when it happened. I mean, yes, they were breaking into cars and stuff, but yes, there was you know very cold to continue breaking into cars after this happened. But I, I don't think she should be charged with murder. Definitely, she should be charged with something and spend some time in jail, which she has. She's already been in jail for two years. But uh, th- this guy, he's already been in trouble for a lot of things. So he's he's probably getting death penalty or life in prison, and uh, it's. it's very clear he did it. So, uh, but anyway, that that happened. So it, it's just not a good idea to sleep in your car. You may think you're saving money. Like if if you're driving and you're exhausted and you need to pull on the side of the road and sleep, fine. But to save money, sleeping in a parking lot, that's not always that wise. You may think this is a fluke, but there there are a lot of crimes committed against people who are sleeping in their car. They're they're kind of seen as like a soft target for criminals. So. How do you think this guy would feel about it now? You know? I mean, obviously he's dead, but if he were some way, some way able to look at it, I mean, hopefully he'd be like, wow, I was a fucking idiot for trying to save, you know, Yeah, I would think so. But yeah, the question is, like, like, like what, what if this happened to, like, a friend of his who did the same thing? So, so he's still alive, but he sees this happen to a friend. Um, you know, sees meaning, like, he, he had heard about it. He didn't see it actually right. happen to a friend. Like, would he still do it? Or would he say, ah, oh, it's not going to happen to me? I, I don't know. The guy was like notoriously cheap. He 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 had a very good reputation. Everyone liked him. He's a very nice guy. He was a religious Jew. Um, everybody like he was so well liked among everybody that came into contact with him. So apparently he was a very good guy. The one who got killed, and that's very tragic. Um, and, and the one who killed him was the opposite of a good guy. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I hope in cases like this, like the guy who shot him, who already was a career criminal, um, I, I really hope that people like that get the death penalty. But uh, and they have it in Nevada, so he may actually get it. But uh, I, I've actually been like following that to see if it ever goes to trial. But I, I even just looked a few days ago, and it didn't happen because I was reminded of this when this convention center thing. Holy uh, shit, bro! There was back-to-back quads in this fucking free roll. It's it's rigged. Uh, Trader Ruski, hello. What's happening, fellas? What's up, Trader Ruski? Thank you for coming on. So you got it. Anyway, let's uh, let's get back. Crazy story. Yeah, I, I got off topic, but I'm going to get back to the main topic, and that is the convention center. So here's here's the story: a 375 million dollar convention center is slated to open in 2020. It's going to be called the Caesar's Forum, as I mentioned. It's going to be kind of near Harris, and also it looks like from the picture they they showed a picture. It's not a very good picture because it's kind of distant. You can't tell exactly where it's going to be, but it kind of looks like it's uh, by the observation wheel in the Link Shopping Center. So somewhere around there, somewhere right in that area. I, I read that it's adjacent to Harrah's, so whatever that means. So it's going to be very, very large. There's going to be about 300,000 square feet of convention space, including two gigantic 108,000 square foot ballrooms and they're already bragging that these are going to be the largest pillar-free ballrooms in the world. <laughs> why does that matter if there's pillars, by the way? Like, why, why is that a big deal? But the, the so lar- you don't bump into them while you're dancing? I guess. So the, the, the largest... No, but it's when you have a stage and you're doing other stuff. Okay. Pillars are a pain in the ass. Okay, see, this is why we have Trader Risky around. So it's yeah. the, the largest pillar-free ballrooms in the world. There will be two of them. And when I say ballrooms, for those of you who are not familiar with convention space, you may say, well, you know, who's going to hold a ball that that's, bi- that's so big like that? Uh, ballrooms, that's the term they use for convention space. So it, it doesn't mean they're actually going to be holding 
Cinderella's ball in there. Yeah, uh, no glass slippers are going to be in there. Yeah. So then there will be two more ballrooms of approximately 40,000 square feet each. So all this adds up to around 300,000 square feet. Uh, it's roughly equivalent to the space of five football fields. Now let's think about this. The World Series of Poker is currently at the Rio. Now we've discussed many times on this show that Caesars has been trying to get rid of the Rio. Caesars basically has no use for the Rio other than conventions and other than the seven weeks a year when the World Series takes place there. They've taken everything out of the Rio that once made it interesting, like the show in the sky and the whole Brazilian party atmosphere. That's all gone. Now it's just a a, a rundown hotel that looks a lot older than it is. Moldy shower curtains and all, right? Yes, exactly. And they've they've cut down on maintenance there, and they, they've really stopped giving a crap with the Rio. They, they really, you could tell, uh, they don't have a use for it other than conventions and the World Series. So, well, they sell twelve dollar Gatorade. <laughs> so they they've also been trying to sell it at times, and I've always wondered. Okay, well, if you sell the Rio, then where will the World Series be? And we've talked about it on the show and. We never came really to a conclusion because there was not a good answer. Because to have the World Series somewhere, you need ample parking, you need a lot of convention space, and uh, I couldn't find anywhere that fit that bill in the current Caesars properties. They just did not have a big convention center with a lot of parking at any of their existing Vegas properties except the Rio. So I I was scratching my head going, what the hell are they going to do if they sell the Rio? So we may have our answer here. Now, a very common complaint from World Series attendees is that the Rio sucks. They complain that it's off-strip, so you're basically trapped there unless you have a car. They complain that it's run down and the maintenance is poor, which is true. They complain that the restaurants are not very good and not open very late, which, by the way, I, I sent an email to Seth Polanski yesterday asking if there's something they can do about the restaurant situation. I said there's definitely enough time now, five and a half months, to prepare for that. But there, there's a lot of people who wish there were a good alternative as far as somewhere to stay when they're at the World Series besides the Rio. Now, you may say, well, yeah, of course you can stay somewhere else. Stay anywhere in Vegas and just drive to the Rio or take a taxi. Well, yeah, you can do that, but it's a pain in the ass. So poker players, they, they want to have a room that they can get to easily, where they can walk to the tournament area. They don't have to hassle with cars and cabs, and, or, and they can go back to their room during long breaks and stuff like that. And, and if you want that, there's only one place you can stay, and that's the Rio. And a lot of people don't like that. So think about this. Think about if the World Series did not take place at the Rio and took place at this new convention center, And then every property except the Rio would be walking distance from it. So first of all, they're going to have three pedestrian bridges connecting directly to this new convention center. From One from Harrah's, one from the Link, which used to be known as the Imperial Palace and the Quad, and one from Flamingo. But even if you want to stay at another Caesars property nearby, you can also walk there. For example, it's pretty much across the street from Caesars Palace. It's also pretty much across the street from Bally's in Paris, even closer to the Cromwell. That's, that's, they'll be very close to it. 
Only one that's a little bit distance is Planet Hollywood, but even Planet Hollywood's not so far where it can't be walked, even in the summer heat in Vegas. But even if you take out Planet Hollywood, there's still seven. So th- this is a large selection of properties where you can say, okay, I want to stay somewhere cheap, and then you can stay somewhere like The Link or Harris. Or I want to stay somewhere nicer. You could stay at Caesar. You could stay at Paris. You could stay at the, Cr- the Cromwell. So you have choices. If, if you have a favorite restaurant or a, a favorite type of room you know, that, that you prefer one of these properties or you, or you just like it to be cheaper, you have so many different choices rather than just the Rio and nothing else. So this would give people so many choices. There wouldn't be the problem of the hotel selling out during events like Colossus, which happens. Now people can get rooms because there will be so many different hotels supporting it. Uh, and even if these all sell out, then you can get rooms at uh, non-Caesars properties nearby. Now keep in mind, they have not announced in any way that this is the planned new home of the World Series. They, they haven't said this. this. That's why it's not getting any press, because no one has said it except for me. So why am I saying it? I'm saying it because it makes sense. The, the giant rooms are perfect for a, a large tournament. Perfect. Think of these 108,000 108, square foot pillarless rooms. Think, think of them. It's, it's perfect to have the World Series. This way you're not splitting the tournament up into a million different little rooms like it is right now. Right now at the World Series, there's two large rooms, the Amazon room and the Pavilion room. And then there's all these small rooms, and it's, it's a pain in the ass. Like, you, you know, you get, okay, you're... Your day two is in the Brasilia room. Well, okay, if you play there all the time, you know where that is, but the, the average players know what the hell is the Brasilia room. They have to find where that is. It's a, it, and then they have to have uh, different staff in each room and different managers in each room. It's a pain in the ass. If they could have all of this in one or two rooms, or most of it in one or two rooms, this would be much, much more convenient. And it would be a, it's a new state-of-the-art facility that's going to have like an open-air look. It's not going to be open-air, but it's going to have like glass ceilings where the, the sun will shine in. and It's going to look like a very modern, cool place, as opposed to the Rio, which just looks like a typical convention room from the 80s or 90s. So it, it'll be a much nicer, more modern experience. You'll really feel like you're playing poker in the 2020s rather than uh, in the 80s. So... Again, they have not... Nice, a, nice to not go stay at a shithole, you know? Th- right, and that too. So this totally makes sense. They have not announced it, and the reason they haven't announced it is because it's two years away from being built, or maybe more. So w- why already say how they're going to use it if you know, maybe, that, maybe they'll decide not to? But I'm sure they've thought of it. I'm sure this has come to mind. I'm sure that they have considered this. Now, I, I showed this whole thing to Benjamin's mom, and I said, hey, I, you know, look where the World Series is going to be moving. And she said, well, I wouldn't say that. What if, what if they have lucrative conventions that they can sell in the summer at the same time? They'll just stay at the Rio. And that might happen. You know, they may decide that they're making so much money from the convention space they're selling that it's not worth moving it from the Rio, especially if they still own the Rio at that point. If they sell the Rio, then for sure it's going to be there. If they don't sell the Rio... It's you know it's a toss up and but I think that's eventually going to be the home. Eventually they're going to say, well look, the only reason to keep the Rio is convention space. We don't need that anymore. And they'll they'll get rid of it. They'll sell it to some uh, you know some other company that can use it for convention space as well and as, as a discount hotel. And, and that's that. And it's going to be gone. They'll wash their hands of it. They, you can tell they don't really want that property anyway. 
So the one thing they just don't have at any other property is about to be in existence right next to eight properties. So to me, it looks very obvious that that is going to be the 2020s home of the World Series. Even if it's not the year 2020, I think in the 2020s, it will be there. I think in the year 2030, sorry, not to the, the year 2032, when Benjamin will be old enough to play the, his first World Series event, uh, I have a feeling if he does that, if he chooses to play the World Series of Poker in 2032 with his 60-year-old father, that he will be playing in that convention center. And uh, it looks definitely like a project that's going to take place. This is not just in theory. This is not one of these things that's probably going to be you know, starting up and then running out of money and stopping like some things in Vegas do. This really looks like it's going forward, and it's already been do, announced. Do you think you'll have made a final table by then? Oh, come on. Don't, don't say things like that. I, I no, made no, a f- I'm being serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I made a final table four years ago. It wasn't, hasn't been that long. But... Yeah, the, the the question is, will I win another bracelet by then? That, that's more of the race here. All right. Will you win another bracelet by then? See, you know, so, some people have bracelet bets. I should have, like, decade bracelet bets. Like, well, you're, no, the reason I was seriously asking if you'd make another final table by then is that, I mean, there's a at least a decent shot that they may kill off the limit hold'em, you know? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm playing Omaha now, too, so I at least and have I, a shot I, I know you know how to play the other games, but that's your kind of specialty, right? It is. It is, but you know, the, the, as we'll get to later in the show, the Limit Hold'em events, the same three they had last year, will be back this year. And I will play them all. Though there is a weirdness about one of them now. Anyway, I, I really think this is happening. and Sounds reasonable. Yeah, and I, I, in fact, it's, it's not only reasonable to me, it's just I can't see how they wouldn't do this sometime in the 2020s. I, I, I agree there's a fair chance that when it opens that the first year they will not be doing this. But I if they if they haven't already planned it, they're going to, like, smack themselves in the first year it's open go wait a minute why do we still have the rio why, why are we not selling it and move moving all our convention stuff including the world series over here like they're here's, here's the thing though like if they manage to find uh conventions and other things that go on there that make it more money i mean they might not do it right you know? if there really is something that just at that same time of year that that really that they're reliably yeah. selling and that's making them a lot of money to where moving the World Series there wouldn't be worth it, then yes. But the World Series, it's a very valuable brand to them, and it generates a lot of money. So I, oh. and, it, I, and I also just feel this will allow them to finally release the Rio. And once they sell the Rio, then they have to have it there. Yeah, what the hell is going to happen to the Rio? Let's say this happens. Like, why would you ever stay at the Rio? Well, you, you, take the wrong, you take a wrong turn down the street for the Rio... And you're in like crackhead territory. Yeah, so, I, I think. What, yeah, I know. I think what they're going to do is just sell it. I think they're just going to dump it at that point for you know whatever it's worth, and that's that. Just some company that wants to have convention space and a cheap hotel attached to it will buy it. That's what I think will happen. I think the only reason it has not been sold yet, they haven't aggressively sold it, is, is because of this convention concern. Like, okay, then what do we do? So. Uh, they they haven't mentioned this yet about the World Series. There's been no speculation from anyone but me. But I, I, I have to think that is the eventual use of it. If you want to see a picture of, not, not the convention center, but where it's going to be placed, kind of, you can go to the Casinos in Las Vegas forum on Poker Fraud Alert, and there's a thread I started called Future WSOP Home, Caesars to Build, large Caesars Forum convention on center on Strip. Go read that thread, and you'll see a picture of it. 
By the way, did you find that picture of Hannah, or do I need to still help? I did. No, I, okay. I saw the whole video. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, not the whole video, but yeah. it, no, this is not like a, a porn video. I'm saying I saw the, uh, or I skipped around through that little podcast. Yeah. So here's, here's something related. Uh, Harrah's in Las Vegas has been sold. It was sold on November 29th. And you may wonder why that's not a bigger story that Harris has been sold. Uh, they've basically sold it to themselves. As, as mentioned back in October, they're in the process of selling all of their casinos to a company named Vici, V-I-C-I. And people have wondered, well, why are they doing that? And what is Vici? How come we haven't heard of them before? And how come this isn't a bigger story? Well, Vici... Up until October 6th, 2017, which of course is just a little bit more than two months ago, was part of Caesars. It was it was a portion of one of the Caesars spin-offs, you know, when they broke Caesars into various parts to try to avoid having to give up their most lucrative assets in the bankruptcy. The Caesars Entertainment Operating Company was one of those split-off companies, and they had a company within them called Vici Properties that was started in 2016. Vici Properties has one purpose, and that is to buy properties, to buy Caesars properties. So on October 6, 2017, Vici Properties spun off completely from Caesars Entertainment Operating Company and became its own property. But, you know, it's still basically the same thing. It's it's still basically them. It just it just technically spun off, and and you yeah, the, the shell game that we were talking about yeah, before. Yeah, so it, it really is just shit like this is keeps the lawyers and the accountants employed. It really, I mean, that's all it is. They're just moving paperwork around, moving money around. It's all bullshit. Yes, and it really is bullshit. If, if you think about it, okay. So what's the point of this? Why why start your own uh, commercial real estate company? within your corporation, spin it off and, and you know, break it off the main corporation to where it's, it's standing on its own two feet, and then have it buy your properties. Why, why even do that? Well, the, the whole... I did that. Oh, you really? I can tell you why. <laughs> okay, go, go ahead. Tell I mean, people. I mean, there are tax advantages to doing it that way. Yeah, and, and it seems like what they're doing here is they're, they're basically... Um, they're, they're, this is a way to generate cash immediately because what's happening is Vici then buys their properties and then Vici rents the properties out back yeah. to Caesars. And then, and then they pay themselves back. We right. did the exact same thing. Right. So that's what's happening here. And they're paying like I think $84.7 million a year, for example. I think the, the sale of Harrah's was like $1.2 billion. And they're paying over... 12 years or something, $84.7 million. And uh, so Vici Properties is actually going to collect more in rent than the sale price that they paid. And it's very guaranteed rent because uh, they, they have it in the contract that they keep paying it. But, but the whole and thing they're is... they're paying themselves. Yeah, they're paying themselves. That's, that's the whole point. That's why it doesn't matter. So, the, so, so this is to generate cash at the moment because they immediately get this money. And then they can spend this money. Now, they they did this for 
reasons of uh, you know to, to raise capital to to do other things that they've wanted to do for a while, but couldn't because of the bankruptcy. So one of the things they did was buy those two racinos, which are like racetrack casinos in Indiana. That was I fucking hate words like that. I, I hate it too. I, I, that's I why. hate it when people take these two things and like match them together and make some stupid word out of it. That, that's why I said it like that. It just it just like sound, a mochaccino yeah, and a frappuccino. And yeah, it's so fucking. So dumb. it sounds stupid, but yeah, they they bought uh, um, Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson, Indiana, and Indiana Grand Racing and Casino in Shelbyville, Indiana. So they they bought those with money that they got from this sale to Vici, this this Harris sale. and uh, But here's where it actually comes in with this forum that they're building, this, uh, this convention center. That the, since Harris is right next to this convention center, they actually made it to where they do keep that land. They, they sold everything except for this piece, this 18.4-acre plot of land that's adjacent to Harrah's, that Caesars does get to have ownership of that. But would you believe that at some point that they can force Vici to buy that as well? I would believe it. <laughs> Which is so weird. Like, okay, we're buy- yeah, you're buying this hotel from us. Okay, deal's done. By the way, uh, this other thing that, that we still own... Later, we can just make you buy it. Like, how do you make someone buy something? I could see like an option to buy something or, or, or some agreed-upon price. It's, just, it's not even an agreed-upon price from what I can see. They can just make them purchase it, which makes no sense until you realize they're the same company. Right. So that's, that's in place. The, the whenever, whenever the tax laws or whatever comes into place where it's advantageous for them to do that, then they'll do that. You know? Yeah. And the yeah the lease is actually for fifteen years, and the rent is eighty seven point four million. This is for Harris, and uh, then the rent will actually increase in subsequent years after the fifteen years. But they don't say what the increases will be. And in case you're wondering, you know, so they bought for one point one four billion in cash. Mm. The amount of money they just paid. For those two racinos from what's known as Centaur Holdings, they just paid one hundred billion dollars. No, but uh, still more than you'd expect. One point seven billion dollars. Sound effects. It didn't come through. Well, we got Trader Ruski now. Remember? I, I added him back. I added the sounds back. This is so terrible. Yeah, I didn't hear it either. Okay. Here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try one more time, just just to make sure this works. One hundred billion dollars. Here this time. Yep. Good. Yep. Okay. Beautiful. So, um, so this is uh, this is all related, and uh, of course, when Vici can be forced to buy this uh, convention center, they are also required to lease it back to Caesars. Uh, this doesn't have to happen, but Caesars um, Caesars can make them do it. And Vici, I guess, can also decide to do this. So either way, either side, they can either force Vici to buy it or Vici can force Caesars to sell it. 
Yeah, and and going in with the the theme of the Racino and these other dumb invented words. I mean, this is really corporation, right? I mean, they're <laughs> they're forcing themselves to do this stuff. Corporation. You know? I mean, it's just, it's That's much better than Racino. I like that corporation. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it is. You know. So. That's that's what's happening. So if you heard Harris is sold, don't say, oh, my God, who owns Harris now? Is this going to change? What about my total rewards card? No, it, it's all going to be the same. The, the customer will not notice any difference. This is all just internal bookkeeping nonsense. And, and where have we heard this before? Didn't some poker room change over and change their name and then go back? Um, Bovada. Oh, yeah, yeah, Bovada, right, and Ignition, yeah. Yeah, so it's more... Shell game bullshit. Yeah, Ignition still likes to pretend it's different than Bovada. They just like yeah. They, they just they just the the ruse continues even though it's, it's so obvious in every way it's the same company. But I mean, in theory, the same thing could happen here where they could they could, in theory, they could say, "Oh no, we're sold, so uh, we're going to use that as an excuse to, you know, ding your total rewards or whatever." You know, what, what's funny is possible. I have certain restrictions on my Bovada account that I won't get into, but I don't have them on Ignition. And I'm just waiting for them to just like like put the same one on ignition, and then I'm gonna go. Well, why would that be? How, how can right. that be? How could that be happening? I thought you're two different companies. Did you get your chat banned again for blowing up the people drop? <laughs> Unbelievable! It, it doesn't Stop matter. Reading the fish. I just I just have sake. certain restrictions, but they're they're only on Bovada, not ignition. Actually, I wish it was chat. It's, unfortunately, it's uh, something functional, but it, it wasn't for anything I did wrong. It's just it just they them. take away your raise button. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be terrible. <laughs> So they, so that's you'll probably hear about more of these sales. Uh, Vici already owns like nineteen of their properties, so more and more of these are going to occur. And uh, this one just happened to Harris on November twenty ninth. So not really a big deal. It's just uh, it's just ways for Caesars to once again get themselves in massive debt. Here's something which does not get them in debt. One of the few smart things they've done that was acquiring the World Series and the World Series schedule has been announced, which was really surprising to me. In, in prior years, I complained that they took so long. What they used to do is eh, sometime in late December, they'd put out a teaser of certain events that they're going to have they didn't have the year before and certain changes, but you wouldn't get any kind of real schedule. They'd announce like, the dates of a few events and give like an overall time span of the World Series, like you know, May 31st to July 17th, but you wouldn't get beyond that. And then you'd have to wait till late January, early February for it to finally drop, which some people didn't like because they wanted to plan their vacation further in advance, and you can't do that until you know what events are, are when, and uh, you can set up a schedule for yourself. So this year, I, I heard a rumor that it leaked in some way, but if it did, it didn't get to me. Someone said that it leaked first, but I, I can't say that's true. I just someone mentioned that to me. If if you guys have evidence of this and can send me a link of it leaking before this, I'd, I'd like to know that. But the first I heard of it was an official email I got from Seth Polanski a few days ago, or maybe two days ago. I think it was two days ago or yesterday. Let me see. I think it was yesterday actually. And they had the full World Series of Poker 2018 schedule. The only thing that they did not have was a structure sheet. So you can't see details about each tournament, but you can see each tournament, the date, the buy-in, the length of the event, uh, things like that. And you can look at it right now on wsop.com slash tournaments. 
WSOP.com slash tournaments. You, too, can see the full World Series of Poker schedule. And then eventually, TastyStakes.com, which Calwatt runs, will have a, a version of the schedule that's much easier to navigate. It's, it's known as the schedule that doesn't suck. Are you making work for me ahead of time? I just assume that's a hallmark of Tasty Steaks that you wouldn't want. Yes, to, it'll it'll be up there. You, you no wouldn't worries. you wouldn't want to ruin the the brand there. So God forbid. <laughs> ho- hopefully, Tasty Steaks can have more controversy this year, like it did last year. Not, from nothing it did wrong, but just the you know players involved with it and controversy, which gets attention to it. You got uh, a lot of traffic last year because of all the how, how much it got discussed. Yeah. So it's always good. Made, to be- made millions of millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. From- <laughs> <laughs> as much as this site made for me here, so it's probably probably less. Yeah. <laughs> I think it probably costs me more to run that than it does you, PFA. So if if I'm going there right now, it's not loading for me for some reason. Anyway, um, they they have some changes as they usually do. The biggest change this year, before I get into the rest, is this weirdness they have reintroduced, but to a greater degree, that they started kind of doing in recent years, but was more common about 10 years ago. And that was the thing, and I don't like this, of events that run during the main event, which just feels weird to me. To me, the main event feels like, that's it. It's the final event... When you're done, the World Series is over, and you if you stay around, you can watch the tournament area shrink, shrink, shrink. They end up closing rooms, and then eventually uh, it's down to that one room. And it's kind of like a finality. And when you bust out of the main event, it's a finality. Okay, I'm out of the main event. World Series is over. You know, can't play till next year. A long time ago, over 10 years ago, they, they did have several events like small not small but you know smaller no limit events during the main event so if you busted the main event or if you just did not play the main event so that you can still play world series bracelet events my best finish ever in a world series of poker no limit hold'em event and also my third best finish overall was in 2006 i finished in fourth place at a no limit hold'em event during the world series this was a real event it was a bracelet event it was not you know some BS side event. It was really a bracelet event. I would have won the bracelet had I finished first instead of fourth, but I finished fourth. Uh, most people don't even know this. Most people don't know I've final table the No Limit Hold'em event, but I have. And then they did away with that. And despite the fact that I final tabled a No Limit event in one of those after main event things, I, I actually was happy about that decision because it just seemed unnatural. Well, this year they're taking the whole unnatural thing to new levels. Now, I think last year they ran the little one-for-one drop during the main event, but that didn't affect me because I refused to play that during due to the stupid full rake they take in addition to the amount they take for the charity, which I think is ridiculous. So just in principle, I won't play it. I also think it's poor value, but even that aside, in principle, I won't play it. But that was the only one I think I saw that they ran during the main event, but now they are starting the main event earlier than ever or at least ever semi-recently. And then they are running a number of different events during the main event, including one that I'm definitely going to play. So they're actually running the $3,000 Limit Hold'em 6 Max, would you believe, 
on day five of the main event, which I think is horrible. Because, like, who's going to be there to play that at that point? You think there's going to be a lot of demand for $3,000 limit hold'em six max on day five of the main event? It's going to be like a, there's going to be a tumbleweed blowing by that event. I think it's going to be like me and five guys from Minnesota just automatically starting off at the final table. Yeah, you guys are just going to be eyeing each other like, really? <laughs> that's going to be, go, well, good, good news, you guys all made the final table. That's what I think it's going to be. Like, like who's going to be there at that point? So the main event begins on July 3rd, or actually earlier July. On July 2nd, it begins. And then on July 9th, a full week later, is the $3,000 limit hold'em, which would be day five of the main event at the same time. So this, Seth Polanski put out a press release on December 12th, yesterday. Uh, this is the 49th annual World Series of Poker the 2018 version. And it's going to be running from May 29th through July 17th. And I'm trying to scroll. I'm just doing something weird, like scrolling back up by itself. Weird. Anyway, they, they are saying that they're going to be running 12 different tournaments after the main event begins, which is crazy. And one of them is that $3,000 limit hold'em event that I really want to play, the six max, one that I've gotten deep. Like every single year I, I get deep in that and then don't cash. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's so frustrating every year. At some point I'm the chip leader in that thing. And every year I don't cash. I've never cashed that damn thing, but I like every time I'm, I'm at one point in the event, I'm, I'm just like the chip leader very close to it. But anyway, I'm going to have to stay around for this. I, and I hate that because I, I like when I bust from the main event that I can just leave. I don't like busting, but when it happens, I like leaving. And now I can't leave. Now I've got to wait. Now, hopefully I'll still be in the main event on day five. Then I won't be playing this. But if I'm not, I'm going to be standing around waiting until July 9th to play this thing. So here's all the different events that are going to start after the main event starts on July 2nd. There will be... Now, now, for a few days, they won't be starting anything else because they, they don't have the space for it. But three days later, after the main event starts, there's three starting days, July 2nd, 3rd, 4th. On July 5th, there's a $1,500 No Limit Hold'em. July 6th, $1,500 PLO Bounty, which is new. July 7th and July 8th will be the two starting days for the little one for one drop. Also on July 8th, the 3K PLO 6 max. Uh, July 9th, they're going to have two things. The third starting day for the little one for one drop and 3,000 buy and limit hold'em 6 max, which I just mentioned. July 10th, $5,000 no limit hold'em turbo. That's kind of weird too. Like, Somehow they think people will still be around like on day six of the main event and willing to plunk down another $5,000 to play a No Limit Hold'em Turbo event. I, I can't imagine that getting a lot of entries either. July 10th, a mixed No Limit and PLO event, which is eight-handed, $1,500 buy-in. And then on July 11th, there's a $1,000 double stack turbo. Double stack meaning you're starting with double the chips that you usually do. But it's a turbo with 30-minute levels. 
Then July, also on July 11th, a, a uh, 10K No Limit Hold'em 6 Max. That's another weird thing to have at this point. Then on July 12th, they're going to have $3,000 Horse and their final event called The Closer. The Closer is a $1,500 No Limit Hold'em Turbo with a million-dollar guarantee. And uh, actually, that's, sorry, that's not it. They call it The Closer, but that's not it. They, they have two more events, two very high buy-in events. On July 13th is a 50K high roller event, No Limit Hold'em High Roller. And on July 15th is the big one for one drop, which uh, for those of you that don't know, the buy-in is... One million dollars. Now that one, it doesn't matter when they have it because people are obviously coming in just for that. You know, when it's a million-dollar buy-in, you don't have to worry really about convenience of when that is. But uh, so that's that's not going to be affected. So I, I do think having that last is it, it kind of kills whatever buzz there is for it. Because first of all, everyone's going to be thinking about the main event, which I'm not sure if it'll be over yet by that point on July 15th. But if it's not, it's going to be down to like the final table. So then, like, who's going to really be paying attention to the one drop? I think it's going to be like conflicting with one another. But you'd think they would generate excitement for that sometime in the middle of the World Series, maybe even the beginning. Just, just kind of seems like a weird place to put it. So these are all these events that are running during the main event. And I just think it's anticlimactic. I, I just think it's weird. But I know why they're doing it. and they, they must have been looking at themselves going, look, we have to keep a lot of our staff here during the main event, you know, we, we, we have all these tournament rooms, we, we have to close down, like, they, they see all this unused space and staff that could be just working a few extra days to generate extra money, and they go, look, if we're all here anyway, why not run other events? We're, we're, we're underutilizing the space we have here, and the whole setup we have. Like, why start closing it down bit by bit, day by day, when we can keep using that space for other things? So that's, uh, definitely they're doing this for money. Definitely that's why they're doing it. And I, and I don't like it. I I think a lot of other people won't like it. People who just want to leave after the main event is over and can't now if they want to play these other events. And there's a lot of different things. PLO, Limit Hold'em, Horse, uh, some of these high rollers, the little one for one drop if you're into that, the PLO Bounty. So there's there's events that people are going to like and look forward to, and now they're stuck waiting for this. Unless they're not playing the main event, then I guess it doesn't matter to them. But that's... uh, I also think that some of these things the main event may interfere with. Now, if, if, like for me, if I'm on day five of the main event, I'm, I'm happy enough to miss that uh, 3K limit hold'em. But what about like day two or day three, where you miss an event you wanted to play? So you can make day three and not cash, as, as I did in 2017, and in 2011, and 2012, and 2013. So... Uh, I already don't like that part of it. Let's discuss some of the new events they have. So there's this double stack event. The double stack event is it's a thousand dollar buy-in, no limit hold'em event, but you start with uh, ten thousand starting chips. Now it's not clear to me whether this is a turbo or not a turbo because there's a there's a conflict here, and I asked Seth Polanski, I haven't gotten a response yet. On the press release, it says that it's a turbo with 30-minute levels, in which case it sucks, and in that case, the double stack doesn't mean that much. 
the, the official World Series of Poker schedule does not say it's a turbo. It says 60-minute levels. So I don't know. I don't know. If you look at it, uh, event number 34A, $1,000 double stack, no limit hold'em, it says uh, 10,000 starting chips, 60-minute levels. But then the press release says 30-minute levels. Now, there is a turbo of this later on in the World Series. So maybe there's both. Maybe that's where the confusion is. But the, the press release says that you know, they're all 30-minute levels. I, I don't know. We'll find that out soon. Hopefully it's 60-minute levels. I like the idea of this. I was pretty much refusing to play these 1K buy-in events because they just moved too quickly. You just didn't start with enough chips to where if you didn't get something going in the first few levels, you're dead. So I didn't like those. I just felt there was too much luck. Something with, with more play, with a, with a smaller buy-in like 1K, I, I thought was better. So I will play that, or at least I'll try to play that if, if it really is 60-minute levels. That's one thing they've added. It's kind of like a, a little different version of the Monster Stack, which is a $1,500 event, and you start with even more chips. Uh, they've added a 10K 6 max No Limit Hold'em event, which wasn't there before. As I mentioned, there's a Bounty PLO event. I, I've played the Bounty No Limit Hold'em event once. That was in 2015, and I cashed in it. And I, I like that event. It, it's a cool event, especially, you know, it's $500 bounty, so if you knock out three people, you've paid your buy-in right there. Then you, you, you can't lose at that point if you knock out three people. So they're, they're adding a PLO version of this, which makes sense. PLO is growing in popularity every year, including uh, with Calwide when he takes money from farmers. It's just something that they say every year. It's the game of the future every year. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like some of these baseball players. It, it, you know, it's always a this guy's always going to be a great pitcher in the future, and then one day he's thirty four years old. And they, oh, maybe, maybe he won't be. Now, Druff, I'm trying to let you go, but I got to be honest with you. Like to me, this is this is like talking about Christmas in July. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or it's it's like it, it, it's like looking at pictures of food just after you had a big meal. Or, you know, looking at a naked girl just after you had sex. You know, it's hard to get hard to get worked up with it so far away. Well, I, you know I, I, mean? I agree that is one downside of this being released now. But if I were to talk about it when it gets closer, it's going to be old news by then. So. I beg you they'll change it, though. <laughs> and that's one of the... No, I, I, I'm telling you. Because I, as you noted, I've put these schedules in every year on the Tasty Steaks since like 20... Whenever it was, 2015? I don't know. And they change them all the time. I've had to go back in and and uh, and edit it on every year. I've had to go back in and fix it because they make last minute changes. They move this to here or that to there. Uh, there probably won't be drastic changes, but I bet you they move stuff around a little bit. They might, though. They have published the schedule, so I, I think it's probably pretty close to what they're going to do. The uh, so here's a new thing too, and I, I refuse to play this. You know that, that stupid thing they call the giant, where it's three hundred sixty-five dollar buy-in. It's a thirteen percent rake, which is kind of brutal already. It's uh, is that the one you made fun of and then you played? Yes, yes. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it again. I, I tried it. I gave it a shot. I thought it was awful, and I said I'm never coming back. I'm, 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 you heard it here first. No, this I'm time gonna I'm really be, not. I'm going to be there when Druff puts his buy-in down for that tournament. No, much like much like the Colossus, which I I also thought sucked. This is even worse. So I'm not playing the Colossus yeah. game, which I've stuck to, by the way, and I'm not playing this again. And so now there's a PLO version too. The PLO Giant is also being put in. So oh, now God. now every weekend, this is what's so obnoxious. Every weekend there's going to be a freaking giant on both days. 
Uh, one day, you know what's going to be horrible about that PLO giant, though, man? You're going to get, first of all, I mean, just because there's twice as many cards, you're going to have, it takes longer to deal. Like, it just does. Oh, yeah. And then everyone's going to take longer to look at their cards, and you're going to get a ton of people in there that just don't know anything about PLO. It's going to take. It's going to be horrendous. Yeah, everyone's going to be short stacked so fast on that because it's yeah, you're not going to get many hands in exactly. Well, the pay, yeah, the pacing is going to be atrocious. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be yeah. horrible because it's it, you're not going to get many hands in, and the level is going to move up so fast, and all of a sudden, everyone's short stacked. So yeah, this these giants, the way they work, if you guys forget, is. They have one day one per week of the entire World Series. So, yeah, if, if they have one, then the next week they have another day one. The next week they have another day one on the same day of the week. So Saturday, 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 all the way through. And then at the very end of the World Series, then they have day two. And at that point, everybody's cashed. What is going on here? What, where is this coming from? Do you hear what? this? I don't hear any of them. <laughs> it's I hear your voice breaking up, but that's it. Something's happening here. Some some ads are popping up. This is so weird. I oh, think that's I'm, why your voice is breaking. Yeah, I, yeah. No, when, I, whenever audio plays on your end, like your microphone cuts out. I think I may have some. I wonder if I have some malware on this computer or something. Because uh, I did install a, a Chrome extension recently, which I was a bit suspicious of to block ads, and I'm wondering if it's actually just bringing on more ads. So too many porn sites. You got yeah. infected. So I'm not to look at this. Actually, you know what they they've done studies that um, you're more likely to get infected from these various religious sites than you are porn sites. Really, which I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes sense because I mean the, these a lot of these porn companies like they're big businesses. <laughs> you know, they really are. Yeah. Well. Anyway, sorry you guys. It was like a bounty ad that ran twice. <laughs> it was like you have bounty, bounty, bounty. It was really strange. You're I lu- didn't hear it. I know you're lucky you didn't get to hear that. So sorry to the listeners for that crap. But anyway, uh, they aren't really removing any appreciable events from last year. There's there's a lot more events this year. I didn't say a lot more. There's a few more events this year. I think 79 events this year versus I think 74 last year. Is it 79? 78 or 79? 78. Uh, they are, but they didn't really remove anything significant. To add these new events, they just took out, like, generic $1,500 No Limit Hold'em or generic $1,000 No Limit Hold'em events, so, which they had a lot of anyway. So if there was an event you really liked last year, it's probably coming back, and that includes my three Limit Hold'em events, though one of them is stupidly timed on July 9th. And... I've basically gone over uh, most of the things that are significant that have been added. That well, we, the one thing we haven't gone over is, is Traderuski. Is this getting your juices flowing, Traderuski? Uh-oh. He's, he's slow getting off mute. I know it. I know it. No, I think he's gone, man. You think we lost him? I think, I think he think, had the tea and he passed out. Think, is he still you, connected? You think bounty, yeah. You think Bounty paper towels uh, wrapped around his neck and he, he's gone? Yeah, no, he's still on there. Wow, wow. I, I'm expecting wow. just. Sorry, I, guess I got my answer then. Sorry, guys, I, 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 I couldn't get the mute, <laughs> couldn't get the mute button off. Yeah, I guess he's. I guess we put him to sleep with it. So th- th- wow. that's that's basically what the story is. And the, as I say, the most significant change is this whole thing of events during the main event. Now, here's what I'm planning to play, or not playing. What I'm interested in playing. 
but I'm not going to play all of these. There's going to be some I cut from this, but this is just, I went through it and noted down the ones I have an interest in. May 31st, the 1500 08 event. June 3rd, I'm considering the 10K 08 event. Not sure about it, but I'm considering it. June 5th, the 1500 No Limit Hold'em. June 9th and 10th, the 1500 Millionaire Maker No Limit Hold'em. June 11th, the Marathon, also known as the Extended Play, 2620 No Limit Hold'em. Uh, the 1K PLO, June 12th. The June 16th Mixed Omaha event, which is uh, PLO 8, 08, and Big O. June 17th, the $1,000 Double Stack, provided it's not a turbo. June 18th, the, uh, one, a $1,500 No Limit Hold'em. June 20th, a 1500 Limit Hold'em, which, of course, I'll be playing. The June, June 23rd, 10K PLO 8, which I heard had a very soft field last year. I regretted not playing it because everyone who I talked to who played it told me they were shocked how bad people were at PLO 8. So that it's always the case. Yeah, that that's. But I, I thought the 10K level that they, I knew there'd be a few people there that just had money to burn and played it. But they said there were a lot of people who just did not understand what to do there. Well, yeah. I mean, you'll also get the the no limit pros that they're they're good at cards and they've got money but and they're just like they just don't understand fundamentally how those games work yeah and probably people who are wealthy who like plo who don't really understand the the low side of the strategy with that i mean i'm sure there are people that show up there that are just like they don't even know what the fucking game is yeah they're like oh it's the 10k all right i'll play it's the 10k plo okay (laughs) wait what what? they don't even say 10 they they just say oh it's the 10k all right (laughs) sign me up you know then uh, the Monster Stack uh, $1,500 buy-in, the Limit Hold'em 10K event, where every single year, including last year, I get to be a chip leader. It's like the 3K event. All three Limit Hold'em events, I get to be a freaking chip leader at some point. And I don't mean like in the first hour. I mean like, like at some point where it's starting to be significant or is significant, and then I don't cash. It's, it's, it's the most tilting thing. Like I, it's amazing. Like I, I, I just get to the chip leader point. And then I just stop winning hands. I just cannot win a hand after that. It's like a switch turns off. A, a doom switch. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it, it's, it's like a live doom switch. It's amazing. I, Those I get early to, wins really ruined you, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, June 26th, a 1500 uh, PLO8 with one re-entry possible. June 29th, uh, the... the uh, I think I mentioned this. Why there? I think I've got this. Oh, I see. There's a. That's really weird. Oh, I see. You know, I I listed this wrong. I actually I accidentally listed and we playing the PLO eight handed championship, not the PLO uh-huh. eight championship. So I'm not going to play the PLO eight handed. That I'm not doing. Um, the, the PLO eight championship that one is actually on june 29th that's the one i will consider i gotta make sure to fix the schedule there <laughs> you see even i'm confused even i almost entered the wrong event for ten thousand dollars see yeah that, what if i you that guy who shows up <laughs> i could show up just and then... down at the table and face turns white when you find out what game you're actually I'm, I'm a, imagine like like <laughs> a, a massive pot developed and i go well at least i've got half of this i've got the low yeah what are you talking about imagine, imagine yeah, you could four. really screw some people up if you played it really aggressive and then you actually had to go to showdown. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's crazy. <laughs> Imagine if I have a backer on this and I have to explain this. I go, well, I'm sorry. It says PLO eight handed championship. I thought it meant PLO eight championship. Like it's it's very confusing. Okay, it's just gross negligence, man. 
Uh, June 30th, an event I only played last year. I think it was new last year, and I, I criticized it and cashed in it. It, it. This one was more than just criticizing it and playing. This is criticizing and cashing. This is the uh, $888 Crazy Eights event on June 30th. July 3rd, the second day of the main event, is when I plan to play. Then July 5th, if I'm out by then, which would be busting the first day, which would kind of suck, a $1,500 No Limit Hold'em event if I'm in the mood to play. I may not be in the mood by then if that happens. But but I will definitely play on July 9th, unless I'm still in the main, the 3K Limit Hold'em event, six-handed. I'm not necessarily playing all of these events. In fact, there will be some I don't play, because I, I, I'm not going to be there for seven straight weeks, and that's what this would require, because there really isn't much time in between any of these to be anywhere else. So I'm going to cut some out. I'm probably cutting the, the Millionaire Maker and the, and the Marathon. I'm probably cutting... I may actually cut the Crazy Eights just by cashing in it last year. Um, I may ca- cut... So, and I'll probably cut the 1K PLO. So uh, that is what I have uh, an interest in doing. And I'm still finalizing my schedule. Fortunately, I have five and a half months until the time comes. And uh, I'm even thinking about, I'm even rethinking about, you know, as far as selling pieces of myself, the way I'm going to do it. I have had some people that have expressed interest in buying pieces of me, but said that they don't, they don't want to buy these tiny 4% pieces. It's not exciting for them. These are people who, you know, have a little more money and they, they, you know, bigger gamblers that they don't, they don't want 4% of someone. It's just boring to them. So they've said, look, I, I don't want to get involved in this, you know, you, something bigger, let me know if you're playing. So the, um, I may change the way I I sell pieces. I'll have to see. I, though I do like selling pieces, you know, small pieces to the people who listen to this show and to people who read the forum just to give them a sweat and have people have some vested interest in it, even if it's not for huge money. So I, I may still do that. I'll, I'll announce that when it comes closer right now. I, I don't even want to get into like collecting money for an event that's five and a half months away or more. That's just crazy. That's the thing, man. Like I, I haven't even planned what I'm doing for New Year's. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't. Let alone, I, I mean, I just. I, I guess to me, it's is, okay. My mind is blown. I guess to like, me, it's po- it's okay because I. It feels like a long time since I played the World Series. It, it's been five months, but it feels like more than five months. So, to me, it feels like not that it should be coming soon, but it seems like enough time has passed to where I, I can already be looking forward to the next one. Though I have to say, being realistic and saying, "Hey, the the very first event is five and a half months away," so. You know how close is it really? So most poker players are gonna like start figuring out what they're gonna do like a week before they go. <laughs> I guarantee. Well, a lot it. of them figure it out like the same day. They, they show up. Oh, yeah, I'll play this. So, you know, so yeah, it's, it's a little different than right. I, I put down a whole schedule, but you know, part of the reason I put the whole schedule down is because I, I need to schedule various trips. So when I'm away from a family, that it's you know, the time is put to good use, and and that. Uh, I, I get in the events that I want to, and that the time I'm there that is the time which is best for me as far as the just, events I want to play. I'm just most. warning you, like, don't book everything and do all that kind of stuff. Like, you can plan it; that's fine. But you'd be so mad if you booked everything, you move your trips around, and then they shuffle the the tournaments around. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's funny because I, I like I was looking at a summer vacation. I go, oh, okay. Well, the main events earlier, and even you know the. You know, the latest is going to go as such and such unless I make it super, super deep, and then in which case I wouldn't care if I have to cancel plans. So, like, you know, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I can actually take a trip earlier than I thought. I go, wait, you know what? I probably shouldn't because they may change something. So, actually, I, I already thought of that. I, I already, like, I had already planned a trip for later than that, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to leave it the way it is. 
just mm-hmm. just because I I don't want to count on Caesar's not screwing me. Like yeah. I, my attitude about this stuff is like if I'm in day seven of the main event, I'm not going to say, "Oh man, this trip I have planned, I have to cancel it now, or I have to cut a few days." I'm not going to think. I'll say, "I'm thrilled I'm on day seven of the main event." I'm not, I'm not going to care about any of this other stuff, but. Like I, I wouldn't want where like making day three of the main event starts putting a trip into to, into uh, Jeopardy. Well, now speaking of getting screwed, can we uh, bring up how you got screwed out of five dollars? Yeah, uh, Calwatt sent me a warning a t- in text message that Trump has signed a law that requires now the registration of drones with the FAA, which at first was required and then was unrequired. So for a long time, it was one of these... Yeah, they took the power away from the FAA to be able to to force hobbyists to register. And it was apparently part of uh, the 2018 National Defense Authorization Act now allows uh, the FAA to administer the... uh, Registration of hobbyist drones. So if you yeah. own a drone, now you got to register the fuck. Right, and, and that's one of the, uh, it was a form of confusion for people. I always have people saying, "Oh, you had to register this." And I go, "Well, no, actually, I don't." Like uh, yeah, at first, it was it said you did, but then it's, it was decided a while ago that you actually don't, and they recommend it, but you weren't forced to. But but now you are forced to again. So so I last night I was like, okay, I guess I have to. So I went to the FAA site, and I really just thought I was going to be entering info. And that would be that. No, it it demanded five dollars from me. It, it said that to register this, I have to pay five dollars by credit card. So uh, it was like it was like an irritant. Obviously, five dollars is very little money, but I was like, really, I, I have to pay five dollars here? Like, it's, how the fuck do they enforce this? Though I don't understand. Well, they don't. See, this is what I'm concerned about, and this is why I, I did it now. I just don't want it to where the drone crashes. I've always wondered what if the drone crashes and and you know does some something very bad. Let's say it causes a car accident. People really get hurt or die or something because it crashes on a car or something like that. I I mean that's my nightmare. That's why I'm always a little scared when I'm flying the drone, even if it just like passes over a, a road very briefly. I just always worried that that's gonna be the moment it crashes down and kills someone. I just feel I just feel the worst if this happened, even if it wasn't my fault. I just feel the worst having the drone there over that road, so I really try as hard as I can to only keep it over just just nature. But then they make it difficult for me because they go, you can't fly it in national parks, you can't fly it in, in, in certain state parks, national recreation areas, you can't fly by this airport. So, like, the areas where you can actually fly it that's over just nature, that's not prohibited in some way. It's, it's shrinking to, to not very much space. But Yeah, you got to send a little Asian boy to go retrieve it for you. Yes, yeah, right? so, yeah, and what's amazing is that there are not hard rules against flying like directly over houses or roads. They, they recommend you don't, but you're not prohibited from doing so. <laughs> so it's so weird that like I, I, I can take it to what's known as a national park. And I don't mean like a, a crowded national park like Yellowstone or the Grand Canyon. I'm talking about something like, uh, you know, just a, an area they call a national park that is actually just like a huge open space which barely has any people. For some reason, that's illegal. But if I want to take it over you know, busy streets or, or, or a big neighborhood where if it crashes down to the ground, it could really hurt someone, for some reason that's not prohibited. So I've always wondered what will happen if, not really through negligence on my part, but just whatever, it loses control, it crashes. Um, what is my legal responsibility, aside from just feeling terrible about it? What, what, well, I'll tell you what, with this new law, Druff, 
It says that if you don't register, you could be facing civil and criminal penalties. And then, so that's exactly why I did it. Because if, if I were to crash it, and then it's found out I did not have it registered, then that's where they could lay the hammer down on me. So I mm-hmm. said, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to make sure that if, if anything happens, at the very least, they can't point to this. Yeah, they could and, hammer you like a cam girl. Right, you know? right. I don't want to be punished because of that just because I was trying to save five bucks. So, so what's so ridiculous about this $5 is that there's, there's really no cost to them. They're, they're not sending you anything. Uh, they'll, they'll email you something you can print out, uh, but you don't have to. And they basically give you a registration number, which you're supposed to write or stick onto your drone. Yeah, good luck. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, like an airplane. You know how the airplanes all have those numbers? It's the same thing. You have to have a number, so if it crashes, then they can look up in their system. Oh, okay, Todd Wattellis owns this drone. We can go after him. So Now, that part doesn't bother me because I already have my phone number on my drone in case it crashes so people can bring it back to me. I even put reward. So, by the way, here's a tip for anybody. If you see me flying my drone... If you can find a way shoot to shoot it, it down, yeah, shoot it down in some way, but not where not where it's destroyed, but but shoot it down. Make sure it just goes down, and then uh, and then call me and then ask for the reward. You'll make some money. I'll, I'll use that fucker for target practice, bro. <laughs> well, if you bring it back to me and I see you've shot it down, I'm not going to pay you. But uh, if well, I could tell you, I defended it from some rogue eagle that was attacking you. <laughs> so, so. I'm not so worried about being identified if the drone crashes because it'll have my phone number and that could be used to identify me in the case that anything happened. But it's just so ridiculous I have to pay $5 to them to do this, just to, for them to issue me a number. Because no human being touches this stuff. It just, it's, it's all done through an automated system that the government maintains. And then I'm the one who has to write down. It's not like they're sending me a sticker to put on my drone. I'm actually, I'm actually having to print out something or write on my drone the number so it, all the work is on my end yeah so it's it's ridiculous at five bucks I, I didn't even know that i thought it was just i thought it was a free thing but you just had to do it so it was, it was just very disheartening I, did, I just felt like like that the government came over and mugged me and took five bucks from me i wonder what the motivation for this is it, it almost seems like it's one of those things where they just want to make it illegal so that if someone does something fucked up with a drone it's additional charges they can pile on top or something you know because i don't see i don't see how this really helps on, in a vacuum well I, th- I actually think it might be scare people first and then if they screw up later now you have a way to uh identify them because if you don't write anything on your drone and you crash mm-hmm. it it can be very hard to figure out whose drone it is so how are they going to enforce this though Let, let's say I, I i buy one of these drones and I'm using it to, to peep in the, the windows, you know, check stuff out, whatever. And I crash it. Can I just, like, walk away? Like, how are they ever going to find okay, out? Okay, so... Is there a national registry when they no. sell these okay, things? Okay, so, so they, 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 for the most part, cannot figure this out. Uh, it, it's more if, if something happens and they, uh, they, they want to be able to... I think so they can identify you quickly. Now, see, like, it depends how bad it is it happened. Like, let's say you're just flying your drone around... And then you crash it into someone's parked car and do a lot of damage. Well, right. if there's nothing written on your drone that's not registered, they're never going to find you. And no one's going to do a, a massive investigation to find you. It, however, if you're flying your drone and it, 
you know, if it falls out of the sky and goes through a roof and lands on someone and kills some kid or something, then they may, you know, take fingerprints off the drone or whatever and, and try to figure out who you are. Or, or, or if you crash into a car that's driving and someone gets seriously injured or killed, then they may put more investigation into it and, and to figure out who you are, which they could do even without the number, as they said, with like fingerprints off of the drone. But, uh, and maybe even by checking, you know, some kind of serial number it has with with uh, the company. There, there's so many different ways you can buy it. They, they may not even the company the company that sells it may not even have uh, that information. But the thing is, I think they're just making it easier here. After the fact, after you've registered, like they they make you really scared to not register it, and then once it's registered, and once they've scared you into writing the number on it, then if something happens and you do something stupid. Then now, now they've got you. Now they can instantly look up whose drone it is. I think, I think that's probably the motivation here, uh, as far as. So it's, so it's probably harder, or more of a fee and more paperwork to get a drone in Alabama than it is to get a gun, <laughs> right? Not to get one, but to to, to operate it to, to operate it legally. You, you can of course operate it without it being registered, but they. And I, I had even heard that they were going to try – I don't think this is happening anymore. But at one point there was talk about forcing these drone companies to put in the software or in the firmware that if it's not registered, that it can't fly. They just won't allow it to, to take off. But that, that's not happening. But I know there was, that was talked about at one point. So anyway, good I registered it. I, I mean, good fucking luck. Just like you jailbreak your phone, people are going to jailbreak the fucking drones. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I so I've wrote uh, so I'm going to write the thing on there. I might as well. I'm not trying to hide who I am with the drones. I said I have that sticker with my phone number, and and at least the whole reason I did it is just just so now they can't claim that I have violated something. And you know, I, I hope you you've been violated. <laughs> you've been violated for five bucks. Yeah, I, I have been. It's uh, it it was just it was a weird feeling because I part of me saying okay, it's five bucks. Why does it matter? But it, for some reason, it really bothered me because I wasn't expecting it. It's one of these things where you're just not expecting it. If, it, if when I bought the drone, I heard it's five dollars to register with the FAA, I said okay, whatever. But the fact that I'm just kind of picturing I'm going to go on and just register and then ask for a credit card, it was just very off-putting to me. I can't wait to see them trumpet how much money they've made from this. Yeah, <laughs> the the drone program. I mean, what's next? Am I going to have to register my water bottle in order to operate it? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. So here's here's something that here's a story about someone suing Caesars and accusing them of something pretty shady, and I want to preface this before you figure out which side I'm on here. That we are always fair in these situations. This is not an anti-Caesar show. We do sometimes say bad things about Caesars, but that's when it's deserved. But this is not the bash Caesars show. So there are occasions that I will notice that certain players are making accusations against Caesars that get everyone worked up and all the anti-Caesars people come out and bash them and take that person's side automatically. And I will sometimes look and go, wait a minute, this person seems like they're full of crap. In this case, it looks like Caesars is in the right. And I will cover it on this show, and I will say so, that Caesars is right and the player is wrong. And I sometimes have people mad at me, and they, they, they say I'm being a shill for Caesars, or, or I'm afraid to say the truth, or I'm going to get banned from the World Series. I go, no, I, I say the unflattering truth about them all the time. But if I feel <laughs> that Caesars is not... Campbell Bus Chief Penis says, 
Caesar sucks dick. Yeah, he, he, well, he's the one who puts out all those evil empire stories. I don't, I'm not surprised he wrote that. But yeah, uh, those are good. But I'm just, I am just honest about this stuff. This, this is a, an uncensored show. It's, it's an honest show. Uh, we're not afraid of, of covering any topic, and I'm not afraid of giving my true opinion on any topic. And so, with Caesar's the good no, and the no bad sponsors, we got to worry about other than the lawyer. You yeah, know? yeah. So, exactly. So that's why. I, I'm not here just to bash Caesars. I know some people get pleasure out of me bashing Caesars, but if there's a situation where Caesars does not deserve to be bashed and the, and the person who's bringing accusations against them deserves to be bashed, then I will bash them. So here is a situation where I knew I was going to have to make that decision before covering it on radio, and that is a story which uh, is covered on Poker News, actually. That's where I read about it, which is the headline is Poker Circuit Grinder Suing Caesars for fraud. Did you hear the sound effect or no? No. Damn it. The worst ever tonight. I don't I think we lost Trader Roos. We did. He's, he just, he, he's no, he just fell out. He's gone. He's gone. Call him back. No, he, he, I mean, he's just been gone. I think he's just uh Oh, MIA. Yeah, I whatever happened, I'm not he could be drive he could be in an accident, he could be Walking his dog through the crickets. I don't know. He could be inhaling smoke and fainted. I don't know. But uh, th- this is what's going on. What is this fraud that this person is suing them for? Now, this is this lawsuit is being brought by an individual named Robert Anthony Lay, and he is seeking an unspecified amount in excess of $75,000 for damages that he contends were inflicted upon by Caesars. Basically, the main point of his case is that he won a free seat to the Global Casino Championship, which is related to the World Series of Poker circuit. And that shortly after he won that seat, which is basically a free entry to like a championship event, after you've earned enough points playing circuit events, that as soon as he earned that free seat, that Caesars sent him a notice that he's banned from all Caesars properties and obviously cannot play that tournament either. So he feels that they let him keep playing until he won this and banned him. Now you may be wondering, why him? Why, why would they single him out? I mean, there's tons of people winning those seats. Why are they not also getting banned? Why would they just do this to him? Why, why even run this promotion to where you win a seat to this global casino championship and then ban someone just for winning it? How does that make any sense? Well, the reason he got banned was because uh, in 2013, he pled guilty to participation in an illegal sports gambling operation. There were 57 people charged in this bust back in 2013. So he was one of them. The funny thing is that a lot of them had different uh, names, the uh, nicknames here. <laughs> this was uh this was reported on Deadspin actually. Jimmy the Neck. Uh no, but listen to this. Here here's a list of people who were busted all with nicknames. Uh Patrice A. Luke Cool is his name, nickname, King. Sp- Spiros the Greek Anthonis. That's not very creative. 
Cassandra, quote, Sandra Bates. That's not really a nickname either. Um, William Bill, Billy Wild Bill Bates. <laughs> God. Edward Gooch Bubbles Bunano. I guess he had two different names, Gooch and Bubbles. Gooch and Bubbles kind of, they, they conflict with another. Gooch sounds like, that sounds like someone he'd be scared of. Bubbles sounds like a, a chick. Ah, Bubbles sounds like someone you'd be really scared of. <laughs> Know what I mean? Like he, he, they give him such a effeminate name. He's yeah. probably like serious badass. Then there's a Corey Ski Koraluski. I guess he likes to ski. Uh, Trader Ruski. Wait, Trader Ruski. Oh, yeah, oh, wow. Koraluski. Yeah, wow. That's got to be him. Amazing. That's probably okay, where he went. Trader Ruski. No wonder he's not on the. They park. probably just got him again. He's probably driving. He's driving right now, but he's driving to Mexico. Then there's a Maximilian Magnus McLaren, and his nickname is the very creative Max. It could have at least gone for Magnum or something. Yeah. Maria Mary North Rojas. I like Mary North. <laughs> Where do you come up with that? <laughs> uh, James Franklin Acker III, known as Frank the Bank. Mm. That's uh, not bad. Yeah. Uh, Terry Lee Campbell, known as Top Cat and Gato. Uh, Gato meaning, meaning cat in Spanish. Ralph Hernandez, known as Georgie or Rico. Then there's Derek Edward Hewitt, known as just D. Michael Lawhorn. I have to imagine that this guy is probably... Uh, he probably likes to eat. His, he, he calls himself Fat Mikey and Big Mike. Uh, Joseph Michael McFadden, also known as Roll Tide. I guess he's a Alabama fan. Uh, Bruce Landon Middlebrook. Now... What is like the least likely nickname for Bruce Landon Middlebrook? I like this one. Jose C. Oh. <laughs> How are you Jose right. C when your name's... You, you couldn't be more of a white-sounding name than Bruce Landon Middlebrook. He's Jose C. I still think out of all those guys, Bubbles is the one you got to worry about, man. Yeah. Then I think Bubbles will fuck you up. I, I, I have a feeling that this guy doesn't have... Uh, Great vision in one eye. This is Gregory Wilson Roberts, known as Patchman. Uh, now, this guy has a million diff- different uh, nicknames. Christopher Lee Tanner, known as CT, Limo, Tan, and Magic. Then there's uh, Paul Francis Tucker, known as F. Paul. Uh, Robert C. Vanetten, known as uh, Bingo Bob and F. Bob V. Uh, Robert Paul Wilson, who's known as Big Dog and oddly also as Cliff. Why Cliff? Like, what does Cliff have to do with Robert Paul? Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, you got it. Okay. I was wondering. With... See, that's a nickname of a nickname. He was Big Dog first and like, oh, hey, Clifford. Like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh, okay. Hey, Cliff. That's how I go. Okay. Uh, Leon Mark Moran the second. Moran. <laughs> now, you know the obvious nickname, but no, he didn't go that way. Uh, Machiavelli and Mastiff. He didn't go the moron way. It's, uh, why not? Machiavelli and Mastiff? Ma- just Machiavelli and Mastiff. He has two different nicknames. Oh, okay. It's not, they're not used together, no. right? They're just... No. Okay, I was going to say. Um, Neil John Myler, known as, as Bono, for some reason. Uh, Luis Robles, known as Big Lou. David Lynn Ross, known as O.B., how do you get OB from David Lynn Ross? I don't know. Uh, John, James Lester Acker, known as Les. So, 
that's a list of some of the nicknames of, of the people who were uh, caught. But the last one, though this is supposedly a nickname, I wouldn't say it's a nickname, is the one we're talking about here. Robert Anthony Lay, also known as Tony. If your nickname is Anthony, Tony's not really a nickname. So, uh, this was uh, it's a sports betting ring known as, uh, as Legends, with a Z. And there was a bust in 2013. I had never heard of any of these people. But let's, now that we've gone through all the nicknames, let's go back to the story here. So, Tony Lay, Robert Anthony Lay, is suing Caesars because, you know, so they, they barred him from playing because of the, uh, the guilty plea that he was involved in an illegal sports gambling operation. And I guess one of the terms here was that he is not allowed to play in casinos. So um, th- this is what the World Series of Poker tournament rules say. Individuals who are excluded from casino facilities, either through a government program or by their own request, are not eligible to participate in WSOP circuit events. Government program? So I I think what they're trying to say is if the government makes a ruling that they can't go to casinos uh, as part of the sentence, as part of the guilty plea, that, that they're automatically excluded from that event. So if they violate that, then Caesars has a right to disqualify them. I think that's what they're saying here. That even if the government chooses not to prosecute them for it or give them any consequence, that Caesars has a right to kick them out. Which they, they always do anyway, but they, but they can just like... Like, for example, if, if I'm in the... Uh, let's say I'm in the World Series of Poker main event. When I say I, I mean actually me. Okay, Let's say I'm playing the main event this year. And just... I haven't broken any rules. I've done nothing wrong. And, and I've never done anything to get myself uh, excluded otherwise. Um, Seth Polanski decided he just doesn't like me anymore. And, and he tells them to just pick up my chips and kick me out. Uh, now, they definitely could ban me from the property at any time. But if they were to do so in the middle of a tournament like that, without proper reason, I could sue them and win. Because that, uh, you know, that where they've allowed me to enter already, they had to have had a, a reason to where I shouldn't have been there in the first place. They can't, or something that I've done during the tournament to, to, to cause them to, to take me out. They can't just decide in the middle. Basically, it's, it's like consider the middle of a bet. They can't just uh, kick me out of the tournament in the middle if I haven't done anything to warrant it. They can kick me out afterwards and say, never come play here again, but they'd have to pay me if I pa- cash something. But they couldn't just take me out in the middle of a tournament and say, you're gone. Now, here they did not do that. Here they actually just stopped him from playing a tournament, stopped him from entering a tournament that he won a seat to. And that's kind of more of a legal gray area because, you know, can you really say they don't have a right to ban me just because I've won something to play in the future? But you could also make the legal argument that they were enticing you to play this in the future, and if you haven't done anything legitimate to have yourself excluded, that that could be seen as bait and switch on you. But this is a little bit different because this was where he was, it appears he was actually barred from playing in casinos and that he did it anyway. And then they caught it at some point and then told him that he's banned and cannot play the seat he won. So what he's alleging here is that they knew. He's alleging that they knew and that they were happy to collect rake from him until it came time to give him something for free. And then they said, ah, we don't want you here anymore. So it's it's almost like uh, it's similar to sometimes people will claim that like if they know a minor is gambling in the casino and the minor is losing a lot of money, 
that they'll let the miner keep losing until they, they hit something big, and then, they, then they'll kick them out before they get paid, which they can legally do. So there's, there's uh, or even with Phil Ivey, that like the edge sorting he was doing, that they were happy to let him try, and if he lost, then he'd lose, and if he won, then they were just not going to pay him and say, hey, you were cheating. So this is basically what this guy's alleging here, is that they knew that even though he wasn't supposed to be there, that they knew this, they let him play, they took a lot of money in rake from him, which he says were thousands of dollars, and then when it came time to award him a free seat, that that, that was the time they decided now they're going to be done with him because it's going to cost them money to keep him there. Uh, he went to a name we keep hearing over and over in these stories when it has to do with lawsuits against casinos. That would be Mac Verstandig. He, he's always getting involved in anything having to do. Now, usually when Mac Verstandig gets involved, I, I agree with him. And I think he's bringing a lawsuit for the right reason, such as with the Aruba PPC scam, where he's suing them. But in this case, Mac Verstandig is the attorney for Robert Anthony Tony Lay. Now, he was uh, in 39th place with 155 points for the 2016-17 circuit for the World Series. Um, he only particip- participated for about half the season, but he did cash 12 times, cash for a total of $102,000, had a fourth place in the Tulsa Hard Rock main event. So he did manage to earn a seat to the championship, and uh, the package is said to be worth about $10,000. He did not play, and that's already over. So it's it's not a matter of them stopping something from the future. This already took place in August, and it's over. So he's basically suing that they took away a $10,000 seat from him and also that that this was just fraud. He's probably looking for punitive damages and stuff like that. Uh, This is what Mac Verstandig said. He said, this is the attorney, the poker industry is all too familiar with the practice of colloquially 86-ing, that means removing... Uh, sometimes go- players sometimes going too far. And while there's no doubt a need for casinos to keep a certain type of bad actors at bay, Caesar's enticing Mr. Light to partake in year-long multi-stop promotion, only to subsequently ban him based upon conduct well in the past, strikes less than a normative security measure and more the sort of bait-and-switch maneuver prohibited by controlling law. So, uh, he also claims that uh, in the lawsuit that he chose to specifically focus on circuit events because he was trying to qualify for this seat and that he could have easily gone to their competitors and chose not to because the seat was his goal. He ended up achieving that goal and they took it away from him. Uh, so this, the suit claims that they welcomed all of his action until it was time to reward him with something and then they said, okay, we can save money by hitting him with a ban right at that point. Uh, the suit alleges fraud, negligent misrepresentation, unfair and deceptive trade practices. And Verzantic said, we look forward to litigating this matter in the courts and have faith that a jury of Mr. Lay's peers will see clear to writing this demonstrable wrong. Now, Caesar said last week that uh, they have not been served with a lawsuit yet, which is kind of funny. But they did say we're unable to comment at this time. We've not, re- uh, for, uh, we've not received uh, this, this lawsuit yet, and we, we have not had a chance to review this allegation. So, I, I think here, 
and you can tell me, Cal, what you think of this whole thing. I, I, I when people do this, I, I think they take it's just tough luck on them. If, if you're going, if you know you're banned from casinos, and you try to get it by a casino, and at some point they realize that you've been breaking the law and playing there when you should not be there, and you get kicked out, then it's tough luck on you because you knew the whole time what you were doing. You knew the risks. You knew you weren't supposed to be there. And and just like last year when this guy got kicked out of the main event with 600k in chips because he had been banned from all Caesar's properties and all these people took his side and I said wait a minute this guy knew he was banned from all Caesar's properties and he he registered under his first and middle name and somehow got away with it for a while and then they realized who he was and kicked him but when you try to deceive them like this instead of just accepting the bothersome fact that you're just not allowed to play you may not like it, but they have a right to exclude you. Once you've been excluded and you try to play anyway, well, I don't support things like, like them taking you in the back room beating you up or anything like that. Um, if you don't get fringe benefits of it, like winning a promotion and getting to redeem that promotion you won, then that's the chance you're taking. That's, that's why when you get banned from a casino, the best idea is just to stay out of the casino. So he was banned from all casinos as a result of being part of this illegal sports betting ring. I'm sure it bothered him. I'm sure it, someone who loves to play poker, it sucked. But uh, that, that, that was the ruling. And he chose to violate it. Now, let's, let's say he won a tournament and then they refused to pay him. Well, then that's a different story. Then it's all over and then, the, then they need to pay him, no matter what. But, and and if, you know, if they took him out of a tournament in the middle, even there, I have to say, unless they knew when he registered and let him register and then took him out, if they took him out of the middle of the tournament, just like this other guy last year, and he's not supposed to be there by law, then uh, then again, tough luck. That's that's why you stay out. That's why if you're not allowed to play there, you stay out. So I, I can't. I I don't think Caesars, this huge company here, is w- was salivating at the chance to collect rake from him until they have to give him a ten thousand dollars seat. And up oh, now, now we're going to pull the rug out from under you. I I think maybe this was discovered when they were putting together profiles of who's going to be in that championship tournament, which I think was only like 50 people. And then they probably figured out who he was and said, wait a minute, we can't have him here. We, we can't have someone in our, our championship tournament, our small championship tournament, where we gave everyone a free seat. One of them can't, by law, play at a casino. So I, I bet that's why it happened. I don't think they were trying to save 10K. So I think this lawsuit is BS. Now, uh, Cal, what, how do you feel about this? I think tough titties on him, man. Yeah. If he, if he knows that he's banned, I mean, it's too bad. Especially, this is just a promotion. No, no sympathy. Yeah, this is just a promotion. This wasn't even like like they kicked him in the middle of a tournament or, or wouldn't pay. or you know, th- This is just, you want a free seat, okay, but you weren't supposed to be here. Okay, now you don't get your free seat. Kind of sucks, but that's that, that's what happens. <laughs> You're not yeah, supposed to be there. I don't even see why it's a big deal. Yeah. You know? So... I, it's one thing if this is some sort of small company where you think it's likely that they're trying to save every penny from each customer and to where saving 10K is a big deal to them. Like if you, if you won some contest uh, at a local restaurant worth 10K and then they won't pay you. And you're like, wait a minute, this is some cheap owner trying to screw me. That's understandable. But to believe that Caesar's really engaged in some conspiracy to keep this guy out of that seat to save a whopping 10K... I don't believe that at all. I think just that probably is what got their attention. So I'm I'm on Caesar's side on this one, and and they, also, what are they supposed to do? 
What, what can they do at that point? So they, it, let's say they didn't know that he wasn't allowed to be playing in casinos. And they don't do a big background on check on you when you, you sign up to play tournaments. You guys all know that. So what are they supposed to do? So at some point they realize that the guy who won this seat is excluded from casinos. They can't knowingly let him play. They can get in trouble. So once they're aware of it, they they have to put an end to it. So I really think that's what happened. I, I do not believe they're at fault at this one. So surprises me a little bit that Mac Verstandick took this one because in general I've seen he, he just he seems to take cases where the casino really is in the wrong and he's the attorney who just specializes in this and helps wrong many rights. Now I don't think he's doing this out of the goodness of his heart but he, he found a niche area of law where you go to him if you you have these problems and he seems to be pretty good at what he does and uh, he I mean, I'd probably go to him myself if I had a uh, problem that occurred in a casino with all the different times I've talked about him. He must be pretty familiar with, with all these different laws and probably pretty effective at it. But uh, so I'm a little surprised that he took this case. He probably knows some angle that we don't, you know, yeah, maybe, or maybe he's hoping they'll just settle or whatever, you know, maybe he's hoping that, you know, they, they want the bad publicity that a guy won a seat and then they won't, uh, they won't give it to him. So may, maybe he's hoping that bad publicity will just scare them into coughing up a few, you know, Thirty grand or something to be done with it. So they're, they're suing for like seventy-five k plus, but I doubt that's what they're really seeking. So uh, anyway, speaking of attorneys, we do have a sponsor on this show. Oh man! <laughs> hey, look, I gotta, I gotta, we gotta pay the bills here. I know you've nothing you've, wrong with that. I, know, I, I think, I think I'm going to use this opportunity to to take a nap. Okay, you you can take you can take a two minute nap if you like, but uh, Eric, I'm going to take about a eight hour nap. I think. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's been it's been nice having you on the show tonight. Uh, as long as yeah, you can I'm be sorry, here. man. I just got up so early today. I'm 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 on fumes. No, that's that's okay. Cal, what's been up for over twenty hours, and that can especially be tough if you had a busy day. So, I I understand, and uh, you know, even though I pay you these big bucks to be here. I'll let you go home early tonight. Oh, fuck. No, never mind. I just realized I can't leave. I'm still in the free roll. <laughs> never really, mind. Are you really? Uh, is, a, is it still I'm, going? I'm going to stay here until I bust Wait, out of this. The free roll is still going? It's like an hour and 45 minutes later. Yeah, we got, we're down to five, I think. How, yeah. <laughs> that, that sucks. That, that, All right, go ahead. Play, that, play the fucking that, that, That's the bad part of being uh, the, the king of the PFA free rolls. Is that you just, yeah, it, king, king my ass. It won't let you go to sleep. So Okay. <sighs> Okay, uh, Zaya, so yeah, we have a sponsor, Eric Benzamokin, an attorney, and he's been a, a sponsor for a little while now and uh, just re-upped recently, and I appreciate that very much for him supporting the show. And here is a bet about him. Okay, now most of you guys know that I'm very picky regarding which sponsors I take. If I don't believe in the product or service being offered, I don't take the ad. And that's why I lose money on the site every month, even though I'm a cheap Jew, and it kills me to send out that money every month knowing that it is not coming back in. But I'm really, really excited about this new Poker Fraud Alert sponsor because I feel he's providing a service to the poker community that they really, really need. Eric Bensamokin is an attorney and a longtime poker player who provides arbitration and mediation for poker and gambling-related disputes. Now, simply put, if someone owes you money... 
or if they think you owe them money. He's a fully impartial third party you can trust to listen, understand, and decide who's right. The reason you can trust him is because Eric is a licensed attorney in the state of California and federally. And he's able to arbitrate and mediate for you no matter where you live. So you don't have to be in California. You can be anywhere, and he can arbitrate or mediate for you. What makes Eric perfect for this is the fact that he's an attorney bound by the rules and ethics of the state bar. And he's also a longtime poker player, so he understands the issues of our community. And at the same time, he's an outsider, and he's probably not likely to know anybody connected to your dispute. So you're not going to have to worry that he's friends with a guy that you're disputing with, or even friends of a friend. He's really an outsider to the community who plays poker for fun, but knows the community really well. It's perfect, and he's a licensed attorney. You can't do better than that. This means you will get a completely impartial decision from a qualified attorney who understands everything. And I'll be honest, if I had a poker-related money dispute with someone, Eric is the exact type of arbitrator or mediator that I would be looking for. Take down his email address, eric at eblawfirm.us. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. If you feel you're being scammed or if someone owes you money or if someone's accusing you of owing them money, just send Eric an email. It's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to hurt you. Just send him an email, and he'll tell you what he thinks of the whole situation, and then he can go from there. Eric can perform both arbitration, where he decides who's right, and mediation, where he helps both of you figure out your own agreement. Keep the email address around, even if you don't have a dispute at the moment, because you never know when one will come up, and Eric is exactly the man you need for the job. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. That's attorney Eric Benzamokin, eric at eblawfirm.us. So I want to read some texts we got tonight. I forgot to get to that. So here's here's what we've received. This is someone referring to my comment last week that I didn't understand Instagram. And he wrote, regarding not understanding what Instagram is, I treat Instagram as a photo diary of my life, nothing noting significant events in an easy format to reference. I, I'm just too old to get it. I'm sorry. Uh, you like you want to look at pretty pictures. That's all it is. <laughs> Uh, from the 773... Look, if you don't get Instagram, you have not a fucking chance in the world of getting Pinterest. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I think Pinterest is maybe more of a gender thing. I'm just not like a mid-40s housewife. I'm mid-40s, I'm just not a housewife. Uh, 773, we actually have a husband and wife who listen to this show. And they're actually in Key West listening to this thing. They don't live in Key West, but they're on vacation in Key West and still listening to this show. I'm on Key West. I'm not listening to the show, Drew. Just I'll, saying. I'll keep that in don't mind. Get, don't get mad. You, you, you hosted the show during a monsoon in another country, so I wouldn't say Yeah, that. but what else am I going to do during a monsoon? <laughs> We're fucking just stuck there. <laughs> From the 916, there might be a chance that the annual shot firearm vendor show could move there, too. I don't know if they're going to want to do that, though, after what happened in October. They may want to just kind of stay away from the whole firearm association with Vegas. Yeah, firearm sales in Vegas doesn't sound like a great idea. Maybe they can have that convention at the Mandalay Bay. That'll go off well there. Oh, yeah. Um, This is from the the 805. I'm not sure if I should even read this. But uh, One Step's asshole is probably big enough to host the WSOP. Wow. Okay. Uh, From the 831... Mark Klang is playing live at the bike 
with Chicago Joey, very drunk and openly take, talking about the amount of drugs he's been doing. Yeah, there's a 5-5 PLO game at Live at the Bike tonight, and Bart is actually the one commentating. Yeah, I was going to say, Bart's commentating. Yeah, and, and Mark Klang is there, and yeah, he's got to be a fun player to have in that game. Now, not to hurt our listenership, but everyone stop listening to PFA no, Radio. No, 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 no. And, and go watch Live <laughs> I, It's probably over now, isn't it? It's, it's probably got to be over by now, right? Yeah, it's over. Okay. It's over. I'm just fucking around. Uh, Mark Klang, by the way, he claimed to me, and I, I don't remember this. You think I would, but I don't remember it. It probably happened, but I don't remember it. He claimed that we, we played one time heads up at the Bellagio waiting for uh, to get into the main game. And that he slightly beat me heads up because he was lucky. And this is his own words. that He, he luckily beat me heads up. And that... Uh, he was so proud of himself after this, he had me sign a napkin that, you know, Mark Klang beat me heads up. This is before anyone really knew who he was. He told me that, uh, like, he was so proud of himself for beating me heads up in Limit Hold'em that he wanted me to sign a napkin for him. And I, I did. feel like I've heard this story before. He, he told it on the radio in January. Okay. Yeah. But I, right. I, I didn't remember it happening, but maybe I blocked it out because I, I lost to a fish heads up. I don't know. Uh, from the 215. I have had it before where I have like a, a total fish heads up with me waiting for the main game and like I'm, I'm running bad at the beginning but I just know if this guy like stays with me even for like another hour I'll kill him and right. then and then they come up, okay I need one of you to go to the main game like oh no please no <laughs> <laughs> I, is it like the that's worst the thing worst. to hear that's the worst thing to hear is that, I don't know what's worse hearing that or when you're totally just destroying a table at a World Series event and they and you're in the big blind they go I, I need the big blind to come with me and move to another table yeah that's just that's just the worst my my heart just sinks when that happens okay from the nine one six. Uh, clarifying about the SHOT show. He said, it's still happening in 2018. It's always at the Sands Convention Center, which is associated with the Venetian. Uh, but maybe it'll go to the new Caesars Forum in 2020. Yeah, yeah I guess it could. So those are our texts at 775-372-8355. You can send some more texts, and I will read them out here, and I will respond to you. So let's see. Oh, Charlie Carroll... This is an interesting situation. So Charlie Carroll is part of this... Uh, wow. What, what happened? Free roll? Guy follow- shoves with sevens, I reshove with queens. Big stack shoves with ace-king. Wow. So who won? Uh, sevens flopped a set, and then the <laughs> turn to king, so I didn't even get the side pot. Wow. <laughs> I can go to bed, though. Yes. <laughs> okay, so you're going you're gonna to drop out before the Charlie Car- Carroll segment? Uh, fuck. Or, or just during? No, no, I mean, probably at some point during it. Okay. So, here's the story. Charlie Carroll is a 24-year-old poker pro. He's been very successful on the tournament scene over the past few years, both online and live. Uh, he's got kind of a metrosexual look. He's known especially for wearing colorful clothing, like bright colors, and that, that's just kind of his look. He's he, fr- to me, he looked like a dude that didn't even get a whiff of pussy in high school. And that might even be true. Like, forget forget metrosexual. He just looked like not even a whiff of it. You know? <laughs> okay, well, it might be true. He's anyway. He's, he's apparently making up for lost time. If that's the case, you know, Trader Ruski's trying to come back. I'm going to put him back here. Yes, you, you, my man. You'll, you'll soon have the relief pitcher in here. 
Okay, so anyway, Charlie Carroll is he kind of came out of nowhere and uh, pretty well known player at this point. He's he's friends with with Kate Hall and that whole crowd. So uh, and not surprisingly, similar to Justin Bonomo, who's also part of that crowd. Uh, he is, he's described himself as a polyamorous in the past. Mm-hmm. And he, he's open about this. I'm not just spouting rumors. He's been open about this in interviews that he's polyamorous. And for those of you that don't know what that means, probably most of you do because we talked about it before. It's it's someone who does not believe in exclusive monogamous relationships. They it's not a, a swinger necessarily. A swinger just does it for sex. A swinger is you know you've, you've got a girlfriend. Okay, well, we're going to meet up with another couple and you know swap partners or. Or have force them, whatever. That, that that's what swingers do, but it's all about sex. They don't. Uh, when you're you're with other people as a swinger, you don't love the other people. You don't have feelings for them. It's just sexual. Polyamorous. It's exactly as it sounds. It means you actually love romantically numeral, numerous people at once and are very open about it. It's not about cheating. It's about like you tell your girlfriend, "Yeah, I mean, I'm very happy with you. I love you." But you know, this is another chick I met. I kind of like her too. I'm going to take her out on a date, and, and you know, I may end up loving her no. too. I may love, love both no, of you. No, 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 no. Poly, polyamorism is just swingers with a sugar coating, like a nice little chocolate on the outside <laughs> to make it easier for uh, the the chicks to swallow. But that's I mean, that's what it really is, and. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've always felt that it's stupid. If this is what you want to do, if you don't want to stick with one woman, that's fine. But then you should just, that's what you should do. You shouldn't have relationships. You should just, you know, casually date different women, have sex with different yeah, women. Yeah, it's fine. I, I went through a period where I did that too. Yeah, great. Yeah, and so, right, right. And so when it's time for you not to do that anymore, then you can be with one woman. Uh, this... And, and the big problem with polyamory, some people say, oh, it's just closed-minded. You know, human beings aren't really wired that way. You're for, it's just a society forcing you to. Here's, here's the problem is that human beings uh, can't just turn off emotions and turn off feelings. And the problem is when, you, when you're in a, a relationship, there's uh, certain excitements that just die down over time because you get used to the person. And all the things that were new and exciting about them originally, you get used to, and even the good things you kind of just uh, at that point are not that exciting yeah. to you anymore. Even the even the best steak, even your your absolute best cooked Kobe beef steak, you have that thing every fucking day for ten years. Is you're not going to look forward to it the same way. It's just yeah. the way it is. And yeah. and and so. And what what will happen is, of course, in in relationships, there there will sometimes be some problems and fights, some issues, even in good relationships. And the the lazy way unhealthy if there aren't, I think. Yeah, and the lazy way around it is to say instead of solving these, just wherever I feel my partner's lacking, I'll just get it for someone else. And 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 it just allows people to not get that attached and to get as much sex as they want. And I'm telling you, Mandruff, like if, if there was a way to have a camera on this kid i can almost guarantee you that he was a one of those kids in high school didn't even get a whiff of pussy and then when he you know achieved some fame and some money now he's polyamorous because that makes him cool and he can finally you know dip his wick as much as he possibly can yeah and, and, that, for him. and that's what i always think it is. that's what i think it is. They, they, like these guys they, they want it like they they like some aspects of having a girlfriend, but they go, oh, it kind of sucks that I only had to be with one girl. I have a way to do it. I know how to do this. So they, so that, that's where they, they claim that they're into polyamory and they kind of trick women into just thinking that they're just open-minded. And uh, um, Well, and I, I will buy that some of these guys are not in it to just you know have as 
much sex as they possibly can. Some of them may also uh, be into it because it allows them to get into a lot of very shallow relationships, you know, relationships where they don't have a whole lot invested. Like, oh, if one of my one of my girlfriends decides she wants to leave me, no big deal. I got two other ones, you know? Yeah, yeah there's that. And, and also this way you don't have to ever deal with, with real problems or, uh, or, or, right. or, or issues that about your girlfriend that you don't like. Say, okay, well, she's missing this so that I wish she had. Okay, I'm just going to get this from this other girl here. It, it, it's, it's a, it seems like an, an easy way to solve it, except the problem is it doesn't work. People get jealous. You, you, you're never going to have your current girlfriend seeing you glowing about this new girl you met and you're so into and just be okay with it. Okay, you're polyamorous, no problem. Like, no girl's ever going to think that way, even if they and pretend even, they do. I would even go so far as to say that it's being... Um, it's being emotionally lazy and, and also even somewhat cowardly because I think some of these guys are not willing to put themselves out there and really open up and get into a real relationship. So they've got a, you know, they've got several very superficial ones. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, uh, and it's fine. Like, I don't care. People do whatever they want, but these stupid fucking names and all the self-righteous bullshit that goes along with it. Yeah, that, me nuts, that's that's the know? problem. I, I I think they should just be honest with themselves. Say I'm not really ready to settle down with any one girl, and just yeah. uh, just screw around with different girls. That's fine. Then I wouldn't be I wouldn't have a critical word to say here, especially these younger guys. So anyway, uh, separate from all this, he had an investment in some webcam site. I, I don't know how it worked. I don't know if he put up the money for it, but whatever it was, uh, he had a job at one point as, as uh, a part owner of this webcam site. <laughs> a, 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 a very, a very t- listen to the tough job. The tough. This jo- is like this is like a pimp dating a hooker. Yeah. This is great. Go so, ahead. so he had a job at one point to go poach girls from other webcam sites. So his job was to go onto webcam sites, uh, jerk off, and and find the girls that they want to take over for their site. Well, actually, you know that would be a good measure of it, though. Like you, you cruise around, and when you found one that actually made you want to jerk off, then you try and recruit her. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so, so that's that's what he. Did. You know, it's a weird thing. Trader Ruski called back in. We put him back on, and now he's just gone again. I, I don't know what's what wrong. What the yet. fuck, Trader Ruski? You're killing me. <laughs> so, so there's a very large. I think it's the largest one. It's a, a large site called Chatterbait. It's it's exactly like it sounds like. C H A T U R B A T E. It's the largest. I've never been on that site. It's Is the, that any it's, good? It's the, I, I don't really know it well. I, I, I'll tell you where I know it don't from. Don't really it, know it well? Well, I'll tell you where I know it from. Is that people have posted to Poker Fraud Alert's forum in the past and said, oh, you know, check out such and such girl on Chatterbait, and then they put the link up. Uh, with Chatterbait, you don't need any kind of registration to watch it. You can just, like, go right. You can Like, if someone clicks, like, here's the cam girl's link, you can click, and you just bang right there. So, oh. um, and... and um, so I'm that do some research just for the show. Okay, but that's 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 I think the largest one. I, I haven't kept track of this honestly, but I if they're not the largest, they are among the top. So, uh, so I they didn't say it was chatterbait, but just uh, from the way I, I heard this described, it sounds a lot like that's what it is. And, and the way chatterbait works, by the way, is you have to buy. You, you don't have to. Like again, you, anyone can watch for free without registering anything. But but. Uh, the girls, the way they make money on there is they get tipped. So there's no subscriptions on there. It's like you, you know, you say I want the girl to do such and such, and then you send them tokens, which you buy at you know some rate. You know, you get whatever tokens per dollar, and then you can. Uh, Truff, I got a I got a story to tell you real quick. It's very germane to this. Yes. Right. So I had a a guy that I knew. Uh, wasn't really good friends with him, but I kind of knew him, and. Um, 
you know, played cards with him and stuff. And this one time, he's like, uh, Andrew, you know, can I can I talk to you? You, know, you wanted to like pull me aside and talk to me, and I ended up like talking with him on my driveway. And he's, I, I th- you know, I knew it was going to be something like some kind of a big problem. And he's like, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, but uh, my my wife, she needs some technical help. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, what, what, what's the big deal? And he's like, yeah, well, she's she's a cam girl. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I ended up going over to his house, and we helped him out. We did a logo for him. We did some, uh, did some technical help for her and stuff like that. And she had to go up and do the show. So I'm very familiar with the way all of these payment things work and all this kind of stuff. I also showed her, like, she thought that no one in our state would be able to see her. I showed her how it was very easy to, like, <laughs> to spoof it so that you could watch it from anywhere. Um, but anyway, we're on our way out. She she had to leave and go up and do a show, and we were going to just, you know, knock on the door and say goodbye. And I'm there with my wife, who's very, like, I don't know, very reserved when it comes to this stuff, right? Yeah. And we knock on the door. We open the door. <laughs> <laughs> she's got like this monster dog like sticking out of her and my, my wife's like oh my god he shut the door and ran out of the place. but anyway like i'm i'm very familiar with how these work like and basically what the guys do is they buy tokens right. and they can then kind of feed it to them like uh right right like a slot machine well yeah like yeah. They, they, they say they want the girl to do such and such and he says okay well i'll right. do this you know if you give me 100 tokens i'll do this or or when i you know right. when i get 100 tokens worth of total donations i'll do such and such and then guys contribute now there are the cheapskates that just sit there and watch and never contribute a penny uh and she was telling me she had regulars yeah like they, they usually that, they do yeah. they, they do they have regulars and uh so that's that's how, that's how all that works. So that's that, so this girl named Hannah was uh, a twenty year old cam girl, and a lot of them are around this age. A lot of them are very young. There's some older ones, but most of them are you know early twenties. So th- this Hannah was a, a cam girl, I, I think, on Chatterbait, and uh, Charlie was looking for girls to poach from there and and bring to their new webcam site. I don't know which one it is, but they. Or if it ever really got anywhere, but that, that's what he was doing, and he found Hannah on there. And for whatever whatever reason, he got very intrigued by Hannah in particular. He he really got into her, and at first he didn't really say anything. At first he kind of just watched, and was uh, yeah learned a little more about her. Found that she had a YouTube channel. Watched that too, and he was really getting into her. But he still didn't really make contact. He was kind of just you know, just watching himself and. Uh, probably uh, typing one-handed as he was doing it. So then one night, Hannah set a goal of a pretty high amount of money for a campsite, and it was around $1,000 that she needed to raise for one evening. And the way a goal is reached is that, as as Calvo was saying, you give them tokens which they can redeem for real money. She she basically had a goal that was so high it would be like $1,000 worth of tokens received in one night. They, they don't make that type of money. Right? Obviously, if you think about it, if you can make $1,000 in one night on these things, you could make you know, $365,000 a year being a cam girl. They, they don't make this type of money. So And, and the providers make a, a cut 
Right. They usually like get, they, re- they usually get half from what I hear. So so she, she, she'd really have to get like two thousand dollars worth of tokens, of which she'd get a thousand. So she she put up that very high goal, and she was explaining to the people watching, and of course Charlie saw this, that she was in a highly abusive relationship where her boyfriend was basically holding her prisoner and and taking all of her camming money. That he was the one who got her into it, and that whenever she made money, he would take it, and that he was abusive, and that. She's figured out that her only way really out of this, because she lives with him and you know she's she's broke. The o- the only way she has out of this is if she can raise a thousand dollars in one night, and then she'd have the money to just get up and run away and leave, and then you know, have a thousand dollars to go somewhere with. So she had this special evening where she's trying to make the thousand dollars, and she failed miserably. She got very little. So she was very depressed, very disappointed. And Charlie's watching. And Charlie's thinking to himself, I'm so into this girl, and I win all this money playing poker. Like, $1,000 is nothing to me. I play high roller events. I just, he's like, I, oh, I haven't really made contact with her, but I, I just, if this is really all she needs to get out of this horrible situation, well, okay. And he sent her, he just contacted her and said, yeah, I want to send you $1,000 and sent her $1,000. I don't know what platform he used, but he sent her a thousand dollars. And I'm not uh, I'm not guessing these things. He mentioned this on a podcast that that uh, he and Hannah appeared on recently. So that's how I have this information. So uh, supposedly he sent her the thousand dollars. Didn't ask for anything in return. Just said, "Hey, here it is. You know, I feel bad for you. Here it is." And she claimed she was so floored by his generosity that she started talking to him. Thought he was a great guy. They met up, and not surprisingly, the two of them are together now. Now, doesn't that shock you, Calwatt, that a 20-year-old cam girl who takes her clothes off for strangers and shoves dildos inside of herself for strangers, uh, anyone in you know, the world can watch, uh, are you surprised that when a rich, well-known poker player sends her $1,000 and expresses interest, that, and one that's her age, no less, that, uh, that somehow she ends up in a relationship with him? Does, does that shock you? I mean, first of all, I don't have anything against girls that decide to do this, but obviously it's not shocking at all. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> m- most of these girls that do it, they don't they don't want to do it. They do it because they need the money. And if she found a better way to get the money, good for her. Right. You know? Right. And, and see, that's it's funny. Like, I've seen cam girls complain about the guys that are there that that uh, what, what bothers them the most are the cheapskates that are just there. That, that don't want to give give them any tokens or money, but will write things like, uh, "Wow, you're making me so horny right now." Wow, I'm I'm so hard right now. You know, you know. Oh, what I would do to you? Like, what they don't understand is the girl is not turned on doing this stuff. That the girl is doing this to make money. It's like a job to them. So, so they're not they're not there for pleasure, even though they're faking pleasure sometimes. I mean, so, some of them might be, but most probably, of them pro- no. Probably very you know? few. So. So yeah, kind of kind of like a waitress is usually extra nice to you, just you know, because it's her job and she wants tips and stuff. Yeah. So, so she obviously saw that she had uh, an opportunity here, and she took it. So that's uh, that's how they got together. They're they're dating right now. Believe it or not, they're at, Charlie actually gave up the polyamory for her. That's how into it he is. He, he actually yeah. said on this podcast that, that he's done with the polyamory, at least right now, that uh, that it just... Or did he? Well, he claims... Or he, did he? I, I don't know. He claims he did. He claims well, he, gave up, he gave up the other three webcam girls? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, Trader Ruski, thank God you're back. No, the reason I'm saying 
oh, did he, is if this girl has seven personalities. Ah, oh, I see. Maybe he's still kind of doing the polyamory thing because okay, well, he's got all the, the different personalities that he can do. Well, know? so I haven't got I hadn't gotten to that. I was just about to anyway. So, oh, so, sorry. No, that's good. I was just about to get to it. So on this podcast, they appeared on this podcast that uh, was uh, pretty long. It was a popular one that's, that's in uh, the U.K. And where is it here? Yeah, so it's it's called the uh, True Geordie P- podcast, and they they appeared on there together. I think on December seventh. On this podcast, she claimed to have disassociative identity disorder, known as DID, and it's uh, basically multiple personalities. If you've seen the United States of Tara on Showtime, which I think lasted for about three years, and uh, or the Kevin Wendell Crumb character in the 2016 movie Split. These are both fictional portrayals of DID. The, the characters have uh, multiple personalities of both genders and a wide range of ages, including young children. So it's not like just it's not like I have multiple personalities, but they're all basically similar to me. It would be like me having multiple personalities, and some of them are women, some of them are young boys. You know, like, like just all over the place, like just a complete spectrum of people living inside of me of different ages and genders and situations. Yeah, this chick doesn't sound like a head case at all. <laughs> so, so she claims to have seven personalities. Describe and uh, I will have I will play the portion where she describes these. In fact, I'm going to play from this podcast uh, starting about a, I don't know five minute clip, and I'll interrupt it as we get to yeah. it. This is uh, it's an hour and a half podcast. If you want to search for it, it's called the Cam Girl with Seven Personalities. If you t- if you type that into YouTube, you can find it. The Cam Girl with seven, with seven personalities. Cam Girl is Cam Space Girl. And you can watch the whole thing for an hour and a half. But if you'd like to hear the most interesting and important part, it's right here. <laughs> can you guys hear this, by the way? Did you hear what I just played? Yep. Okay, good. But I want to say, you'll notice the sound quality on this isn't the best. Like, it's two guys sitting there. This is a big following, this podcast. But I found at times it was kind of a little hard to understand. Like, the sound quality on this podcast was actually kind of disappointing. It's a video podcast where you see them all in studio. But uh, I don't I know. listened to it while listening to you. I managed to hear no, a decent amount of it. It's I not know. bad. I, I, it wasn't totally clear to me. But go on. Uh, she's good at badminton. Yeah. So the multiple personality thing. So can you tell us when you first realized that that was a thing of you, in your life? Um, it was, it was recently. Um, I think it was like March, this this past this year, not past year, but um, it's it's always been throughout my life that I've noticed it, but I just thought it was normal and everybody experienced it until. February, I started experiencing um, extreme symptoms from um, trauma resurfacing. Um, so that was extremely painful, um, and I started going to therapy again. Um, and can, then, you, can you? Sorry to interrupt you. Can you give us? Because everyone at the home is going to wonder what you mean by trauma. Can can you without actually saying anything you're not comfortable saying? But is there any any idea of what that is that you can tell us? Yes. So it would be severe emotional, mental, sexual, physical, um, abu- verbal abuse, as well as neglect. Um, so that's from within the family, I'm guessing, is it? Um. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, like 
friends and things like that Mm -hmm. um, with the sexual part. I'm not going to say anything, like, exclusively about the sexual abuse. I'm not. So, wait, you guys can't hear it anymore? No. Were you ever able to hear it or no? No. Damn it. Okay, let let me try this again. I thought you said you could. Did you hear it, Trader Risky? No, if you couldn't, he couldn't. Okay. So here, I'm going to play, play a second again. Part. I'm not going to say anything like... Did you hear that part? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. You, you just basically missed her saying that the personalities showed up in February or March of this year because of some past abuse she had both by family and friends. That's basically what she sure. said. Sure. Okay, so here's... Here, here, so let, let me... Okay. <laughs> Trader Risky came just back on. Now i got to test it again. you got to hate Skype. Uh. Okay, Trader Risky. Uh, why, why do we keep losing you, Trader Risky? I'm back. I was on my other phone because this one was low on battery. Okay. I should be good now. Okay, let, let me. You driving? No, no, no. Okay. I, was, I was walking. Let me, dog, let, let, me test, let me test the sound one more time because I want you guys to hear. Do you, do you hear this? Like exclusively about the sexual abuse? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay, I'm going to go on here. I'm not. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You've given quite enough. <laughs> but. Um, so there's no, like, person I'm going to say no, anything yeah. about. Um, but, yes, yeah, so trauma would be um, extreme, all types of abuse constantly. Um, and we were talking about... So I, I, I've watched a documentary on someone with multiple personalities, and but it wasn't quite like what you're describing. So it was a woman who would sort of flick, and, and it was like a TV channel almost, like... One minute she was a five-year-old boy. Next minute she's a thirty-year-old woman, and it was quite sort oh, of. That's di- really similar. It, it was disturbing. Like I was like, "Whoa, you look possessed!" Like it was, it was, it was <laughs> that's, frightening. That's to how it is. Each each altered personality has their own posture. They have their own way of speaking. They have their own way of writing. Their own um, age. Their own gender. Their own sexual preference. In this documentary, there was some. Uh, dispute from scientists of is this put on is this is this real and in the end they just couldn't they couldn't say it that way they, not yet, they, not yet. They, they well yeah I'm just saying 2017 pretty decent research to be fair and they would say we can't say it that way but to be fair to this woman fucking convinced me it was real yeah the, the thing so I have read about this and basically the same thing is what I've read that uh they they don't have a whole lot of research on this. But from what they've done, they haven't come to really many conclusions, uh, and they haven't really determined conclusively that this is a real thing, or if people are kind of just making it up. And uh, yeah, and, and they're just very convincing with how they do it. Or yeah, is it really true that people have multiple personalities that just completely take over on their own involuntarily? And uh, so this guy's saying he's you know he's seen where it's inconclusive whether this is real or not. But from watching a documentary of someone else, that he was pretty convinced because it seemed pretty damn real. That it, it just looked like the acting would have been too good for this to be fake. Now we're going to take a listen after she describes her six other personalities. She says there's seven because one is her regular self, and then there's six other personalities. Uh, I'm going to get to shortly on this video. It's going to start in about 30 seconds. The description she gives of the six other personalities. And then I'm going to play you her YouTube where she had two of the personalities on there. Two separate videos. One, actually, two different videos 
of two different personalities. So we will try to decide whether this girl is faking it or if this is real. But uh, we'll let her describe what these other personalities are. The thing is, like, the instant reaction to this kind of thing, and I had this reaction, I know Hannah had the reaction mm-hmm. when she saw it. In her- Th- this is uh, Charlie, by the way. Herself ...is to be skeptical, yeah. but there have just been so many occasions where it's been so obvious that Hannah has not been in control of when she's been switching. Uh, I-, I-, I think it's pretty widely accepted in, like, the psychotherapy community that the idea does exist, um, and because there is, like, a lot of treatment out there. Um, Hannah was meant to see her therapist yesterday, but got lost in the way you can find him. But <laughs> how many uh, personalities would you say you've got? And, and can you describe some of these people, or, or can you, if, if you're not so, aware? Um, there's so before we get to that, you can still hear this Calwat, right? Calwat, can you hear it? See, I can't hear him. <laughs> Trade Risky, can you hear it? What is going on here? I, sorry, I was on mute. Okay. I can. I'm good. Okay, okay. I think Cal watch I'm here. I'm on mute too. Okay, Just okay. Listening. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure that before she gets into the personality that you guys can still hear. Okay, here we go. Six, um, and then including myself would be seven uh, personalities. Um, so going down the list, mm-hmm. we've got Bunny, who is the youngest, and she is around the age of two to four. Um, she kind of like flips ages and then there is Adam who is 17 and he's obviously a boy <laughs> said he um, and then there is Barbie who is 26 and a female um, James who's 28 and a male um, Oliver is 20 and a male and then Amnesia Girl <laughs> we don't we, know we, really don't anything amnesia about <laughs> don't know her name right so now. how does Amnesia Girl sort of um, manifest right, so this is where I, I was first completely convinced that DID was a thing in Hannah, where <clears throat> we had a night where we took MDMA and then at the end smoked some weed, and we just smoked way too much weeds, and we're just like basically passed out, and I was just like lying there next to her, and she, she was like, like lying there, and we could barely speak to each other. And then <clears throat> she, was, well, she was flipping in between states, in between her alts, like they're called alter personalities alts, um, pretty quickly, but they're all pretty like, can't really move. And then... <laughs> all of them are like, oh, mm. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. The two year olds are like, what are you put in my middle? <laughs> and then she suddenly sits up, and that was my first introduction to Amnesia Girl. She suddenly sits up and goes, the fuck? No. Who, the f- who the fuck are you? Fuck. Okay, you didn't say she fuck. You're like, what? what is happening? Who are you? Are you, in my- are you half naked? What is happening? And I was like, what? Charlie? <laughs> Who's Charlie? And yeah, that, that was the first introduction of it. And, uh, it, it, it was just insane. Amnesia Girl has then gone on to cause some pretty horrendous trauma <laughs> between us, uh, which is a fun story which we'll get to in a bit because it's to do with drugs. And we'll get onto that later. But, um, yeah. In- okay, so so those are the personalities. They have Bunny, the little girl between two and four. That's her age, two and four. Uh, Adam, a 17-year-old American boy. She didn't say American, but you'll hear shortly that that's what it is. Barbie, who's a 26-year-old blonde woman who's uh, kind of supposed to be like an actual Barbie doll, like a human representation of a Barbie doll. James, who's a 28-year-old man. I don't really know much about what he's supposed to be. Oliver is supposed to be a shy 20-year-old British boy who only comes out to do cleaning or household chores. I'd love to have her over here when when Oliver comes out. I think she could be useful. Yeah, that'd be convenient. Yeah, and then uh, Amnesia Girl, you heard about her. She's, you know... 
they don't really know much other than that she's just female and doesn't know who she is or where she is. So th- those are the six alt personalities. They call themselves alts, and that's not their term. That's a term within the DID uh, community. You know, when people realize they have it, they talk about their alts. So before we get into analyzing this further, first we're going to meet Adam. Okay, and and Cal, what? Stop me if you can't hear this. Otherwise, I'm just going to play it. So here, here, here's, right. here's Adam. And, of course, you can't see this. You can only hear it. But that's good enough um, for the discussion we're going to have here. What time marker are you at here? What do you mean, what time marker? On Adam? On the video. Oh, on, on that video I just played? It's, it was from 29.30 through about 34.45. All right. Go ahead. So here, here's, here's Adam. I'm not going to play the whole thing. It's 10 minutes, but I'll, I'll play part of it. Hello, I am Can't hear it. Adam. Okay, great. You can't hear I... it? It's very soft. Nope. You sure that's okay? Let me try it. Skype is its really worse than ever. It's, I think it's, I updated it, which I probably shouldn't have. I thought maybe it would improve this. It looks like it got worse. It seems like every few minutes it just drops off the ability to hear. Here we go. I'm currently making this video. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Because I have been wanting to make one for a while. It's currently 1.48. AM. I appeared in the videos previously posted, more so in the my multiple personality whatever video. I am 17 and I am a guy. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to stop it right here. First of all, she's really soft there. I actually had to turn the volume way up so you guys can hear it. Where did you find this video? This was on a, her channel. Um, she sure. actually she has a channel. I, I found it. I forgot how I found it, but I found it. Uh, right. I think it was sent to me by someone. But anyway, she says... Uh, Send it. Put it in the uh, chat. Okay. okay. Let me... Uh, I had to get the... Let me get this here. Yeah, get the. I was playing it from an embedded thing, so let me. I'll put it in the chat. Just one second here. Okay, so that's it. So, watching these first forty-five seconds, which you guys heard, I, I wasn't convinced at all from this because um, she does not sound like someone with male mannerisms at all. It sounds like just like her. Like, hey, I'm Adam, and I'm a guy, and then she kind of stares at the camera impishly. But it just it, it 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 doesn't seem like someone who really believes they're a guy. It doesn't it doesn't have that quality. It's like just her sitting there as herself, saying, "Hi, hey, I'm Adam. I'm a guy." It'd be just like me sitting here talking to you guys here. You know, hey, my name's Jennifer. I'm a girl. I'm I'm uh, I'm 19 years old. Like, it, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it because it. There's no mannerisms to it that are different from my own. So there, I thought this is she's full of crap. She's not even a good actress. Like you can, uh, and I'll play a little bit more of it, and you'll hear it. It's pretty much more of the same. Where this this Adam is very hard to believe. But uh, then we'll get to a second one, which is a little bit different. But I'm gonna play a little bit more of Adam here. Inside of this girl's body, um, it's very strange for me. Uh, something that I have been struggling with probably because I am out the most. Um, I 
have lived in Hannah's body out um, for a lot of her life. The body is quite confusing to be in at times. It also sounds like she's trying to think of what to say, like like she's inventing the character on the fly and and is is kind of coming up with what she has to say next rather than yeah, how just, does how does every one of these personalities know that they should be shooting videos of them well I mentioned that too when I was posting about that it and that, that make any sense that's another weird thing is that why are these co- personalities so cooperative with with the whole thing with the YouTube channel because something that has been found with people who, ha- who claim to have this DID is that all the alts the alternate personalities tend to have their own goals and and wants and needs and that they don't necessarily cooperate with the main person, which, which can wreak havoc upon their lives. So like Adam in this case would be unlikely to want to shoot a YouTube video on Hannah's channel to convince people. He, uh, he just wouldn't do it. He would just, you know, show up and just, you know, think he's a, a 17 year old boy and wouldn't be interested in Hannah's YouTube channel and, and shooting the video just at that time. And so in fact, he may not even know about her channel or how to access it. So that's, that's where we, it's a little bit weird. Uh, and, and work gets suspicious. So just as I was ready to dismiss the whole thing and say there's no chance this is real, and I'm not going to play the rest of it. It's, it's basically more of that. You can, you can go find it. It's if, it. The name of the video is called This is Adam. And you can type in like Hannah space This is Adam. And you can probably find it. Here is one that she did for Oliver. It's called Meet Oliver. And by the way, I also want to say this, this Adam video... The way she looks is just like a girl. You know, she kind of has her hair up a little bit, but it just kind of looks like a girl lounging around at home. A young girl, but you know, lounging around at home. It, it, there's no male mannerisms or way of dress or anything like that. It just it looks just like her hanging out at home. So I thought, okay, this is very very unconvincing. However, then I came upon this one. This one is called Meet Oliver, and the one called Meet Oliver. First of all, she has a disheveled appearance. She has no makeup on. She ha- her hair is all messed up. It looks like she just woke up in the morning. Uh, she kind of looks different, and you know, to be honest, worse than she does in her other videos. And it's not just from the lack of makeup. She she kind of just looks disheveled. So this is her as Oliver, and this one might change your mind a little bit from the impression that I got from Adam, where you'll probably come up to the same conclusion if you watch that one. So here's Meet Oliver. Um. Hello, I'm Oliver, and I am one of the orts in the system. I am more of a shy one, so this is a bit difficult. Uh, I come out when cleaning needs to be done, things need to be organised. Um, when things are structured, that's me. Um, I uh, like to read. I enjoy solitary. I don't enjoy cats at all. That's something I've been trying to tell people recently for some reason. Um, I just, I, I don't think I want any of them around me. So this one's more convincing, and uh, you can't see this part in the video, you know, in the audio, but 
there you can also see that the mannerisms that Oliver has, I hate acting like it's a separate person, but the mannerisms Oliver has are, are different than the ones you observe, both the ones she has on the podcast video and the one she did for Adam. So, and, and also she has a different look on her face. She has different facial expressions. There it kind of looks like a different person. That one, uh, and, and even the accent isn't that bad. Even the accent, uh, uh, when she says things like, I, I'm a shy one. That's, you know, that, that, that is a, a term you would hear from someone in the UK that someone in the US wouldn't put it this way. In the US, you'd say, I'm shy. I'm a shy person. Uh, it's, I, it's no Chico Loco, but yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, so now, obviously, this is all her whether it's you know it's a real disorder or not you know it's all really her so she picked it up in some way but but at least here it it seems a lot more genuine uh and now you can also say well how about her looking disheveled doesn't that seem like it might be a little bit too intentional like why why should she look that different but but okay like maybe Oliver you know he he doesn't like having her hair the way that she wears it as a girl or you know so this one, I'm not saying I'm convinced, but this one, had that been the only one I saw, I'd think, hmm, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she really does believe that, that sometimes that she's Oliver and she's a shy one and she, does, she comes out when cleaning needs to be done and things like that. Or he comes out, you know, whatever. But, so, so I don't know what to say because the Oliver one, and I'm not the only one who thinks this. Uh, the person who brought my attention to this told me they were also convinced by Oliver. Like a lot of people, when they read the they watch the Oliver one, they think, "Wow, that one's uh, she's a pretty good actress." There, if this is fake, the, the Adam one that just looks stupid. That just looks like a girl who wants to claim she has multiple personalities, and in fact, is barely putting effort out to even look like a different person. Uh, here is Hannah herself talking about her multiple personality disorder again from the same channel. Talking about my multiple personalities. Multiple personality disorder is now known as disassociative identity disorder. Disassociative identity disorder, or DID, is when one person has two or more distinct and different personalities. With DID, a person has altered personalities, or alts. So each alt has their own name, age, sex, sexual preferences, history, likes, dislikes, traits, handwriting. Okay, so I'm not going to play this for 14 minutes like this video is, but if you want to watch it, it's called My Multiple Personality Disorder. Just type that in Hannah and you'll find her. But this is her explaining it. Now, you may wonder, why put all this on YouTube? If it's true, if this is all really happening, why... why Put this on YouTube. Why make yourself look like a freak on YouTube and put this out there? And, and that makes me a bit suspicious, and especially with these alts cooperating with, uh, you know, at least two of them putting out. And then the link to her Instagram account. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so but she's heavily promoting her social media on Instagram, where she's looking for modeling jobs in London. Right. So, so you, you would think, well, okay, this this is something a lot more interesting. In fact, I wouldn't be doing this segment on this show if it's just, oh, Charlie Carroll, he. Uh, he met a cam girl off of Chatterbait, and now he's dating her. Maybe I'd mention it very briefly, but it wouldn't be a, a real segment here. You know, that's not that exciting. You know, so what? Maybe interesting that you know, a cam girl is trying to gold dig from him, but that's about it. So you have to stop there. There's not much else to say. It's this multiple personality thing that makes it more interesting. So I'm sure she realizes, whether this is real or not, that this is something that makes her more 
interesting and buzzworthy, and if she is trying to promote herself in any way for modeling or whatever, that right. this is something that will bring people to her and make people interested in, in learning about her. Whereas, okay, you know, I'm a former cam girl or a current cam girl, whatever. Yeah, okay, so are a lot of people. Why, why is that very exciting? Anyone can do that if they want. So, Druff, let, me, let me just say something real quick. So I, I want to preface this with the fact that I, I definitely believe that mental illness is a thing, right? So I'm not just yeah. being skeptical because I have known people that have had various, you know, kinds of mental illnesses. So I'm familiar with it. I know kind of what the deal is with this stuff. But I, I'm certainly no judge of whether she's faking it or not. But let me ask you a question. Like these videos on YouTube about her multiple personality disorder, what have they gotten her? Like what is she getting from them? Uh, attention, really. That's, that's it. Uh, right? Anything tangible and, so and far. What, yeah. And, you know, what was she getting from being on the – being a cam girl? You know? Well, it was attention, and attention, money, yeah, it was attention and she was money. Also, she yeah. was also getting attention. And I've known so many, you know, young girls that they, they love, you know, playing different, yeah, not even girls, but, but just young kids. They play different characters. And I don't know, man. I'm really fucking skeptical that, well, she might be fucked in the head. You know, whether this is true or not true, I can definitely believe that she's not the most stable person in the world. But I, I have a hard time believing that she actually has these multiple personalities. It just seems ridiculous that all of her personalities want to be on video and they all want to promote her Instagram account and they're all aware of each other. <laughs> right. I mean, it just seems really well, funny. And, so, and here's something else I noticed that I thought was very suspicious. Okay, so I watched the show United States of Terror on Showtime a few years ago. And, and so something about this show is that the personality she had were wide-ranging, they were different ages, different genders, same thing as, as, as this girl, where it's not just you know, a, a few personalities that happen to be you know, all different but all resembling what she has. Th- this is a thing where there's a b- wide range. So, and, and in fact, it, it kinda, it's kind of similar to these fictitious characters. So we have a little girl, uh, a kid, yeah, that is. We, we have a, a, a teenage boy. Which of course is a cross-gender thing, you know. So it's uh, now she's a boy too. Uh, we have this uh, Barbie, which is also supposed to be the one that that was mainly camming. Apparently, that was mainly Barbie on cam. Which I don't think she claimed she was Barbie on cam, but uh, um, that, that was supposedly that person that was mainly doing the camming. Uh, the James, this twenty-eight-year-old uh, man, uh, Oliver, the shy British boy, and then there's the amnesia girl. Now let me tell you about the uh, United States of Terror, the terror character. Uh, she had uh, a teenage character. It was it was a teenage girl, but it was a teenage character. She she had a uh, an undefined character. You know, like Amnesia Girl. She had like an undefined character who was kind of the uh, not like the rest and uh, and and just kind of really out there. Uh, she had one that liked to clean a lot. In her case, it was like a, like a fifties housewife type. In this case, it's a twenty year old boy. Uh, she had a, a male personality and. You know, she has several male personalities here, the uh, Hannah. So the point is here, I find it too convenient. And the same with this movie Split. It was the same thing where the guy had uh, like a lot of different personalities that were widely varied from one another, from you know, a wide range of ages and genders. And It's very convenient that they're all so different. Like, like she tried to make them all different from one another. 
and, and, and of course, has to have some that are male. And then, of course, there has to be a, a, a kid in there. And uh, it, it, it looks like this was this may have actually been invented based upon watching one or both of these fictional uh, portrayals of DID. And she thought, oh, this is kind of cool. Or, or maybe it was subconscious. Maybe she saw it and then later she just kind of you know, thought about, you know, you know, I kind of feel like uh, I kind of feel like a different person today, and then it kind of just took off from there without her, even her consciously doing it. It could be something like that, but uh, something else that she mentioned that is different from most people who claim to have DID is that most people with DID almost like go into a blackout state when another personality comes in. It's almost like their body got exactly. snatched, th- like their body got snatched, and then they find themselves back and they go, you know, how do I get here? What's going on? You know, what has happened? And then over with them, okay, well, this person just showed up. And yeah, so that, that's the way it was portrayed uh, in these fictional programs. And that's the way that it's said to occur. What she claims here in, in this podcast is that she can watch all this as it happens, that she's not in control, but she's like watching her own life on a movie, that she's just in her body and can see everything happening, but she's not in control and these alts have taken over, which is not the way it normally happens. But but it still begs the question, okay, so so why does Adam want to get on her YouTube channel? Why does Oliver want to get on her YouTube channel? Why, how do they even know about the YouTube channel? How, what motivation do they have to get on there? It, it, there's a lot of things like that. And, and, of course, the question, why is she putting this out on YouTube at all? So, the, the, you know, it really smacks of self-promotion. So there, there's, there's that which can cause the skepticism and... So, so suffice to say that I don't really believe any of this. I think it's possible, but I think she's probably full of it. Well, Drav, here's the funny thing about it, right? I mean, it really looks to me like this is a girl that she's looking for attention, and she wants to make some videos. She realizes she's not on a, a campsite anymore, so she can't take her clothes off. So she's going to have some kind of shtick for attention but the funny thing is like just because i found this channel i mean it, it looks like there's a whole lot of women and so far they're all women that are documenting their multiple personalities on youtube yeah <laughs> like it's become like a it's become a thing you know so i guess they could say this of me that i, I i'm sometimes colonel fabersham i'm sometimes uh, chico loco maybe, maybe they, i can claim the same thing but how is that any different than what they're doing? I yeah. mean, the only <laughs> yeah. difference is that they you're fucking around, and she's claiming that she, you know, this is really a thing. But everything I've read is that the the science is very mixed on whether this is actually a thing. Yeah, you know. And so the qu- the question came up on the podcast that Charlie. I don't know where it is in the podcast, so I can't I can't play it for you guys. But the question came up to him. During sex, do they ever? Yeah, you know, does she ever change personalities? Do you ever end up having sex with Adam or, or, or with Oliver or whatever? Oh my God. And, and so poor, he, poor shy Oliver is getting banged doggy style. So, she, oh, so, so uh, he, he, please, uh, not so hard, sir. It's going please to get, don't put it in my ass again. It's going to be so messy, and I have to clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but uh, they asked him, you know, do you have sex with these other personalities? And Charlie said, yes, I have sex with the other personalities, and I have a different sexual relationship with each of them, including the males. Of course he does. He's polyamorous. Both these people are just fucked in the head. 
I guess I guess this is a way of of being bisexual without really being bisexual. If if your girlfriend, it's polyamorous. I mean, this really they are kind of made for each other in a way. <laughs> okay, here he's we... got he's got money. She wants money. He he likes polyamorism. She's got as many personalities as he wants. I mean, maybe maybe she's doing it. To please him, she knew that he was polyamorous, and she's like, "Oh, I got to do you something." Know, it to is, give this it is, it is spice. It is know? true. He gave up on the polyamory because if she has seven personalities, maybe that's enough for him. Maybe he doesn't want more okay. than seven girls. Okay, why not? He gets to bang a young English boy. He gets everything. <laughs> okay, here's here, here's the uh, we have a caller on the air. Hello. Hey, this is Brett from Sacramento. Hey, Brett, what's going on? Um, I, pretty good. I have a serious question. Uh, since this person knows about these personalities, what's the treatment for it? Can you just tell yourself? Stop doing it. No, I, you already know there's a problem and you have addressed it. But how do you fix it? It seems like it might be an easy fix. Th- no, there doesn't seem to be one, and that's that's one of the problems. You know of why it's not even known if it's real. Uh, they just claim it just happens, and there's no way. Like even what they they all say they're aware it's occurring. They don't claim to. Uh, most of them don't claim to see it as it's happening, but the, you know their friends tell them, family tells them, so they know what's happening. But um, they, they usually are not supposedly not aware when it occurs it's like it just as it's like going to a blackout they claim but but the thing is there's there's no proof that this is real there's no proof that this is a real thing yeah and all, all of the journals like i've been googling it while we've been talking about the story and all of the reputable uh websites that i've been able to find is they just say it's controversial and you know people don't really know and i mean you know yeah so right. so right. yeah so that's thank that's you. okay thank you brett so there's a little more complication to this whole thing. There's, there's always more to the story. So how do you think Charlie's poker friends feel about this whole thing? It's, they know the whole story. That, if someone like on, on the thread when I posted about this on Poker for Arlers, someone gave me a hard time. You know, why are you exploiting this girl for, for views and, and, and trying to uh, make fun Please, of someone? Please, every video she's got, she's linking well, to that, her that's Instagram. A, that's what I'm this saying. This is, highly, views. Right. This, is, this is highly public, and they appeared on, on a very popular podcast in the UK. So this, I'm not airing her dirty laundry here. She wants this out. You're doing her a favor. She wants this. <laughs> yeah, I probably, I probably am doing her. I'm probably doing her a favor. So Clearly. But how, how do Charlie's friends from poker feel about this? Because, of course, there's going to be skepticism, not just about this whole thing with the multiple personalities, but also about why is she with him? Is she really with I him? Think, I, I think one of them's banging Oliver, one of his buddies. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, so here's a little bit. Here's some rumors. I don't have any proof of these things, but uh, a little bit of a rumor backstory before we get to how the friends feel. During the World Series of Poker, it always comes back to Kate Hall in some way. During the World Series of Poker, Kate Hall. Oh, oh, oh! oh I'm sorry, Drew. I don't mean to interrupt you again, but I was about to say it is not shocking at all to me that these two are are buddies with Kate Hall. Yeah. Well, I mean, they all are attention whores in a different way. Right. But I don't think anyway, she is. I'm sorry. Go ahead. He's buddy with Kate Hall. She, I, I don't think she is. But so anyway, Kate she probably is now. Kate, Kate Hall and and Charlie and and a girl who's also a poker player named uh, Kelly Winterhalter, who's uh, uh, yeah, a younger Winter girl. Winterhalter isn't yeah. that like what, that's like a sweater you wear in the winter? <laughs> it, it's a, a it's a stra- it's, it's a strange name. It's cold. Yeah. Halter top would be cool. It, it, it almost it almost sounds like a porn name, Kelly Winterhalter. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so Kelly Winterhalter, Charlie, Kate Hall, and, and a poker player named Ben Heath all shared a house during the 2017 World Series. And uh, now there's rumors that Ben and Charlie both fucked Kate Hall, though at different times. It wasn't like a threesome, but like at some point during uh, the time they shared the house, both of them had sex with Kate Hall at some point. 
Uh, I don't know about uh, so so then uh, Kelly also is said to have had sex with Charlie. So so Charlie supposedly got it on both with Kate and with Kelly separately there in the house, and then Ben also. Good for him. So yeah. So 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 anyway, and these are just rumors. I don't I, I don't know these things for sure, but uh, what I do know f- with, with relative certainty is that Kelly, who is still friends with Charlie, they're they're not romantically involved, obviously, but they're they're still friends. She is very suspicious of Hannah. And as soon as she heard about Hannah and then her background and this whole, she, she was not happy about it. And she is said to believe that Hannah is just using him for money. And she has warned Charlie multiple times to stay away from Hannah. And in fact, they mentioned Kelly in the podcast, but bleeped her name. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's, so, so there's already some drama here that's, that some of, uh, Charlie's friends from the the Kate Hall SJW crowd, they're not very pleased with this whole thing. They th- they think oh, that they might they very well might be right. No, I, that, I'm not I'm not blaming Kelly for this. I think you know? know, like like it's natural to think okay, Kelly's probably jealous, and she could be. Maybe she is. Maybe she still has a thing for Charlie. I don't know. But but at the same time, sometimes the jealous person is actually correct as well. Like sometimes they have the motivation right. to be more skeptical and to look into it more and to care more, and and sometimes they're right on with what the the conclusion they come to. They're not always related. You can be one. You can be both. You know, yeah, or you can be neither. She may not be jealous at all. Now, now to she be, may just be. She may honestly just be really skeptical of this chick. Now, now to be clear, uh, apparently Kate and Kelly did say that they did not believe she was the girl was faking uh, the DID or the multiple personalities. They, they, Whatever. they, they thought, what's this disease that what's her face? Kate Hall came out with what she had. No, no, she claims she was aut- autistic. Just all, one oh, day, she's I, autistic. Yeah, just one right, day. Yeah. I just realized I'm autistic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no similarity at all between Kate Hall coming out saying she's autistic and this chick claiming she's got DID. I mean, well, that, they're totally different. Well, that's the problem. Like, like the, the, the SJW <laughs> crowd, like they, they, if they start questioning whether someone really has a disorder, they claim, then they look very hypocritical. So they right. they kind of have to say that they kind of have to say oh yeah I believe it I'm not I'm not doubting your your uh, your self diagnosis here I, I'm just uh, I, but uh, so I, but I I do believe that their main concern is that a cam girl uh, who who gets introduced to Charlie because he originally gave her a thousand dollars which is what happened that uh, that she may not have the purest of motives as far as why she's with him now? You know, she. It could be a dual thing. It could be that she legitimately likes Charlie, and he also happens to have millions of dollars now, and and, and just uh, and, and is a increasingly famous poker player. Like you, you can have both. I'm not saying that just just because he is this that she you know she can't find that as a plus and like him separately. But uh, but of course, whenever you are somebody who is in, in a position like Charlie, is a young guy who's making a lot of money in, in poker, and but yeah, you do attract that type that wants to cash in on it. So, so that's the, so. There's this concern in the background, and and they mentioned this in the podcast that this has caused a little static. Not that not that they're going to split up because of this or anything, but just that it's been a little bit of stress to them that Charlie's friends haven't just immediately taken to her and said, "Oh, you know, I, I bet, yeah, that oh, I'm so happy for you. You're wonderful." They get a little bit uh, concerned. Uh, Kate Hall actually said she would give more information on how she feels about this. She said, oh, I'm the day three of the five diamond, and I'll, I'll get back to you later, but then uh, n- never replied. But So th- this is from a listener who was telling me this, that they asked her some questions, and she uh, started to answer, but then didn't want to answer further. I bet she probably thought better of it. So 
that that's that's where it currently stands. If you want, if you want to watch it, there is that hour and a half podcast. If you want to kill some time and listen to this, I played you the part about the the most relevant part about the multiple personalities. But uh, there's a lot more to this thing. If you want to watch that, and you can also go to her YouTube channel. Her actual her name. Let's see what uh, her full name is. Uh, Hannah. It's, her YouTube channel is in her full name. It's a uh, Hannah Lucenden. Yeah, Lucenden. L U S S E N D E N. That's her YouTube channel. She actually does have fourteen hundred subscribers. Yet, no. Oh yeah, fourteen hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, That's but there, nothing. It's nothing, especially because a lot of times people somehow collect subscribers, but yet don't get many views. Like her her Adam thing, which was published on December fourth, which is you know been nine days now. It's not a whole lot of time, but it's not like it was just published a few hours ago. That only has 8,400 views, and for 1,400 subscribers, you'd think you'd get more than that, but whatever. So I don't know, Jeff. I mean, I, for the most part, I'm an Occam's Razor kind of guy. You, you put together the fact that this chick claims she was in an abusive relationship. She was a, a, a cam girl for a long time, and she's an attractive girl, and now she's got multiple personalities. I mean, this, to me, is just someone doing whatever she can to get attention and, you know, make money from it, hopefully, and that's really all it seems like to me. Yeah. I mean, oh, well, hold on. We have it's something. just amazing to me we don't see any, like, you know, fat, ugly dudes that have multiple personality disorders on YouTube. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I know. Like, but... is that a coincidence? <laughs> I don't think so. Here, here, Here's a uh, – Barbie apparently was just released. Now, when I was researching this earlier, it was not, uh, it was not there. Yeah, I saw a part here, of it. Here's Barbie. I, I, this is new to me, too. Oh, my gosh. It's annoying. Can you hear it? No. Okay, let me, let me put this on. Hello. Hold on. I know you saw some of it, but so it starts. <laughs> this is the latest one. This. It's annoying. I, I I haven't even seen it yet, so I'm I'm seeing it the first first time. Like you guys are hearing it, but so this is Barbie. It was released on December 9th. See, I looked into this about a week ago, so I I didn't see this December 9th Barbie. But here, this is this is she's all made up in this one. She has long hair extensions on. Uh, she's made up very much. She's in a low-cut top. She's in a very short skirt. She kind of does look like the camp girl personality. Right? What is up? Hi, I'm Barbie. I am making this video because I really wanted to put some hair on and some makeup and a dress. I am hanging out. Today. A little bit about me. I love to dance. I love dressing up. And- okay, uh, a few problems here. First of all, this again is is too similar to her regular personality. But but even putting that aside, what, where did this music come from? Like like how come there's background mood music to this thing? By the way, I think Adam's supposed to be the one who produces these videos. <laughs> so so how does that work, Barbie? Like Adam appears. Okay, time for you to record. You ready, Barbie? Yeah, I'm ready. Like, like, I don't even understand how that works. If Adam puts it all together, no, it makes no sense that every single one of these personalities is aware of the YouTube channel and is talking about themselves and is conscious. I mean, it just makes no fucking. And we have this this background music now, which which is supposed to match Barbie's like wild, outgoing personality. It's just all too convenient. That's not how it really works, I think, with, with multiple personalities. I think uh, multiple personalities, I, I think more of a legitimate version of that would be where someone, it, it just seems highly different 
from 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 and I don't just mean from bad moods you know it's just from um you know someone sometimes you know they're docile and nice and then sometimes uh, other times they uh you know they're just angry and mean and they, they and then they kind of start to feel like they're two different people I could see that manifesting in, in certain people's heads but this yeah, I mean United States of Terra um draft just like you said i mean that's kind of the reality of it probably well and i've heard i've heard of that one that that even that had some mistakes in that you know some people who claim they have this disorder said it wasn't totally accurate but yeah that that's right seemed... but i can't imagine there's like one of them's like the av person or something right right exactly it was like the, the it, it's this one it's just so convenient that they all want to be part of this youtube channel <laughs> one of the yeah, like the AV person, uh, they, they all have their you know their their certain look and their background music. It's just and it's not just putting on different clothes. I mean, this is really this really does seem like it's all for YouTube attention. And not just I mean, again, it, it just seems bizarre to me that just looking at this thing from a gestalt perspective, that all of the multiple personality videos that i'm finding here on youtube and they're they're apparently there are a decent number of them not just from her but they're all from attractive women right it's just it doesn't fucking make any sense like you know ah, it's a new virus going around all the hot women <laughs> yeah you're <laughs> you know what i mean though like there's another one there's multiplicity in me it's another like blonde chick who's and she's not as attractive as yeah, the other right girl, right, right i see that still, yeah yeah you know yeah, so I, I guess I guess if you're like a like a plain girl or a dude, I guess you just uh, for some reason you're just not at risk. For some yeah, reason, you don't find many fat redneck dudes who have multiple personalities. I guess it yeah. just doesn't doesn't strike. Yeah, my, my name's uh, <laughs> my name's uh, Billy Bob. I, 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 I weigh three hundred forty pounds, and uh, I've lost most of my teeth from chewing. But uh, I, I got this this their personality. Her, her name is Trixie, and she's she's a five seven hundred twenty pound blonde girl. I'm gonna have her come on here. Oh, uh, hey, hello. Well, my my name here is Trixie. Um, yeah, I, I'm a stripper. Like you don't see that. Yeah, there's a there's another one. A woman with seven. Well, why is it always seven personalities? There's a woman with seven. It's called the sum of us, and she's another. You know. And, and why yeah. is it? Why is it always just such a perfect variance of personalities where, where each is so different from the other, and and they cover such a wide spectrum? Why why can't it just be like if why can't it be a guy who's th- a thirty year old dude who has uh, three other thirty year old dude personalities? Why why does it have to be like a kid, uh, uh, someone of a different gender? Like why why is it always that? Why does it seem like this would be a perfect? Uh, thing that they could do in a movie or a sitcom or it's something that's perfect for dramatic purposes so that's that's what makes him more drama attention i mean you know generally with the internet i've said this before any anything you see on the internet that's supposedly is presented as real that that's interesting outrageous whatever if it's too perfect if there's too many ways it just happens to fall into place to be entertaining it's probably fake that's the good rule of thumb so if too many perfect things had to come together to make it interesting, then it's it's probably contrived. Yeah, and then the link and then every fucking video is promoted with subscribe and here's my Instagram feed. On her Instagram feed she talks about that she's a model looking for gigs. I mean it's whatever. Yeah. You know? Okay. So there's not there's not much more to say here. I may try to put out a feeler at some point to have her on here and see if see what she'll say. 
Uh, I, I had kind of planned to do this before, then I forgot, but uh, I, I don't know if, if she'll even come on here. She doesn't really know me, and uh, especially, hopefully she doesn't ask Kate Hall, then they'll probably be told not to, but I, I, I can give it a shot. She may be... If she wants the attention that badly, That's what I was thinking. On. That's what I was thinking. She may want attention so badly better. that she'll just come on. And, oh, another podcast wants me. So I, I wonder how long this will last with Charlie. It's hard to imagine this is going to be the girl he marries or, or something that's going to be like for years. Well, at, at their age, it does. Even if she wasn't a head case, like you could say the same thing. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're not they. You know, it doesn't have to be who he's going to end up marrying. But I mean, they are they are made for each other in a way. He's polyamorous, <laughs> and she's got multiple personalities. Yeah, fucking away you go. She's poly personality. So perfect. Yeah, I didn't even think of that angle until you brought it. I did not think of wow, you know, this is so much polyamorous who's giving it up because he's with someone with so many different people anyway. So he can be with several people through one person so i guess i guess they it does both work. like any relationship they both get out of it what they need right yep perfect okay well uh i think we've said all we can say on that uh calwater you, you still awake enough to move on or did this wake you up or is it uh time to go to it bed? woke me up but i want to sleep okay. what, what, <laughs> trader ruski you got this shit i'm good for a little while longer okay by that <laughs> well as long as he lasts no guarantees okay well well <laughs> Calwat, thank you for being on tonight. I know you. It's it's three a.m. You've been up for uh, now what twenty one and a half hours, so it's pretty yeah. excessive. And uh, and I got kids and dogs that are going to get me up early tomorrow. Yep, that's I've I have that situation as well. So I you will. You dogs? I have one dog. You never. You don't really talk about your dog. I, I have talked about. It. Uh, Brandon refers to it as the eighties dog. It's, it's an old dog that that we got. In December 2015, he's now 12 and a half years old, and he's a pug, and he he actually just recently had. I, I want to mention this now. It's, you know, now that we're on the topic of dogs, and I know all three of us have dogs. I'm going to complain about something, and uh, along with the theme of many things I complain about, uh, this of course has to do with money. So, here's my complaint. Ah. Uh. About dogs. You've got, you got nothing to complain about. Go ahead. <laughs> Here, here's my com- complaint, and it has to do with vets. So, despite the fact that this dog is old, he hadn't really had any health problems. He actually did surprisingly well. Uh, and he's actually a very big pug. Pugs are known to be very small dogs. They're not tiny, but you know, usually they average like 14 pounds. This dog is about twice that. So, he's like, he really is like two pugs. And it's not that he's fat. He's not skinny, but he's, he's, he's just... Really, the size of two—it's like take a pug and just make him twice as big in all ways, and that's this this dog. For whatever reason, he's just huge for a pug. So he was healthy despite this. But then, just after we came back from our trip in November, he had a number of problems. First, he had diarrhea, and I had to clean it in the house. It was it was gross, but whatever. Uh, then that went away. And very shortly afterwards, he starts peeing in the house, which he had never done before. And it was kind of like in a weird way where it was like he wasn't squatting down and peeing. It was just kind of like dribbling behind him. But the worst thing is it had like this fishy smell that was like disgusting. So, and it was so strong, it would just go through the entire house. Well, we suspected that due to the smell, it was probably an infection. And, of course, that meant we had to go to the vet. So... I've always avoided going to the vet as much as possible because vets love to try to separate you from your money, much more than regular doctors do. 
uh, vets, they take advantage of the fact that they know people love their dogs and that by suggesting the maximum number of tests and treatments and everything else that uh, people will be afraid to say no or otherwise they're not being good to their pets. They're not concerned with their pets' welfare. Um, I remember we had a Springer Spaniel, a family dog, when you know, from uh, the mid-'80s through 2001. And when the Springer Spaniel, when she, when she was over 14 years old, and keep in mind that that breed lives till 12 typically. So this is a 14-year-old Springer. And the doctor was trying to tell my mom to do all these expensive tests on her. And my mom was saying, why? Why should we do that? Even if we find it, we're not going to do major surgery or anything on a dog that's, that's clearly at the end. And she said, uh, and they said, so they started trying to guilt her, saying, well, okay, if you don't care about your dog, you don't care what happens to her. Like, they really tried the guilt trip. My mom got really mad. But this is what a lot of the vets do. And I, I know, Calwatt, you recently had a, a dog that had uh, cancer and that you, you got the dog cured and you know, cost some uh, good money 15, there. 15000 fucking dollars, Drew. Was it that much? Wow. See, yeah. that's, that's what I mean. That's, that's what I mean. So, so I, know, I know you've at least got a cure, and this is, and this is a real... Uh, I willingly... I'll be, I'll be honest with you. As much as I'm bitching about it now, I willingly paid it and would rather spend that money on, uh, on that dog than a whole lot of other things. Well, okay. So, so, so if, like, if you know the dog has, has a problem and, and you, you want to spend a lot of money to solve it to get some extra time with the dog... Uh, that's fine. Then that's up to the the pet owner. Is, is this worth it to you? And each person has what they think it's worth it. But the, my problem is where they try to hit you for useless tests that are uh, definitely not needed. So I brought the dog in, and immediately they, they want me to do the like what's known as a senior panel on the dog because the dog's old, and it's like this whole battery of tests. And and so uh, so I oh, lost website. it here. Great. I lost my Havanagila music. So they want me to do this whole battery of tests. And I said, no, I, I think I know what it is. I think it's a, uh, I think it's some sort of bacterial infection. We just need antibiotics. So then they look at the dog's ears and said, the pugs often get ear infections and he has ear infections. I said, is that related to the peeing in the house? No, she says, but, uh, you know, you'll, you, you, you yeah, it's, it's still an ear infection. You want to do something about it. So I said, okay, fine. So I, I agreed to pay for them to clean the dog's ears. I get to get a lot of buildup in there. So she, she cleared, cleaned the dog's ears. I paid for that. I paid for the ear drops that I had to put in. And I paid for antibiotics. For And then I also paid for, for a urine test for the dog to uh, see what they would find there as far as the whole urinating in the house. Well, the one good thing about him having the ear infection was that the antibiotics given for the and they didn't tell me this, but I thought it might be true. The antibiotic given for the ear infection also would would uh, take care of any uh, urinary infection. So, sure enough, within about a day, there was a dramatic improvement in in the the, the, the peeing in the house just abruptly stopped. So I said, okay, I was right. <laughs> you know. So when I was there, though, when they're trying to convince me to do all these expensive tests and telling me, you know, what, if there's so many different things it can be. We need to do this. We need to do that. And I said, and and and, and you know, they're telling me all these different possibilities about diabetes and stuff. And I said, wait a minute, this appeared out of nowhere. This went from never peeing in the house ever to abruptly doing it every day and this weird kind of dribbling behind and and this bad smell. So. Wouldn't you say since it started so abruptly, this could not be a long-term problem? And she says, no. And I said, wait a minute. So, so how can that be? How can, how can this, so you're telling me this means nothing that it abruptly started. You said, yeah, it means nothing. <laughs> so there's no way that's true. There's no way that a problem abruptly starting 
whether in a dog or a human, doesn't give you more information about it. It definitely gives information in some way, but she didn't want to tell me that because they, they obviously wanted me to do more tests. They didn't want to say, oh, yeah, it's probably this, so don't, you don't need to test for anything else. So I refused to do anything more until they came back with the results. Then they were very slow with calling me back with the results. Like They kept saying they're going to call me. I kept calling them. They kept stalling me. Uh, but but they did concede when I told them that uh, you know, they said, how is he doing? I said, well, actually, he stopped peeing in the house. They said, well, yeah, it probably was from the antibiotics that we gave you for the ear infection working on, on, on probably a urinary infection. So I said, okay, well, good. So then they eventually gave me the results, which was that, yes, that's what he had. So I said, okay, good, we're done. And they said, well, you need a second round of antibiotics for him. And so I was very skeptical with that, but because they're not that expensive, they're not cheap, but they're not that expensive, and because you know it is true that... I want him to take the the right dose of this because uh, with antibiotics, if you undertake them, then the chance of it coming back and worse is higher. This is true in humans and animals. That's why you know when you get prescribed antibiotics, you're not supposed to just take it till the symptoms disappear. If if you, if you stop at that point, you can screw yourself for the future. So so I understood that. So I went and got went back and got the second uh, dose. But I just got a call the other day, and now it's been a few weeks that he's been better and everything's fine. He's back to totally normal. That they called me a few weeks ago and they said, uh, yeah, so we'd like to schedule uh, bringing him back in. I said, why? They said, well, we want to do another test to see if there's still, you know, to, to see if this infection is still there. I said, well, why do we have to do that? It, uh, it must not be. It, the, the whole thing got better. Well, we think it's the right thing to do, to do a follow-up. And this whole thing was, was so obvious just to get money out of me. So I said, you know, I'm sorry, but I'd like to. And I was polite with him. I wasn't trying to say, hey, you're trying to extract money from me. I, I just said, uh, I, I, I really don't feel a need to do that because I, I thought when we brought him in that he had an infection. Uh, the fact that the antibiotics helped so quickly and that it has not returned uh, that's clearly what it was. It's clearly better. There's no point to do further tests, in my opinion. But if you know, if it comes back, then I'll bring him back in. So I got like the nastiest tone of voice on the other end, like, "Well, oh, okay, thank you, bye." And they hung up. Like I could tell they were pissed. So it just it just bothers me because you know they're they're always looking to take advantage. And it's not just this vet. I, this was a new one I just chose, but I, I actually chose a different one because the one before that seemed very money hungry. They're just all the same way. And once in a while, you'll find like a vet with with a heart of gold who isn't out to try to exploit the pet owner. But I feel I, I'm always on guard. It's so hard to trust anything they say. I've I've always got to run it through like a, a a filter of are they trying to just get me to do needless things and spend needless money, or are they telling me something that's the truth? Like this ear infection thing, I was kind of on the fence with that, but I'm like, okay, I, I see the discharge. You know, I I guess I can believe it. Fine. So like, it, it's just I, I wish I could just have an honest vet who just tells me what is really recommended, not not the overkill over testing, but just what's really recommended, get the problem fixed and be done. But it's so I'll hard tell to you find. what, Druff, like despite the amount of money that ended up getting paid for this, the um the folks that we dealt with were super upfront about everything. Um and so I don't know, maybe the, the vet with the heart of gold is out here. Yeah, it might be. Like you know, I actually I had a girlfriend a, a while a long time ago that she didn't have much money, and she actually was referred to a vet in Malibu of all places. You'd think that would be a place where they'd all be expensive, but there's a vet a vet in Malibu who actually loved animals so much that she 
specialized in treating animals cheaply for people who just didn't have much money. You didn't have to prove it, but you just have to, you know, basically, you, basically, if you came there and said, I, I really can't afford very much, that she would do whatever she needed to do very cheap and, and, and did a good job, too. So she went to that woman and uh, that, uh, so, you know, there are ones out there like that, but it's, it's just, I, even before I went, I, I knew this would happen. And that was that was just so bothersome to me because I wanted to treat the dog. I wanted the dog to feel better. I didn't want to leave the dog with ear infections or whatever. Like the the ear infection, I'm sure he could have lived with, but you know why have him be uncomfortable with ear infection? Like that's that's I, I'm not going to be like that. So I, I'll, I'll spend the money for things that are real problems and fixing. I just don't want to do uh, needless testing. And it's also uncomfortable and unpleasant for the dog, and, and also to tr- over treat things. So you, not only for the money, but also for you, you only really with medicine in general, you only want to do what's necessary. You, you don't sometimes doing too much can be harmful. So did I talk on the show about my dog? Uh, my you, my import dog. Yes, you've talked about that. Yeah, I did. Okay, <laughs> I wasn't sure. Yeah, I know. Both of you seem very dedicated to dogs here. I know uh, Troy Ruski. You, you bring your dog on all your trips, right? Well, yeah, when I drive. The yeah, dog absolutely. fucking drives. Trader Ruski just chills back, has his chamomile tea, and passes out, and the dog's fucking driving. <laughs> so, so Trader Ruski, hey, hey, we have the autonomous car, car I will be. Have, have, you, have you run into this Trader Ruski with the dogs? Have you, have, like, have you had vets that seem to be trying to extract money from you? No. I mean, the one I have seems pretty... Yeah, they don't try to push me into other appointments. I mean, I usually take her in every six months or a year or whatever. But, uh, no, I have a good one down the street. That's good. If you want to come to West L.A. <laughs> I, should, but yeah. I was thinking, these 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 Hanukkah stories are so much different than the Christmas stories. <laughs> this could be... <laughs> You know, it's about how I'd have my dog and save money at the vet. You know, the yeah. Christmas stories. Uh, it, it's just, I, I just it, like sometimes you just you're getting into something. You're you're you have to do something. You're just dreading it because you know what the result's going to be, and you just hate it. And that's just like the nightmare for me, where I have to get something done, and like there's going to be a combination of true information and false information thrown at me, and money's involved. And then I have to determine it, and if I my, my results can either be it can be bad in two ways: either I do too little and the dog suffers, or I do too much and waste money, and maybe the dog dog suffers also. So like it's a, there's so many ways it can go badly that I've, I decide the wrong thing, and like I I just got so irritated with this like debate about the symptoms coming on suddenly doesn't mean anything. Of course it means something. I knew she knew that it meant something. I mean you had to be an idiot to think that uh, symptoms in, in any animal that comes suddenly rather than something that comes over time is significant to diagnosing what it is. And, and I even said that I didn't say about being an idiot, but I said, I said, even in humans, it's this way. I said, look, it's just a, that's, it's always a significant thing that, uh, when, when figuring out what it is, is, was it sudden or, or has this been going on for a while? So that, that, right. When she keeps insisting, this has nothing to do with it. I said, this is, uh, obviously a BS artist here. So I, I believe that you know the, he was correctly diagnosed. Obviously, and it was it was fixed. But beyond that, it was kind of exactly what I was, I was fearing. So I, I don't know how this even came up, but that's a, that's my rant on that. A a, a two point five million dollar survival pool. 
sorry, NFL survivor pool, not survival, NFL survivor pool, which I'll explain in a second what that is, was shut down by the federal government and the fate of the money is unknown. This is something that is disturbing that can happen. Uh, so th- this was actually reported early on Poker Fraud Alert to where it was actually the top Google result for a little while before this was picked up by Deadspin and other much bigger sites. But whenever I hear Deadspin, I always think of Meat Spin. <laughs> I was on Deadspin during the the World Series where there was that major. I think it was in, in sixteen where there was that major storm, the thunderstorm that came into Vegas and punched a hole into the Rio, and, and it was raining in the World Series. I I tweeted about it, and Deadspin featured my tweet. I, I felt mm. so important. So this is called Ron and Mike's football pool. And what what a football pool, what a survivor pool is, is that you make picks on which team is going to win. It's just straight up. There's no spread involved. You just say, I, I think this team's going to win. I think that team's going to win. And as soon as you pick one wrong, then you're out. So everybody you know puts their money into the pool, and uh, you you keep picking games until there's only one person left and they win the money, right? I don't know if there's one winner, but whatever it is, you know, that, that's how you, you, you're out of the competition the second you make a wrong pick. So, of course, that, that happens very quickly to most people. Even if there's a, uh, even if you, you pick favorites that are more likely to win, eventually an underdog's going to win and you're going to get screwed too. Of course, the, there's a little strategy to this in that you, I mean, there's a lot of luck, but there's a little strategy in that if you pick what everyone else picks, then you're not going to win. You you have to uh, you're you're looking where people get eliminated by you know like if, if there's a game where you think the underdog really has a good chance uh, it may be smart to pick that one and then watch a whole lot of people get eliminated to pick the favorite I don't know I've, I, that, that's my assumption I've never done one of these but you, your goal is to outlast everybody by never getting a pick wrong which is very very difficult in, in, in any kind of sports handicapping so. There, there was a $2.5 million invested in this Ron and Mike football pool. Which they had a website called, I think it was ronandmike.com. And one day, this was on the site. I think this was on uh, December 7th. Please be advised that Ron and Mike website has been forced to shut down at this time and is unlikely to open again. We understand your frustration and anger at this time, but the closure of the pool is beyond our control. By the way, last I checked, it was just down. We apologize to all those that are still alive in our various pools, and we ask for your patience and understanding while we contemplate the next steps. Unfortunately, at this time, we cannot make any additional comments. So they didn't say that they were busted, but it was pretty obvious they were busted. Now, now typically, here's the rule of such things. Is that if you take a cut to make profit on running a pool like this, then it's illegal. It's considered illegal gambling. If you do not take a cut, then uh, it usually isn't. So th- this is the same reason why running a home poker game where there's no rake is, is not illegal in most cases, but running a home poker game where there is any kind of rake is illegal. So the ones that get busted are always the ones with the rake. Or yeah, something. that's the case here in theory. Even running a completely free poker game is not legal. 
because if they really wanted to fuck with you, they would. There was some law in the books about contributing to the degenerates degeneracy or something like that. You Not know what really. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like every- inspiring gambling or some. There's some dumb blue law that. But they, the reality is, they go after the people that are making money from it. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. so, so this eventually uh, more detailed reports came out. So this is on BleacherReport.com. It says, Federal agents reportedly shut down Ron and Mike's football pool this week, which is among the biggest NFL survivor pools in existence. Uh, there were at least five NFL survivor pools this season under the Ron and Mike's umbrella, and the pools had at least $2.5 million at stake for the winners. The federal agents who shut, shut the pools down reportedly seized documentation and all the money the website had co- collected. The pools were run by Ron Cronengold and Mike Bernstein. I wonder... Uh, wonder what religion those guys were. <laughs> They're your people, Druff. <laughs> I wonder I wonder what religion they might have been. So So it looks like Ron and Mike, you know, didn't run off with the money, which is good. So at first when that happened at first when the whole thing happened, people were suspicious this was just an excuse and they just ran off with two point five million. But it appears this did happen involuntarily, that it was just taken from them by the federal government. But uh, apparently a warrant was filed against uh, Ron and Mike by federal prosecutors in the Eastern District of New York. And that's a different office than the one that was busting the poker sites. That was the Southern District of New York. But this is the, uh, the federal government, the, the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of New York. And uh, apparently they were very likely taking a cut of the winnings. And that's why the federal government went after them. And they might be receiving charges of bookmaking, bookmaking and profiting from a gambling activity. So that's the last anyone heard and and the concern is that uh yeah how do you get the money back now if you if you contributed to these pools and keep in mind there probably wasn't a lot of money from each individual but still 2.5 million dollars was confiscated is the federal government going to make an effort to repay people or is it just going to be they take the money because you know with with full tilt the reason they repaid people is because there was such a massive amount of money and it was such a high-profile bust that the government would have looked terrible if they kept the money. They could have kept the money, but they chose not to. They, they chose to return it to the patrons of the sites, almost treating them as if they were victims. But they don't have to return it. They actually can seize this money. So the question is, is the government going to make any effort to return this money? And you saw what a big deal it was to get the full tilt money back. They had to have a a company appointed to do this, and I, I don't know if they can even hire a company to do this for only $2.5 million. So they, this may be just gone, which is kind of sad if the government could just seize it. But I think that might be the ultimate result here. I think people who had money there just are losing. But how frustrating must this have been? You know, we're a good way through the NFL season. How frustrating must this have been for people that were leading at the moment and hadn't lost the game yet? Because yeah. at, at this point, a lot of people had to be eliminated. Uh, so, 
I, I guess people. Okay, so I guess people pick one team to win each week. So it's not as hard as that. I thought you had to pick like a lot of teams each week. Well, right, but I think you can also not pick the same team twice. Oh, okay. Really, I didn't know that. Okay, so I mean that's the rules. A lot of them. So I haven't done one either, but. Yeah, but but it's still over time after a, a number of, after sixteen games you know, that's going to eliminate uh, a very large number of them. You just can't. It's just very 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 hard to pick this many games and, and not lose one. Oh yeah, a lot of people pride the Pats Monday night. Yeah, I mean just a short like like uh, when I my NBA picking, which I've been kind of stuck in a break even slump since Thanksgiving. I've just been. Winning and losing. I thought, I, I thought you were queuing it up for the twelve in a row again. No, no. I, I was. Uh, I started out forty-four and twenty, but then since then I'm, I'm only twenty-one and tw- I'm twenty-two and twenty-one. So that's a well. That's not a, a complete collapse. It's also not uh, the same pace by a long shot. So, but but anyway, uh, when I had my best run, it was the first fifteen picks I made. I went thirteen and two. And I was just so proud of the thirteen and two, but that two was very big. The two, you know, the thirteen and two and fifteen and zero are a huge difference. It doesn't sound like it, but they're a huge difference. So t- statistically, it's much easier to go thirteen and two in your, in your picks than than fifteen and zero. Thirteen and two is very tough, also, but but uh, fifteen and zero is much tougher, much much tougher. Yeah, it's like the ultimate parlay, right? So, so. And, and you know what I was actually also proud of there was that the thirteen and two one of them was a game that was winning all the way up until the final minute so it was almost fourteen and one and and the and and yet I did I don't think I had any close wins in that I think the, the wins were all like big wins and there was that one real close loss and then there's one blowout loss so back to this story I think that this money's probably gone and I think this should be a warning to anybody who takes part in the survival of pools that if it appears that money is being taken as a rake, that this may happen to you. That not only is it just annoying to have to pay a rake, but uh, that this also might mean that your money will be seized one day. So keep that in mind. I heard something that Mark Gregorich runs one of these pools for poker players, but supposedly Gregorich does not take any rake. So uh, people are not that worried that this will happen to him. So I I saw that being discussed. I, I... don't know any of this for sure, but I will say that if Gregorich is not taking a rake, it's probably fine. So, that occurred, and I guess that's a lesson to anyone who participates in such a thing. The money's just gone. That's probably what's going to happen. The government has not stated what's going to happen to it, but I just think the effort in returning it to this many people, it's going to be too tough. Like you, you just like what, what was the buy-in? I don't know. They, were, they said there were five different pools running through ronandmike.com, totaling $2.5 million in prize pool, and that they the government took all of it. Mm. So, right. So if people lost a couple hundred bucks, how much time are they going to spend on it? It's not just that. It's a matter of – if you think about the way the full tilt money was distributed, they hired an outside company to do it. But but there, there was so much money to distribute, it was worth hiring them. Here, I don't see them going through the trouble of hiring an outside company to distribute $2.5 million at you know, a few hundred each to a, a ton of different people. I just don't see it. I, I just see Yeah, that. but it, it, would be, it would seem it would be much easier, though, with something like this. Because if people just bought a seat through whatever database they set up, I would just think they could reverse out all the transactions. You, you it's would, not like full tilt where it's just like spaghetti and transfers and this and that. 
Yeah, but this is the government, and everything's difficult with them, and it just seems like just them. Oh, true. It just seems like kicking money back to people is, is a big deal for them, and it just seems like there's such bureaucracy that has to be part of the process to where I think just for this amount of money and the fact that they don't have to and the fact that this isn't nearly as high profile as Full Tilt – that they're just not going to do it. They're just going to. I think they're just going to seize it and say we can seize it. It's illegal, and that's that. Tough luck. You lost your money. Don't do this next time. <laughs> I think that's going to be the answer. Like you, you don't want to lose your money. Don't participate in illegal survival pools. Like that's uh, uh, similar. Like when they seize money at poker, illegal poker rooms or illegal home casinos, they, they don't necessarily refund that money to the people who uh, who are gambling. They just take it. So I think the same thing's going to happen here. I think we're spoiled by the fact that full tilt, you know, the money was eventually refunded. Also keep in mind the, the, ref, the refunding of the money came in the form of a deal where poker stars gave the government $750 million and some of that was earmarked to go back to players. So the government still made money from the whole thing. A lot of money. So that was kind of a unique case. It wasn't. It wasn't like the government seized this many million and returned this many million, which they may have done anyway. I'm just saying that uh, here they actually made money in the whole thing. So I think that's more of the exception rather than the rule. Maybe they'll return it, and I'll be surprised. But I, I think it's just gone. Speaking of seized bank accounts. Ray Bittar had a $26.3 million bank account that was seized at some point. I think it was in, uh, it was sometime between 2012 and 2015, which, which is pretty amazing if you think of the timeline, that, you know, that he still had all this money that he'd stolen from Full Tilt as late as, like, I think the timeline that was given was, like, November 2012 through uh, something in 2015. So the fact that that timeline is even, you know, what we're dealing with here is pretty amazing. That, you know, so long after the full tilt went down that, that he did this, and he, when he claimed all the money was gone, that he actually still had this account. But uh, here, let me get to this article here. I'm having trouble bringing this article up. Well... I'll, I'll I'll tell you what I already know about it without going back to the article for reference. Um, Ray Bittar laundered $26.3 million and had it in a bank account in Guernsey. That's G-U-E-R-N-S-E-Y, which is a self-governed British island. It's kind of a... They have... The UK, they have a lot of weird little self-governed... Uh, entities like that. So I, I guess in some ways it's kind of like Puerto Rico in the U.S., but I, I, I'm i not all that familiar with them, so I don't want to talk too much about that, but that's that's basically what, what Guernsey is, and that's where he had his money. But but again, this is the government there. It's it's uh, it's, it's it's like a British dependency, but it's 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 their own government there. So. The island of Guernsey said the following. Between November 2012 and June 2015, 
U.S. prosecutors sent a series of three mutual legal assistance requests to the Guernsey authorities seeking their assistance with the tracing, restraint, and forfeiture and recovery of laundered proceeds. In response to those requests, the Guernsey authorities restrained relevant bank accounts, provided bank records that facilitated the U.S. investigation and forfeiture, and ultimately gave effect to the final U.S. judgment of forfeiture and liquidated the accounts. Now, what does that mean? Well, basically... The U.S. figured out at some point between November 2012 and June 2015 that Ray Batar hid away $26.3 million, you know, money that he claimed was, was just gone. But uh, he, he hid that money, and it was found by the U.S., and the U.S. found that it was in Guernsey. So the U.S. sent what was called a mutual legal assistance request, which is basically saying... Uh, we need you guys to do something for us in your country. And what they said, they, they want, you know, find all of Ray Batar's bank accounts and freeze them. So that's what Guernsey did. So why, why did Guernsey do this? And then Guernsey also sent the information that they found to the, the U.S. as well. So why did Guernsey do this? Were they just trying to be nice? Were they just being cooperative to a friendly government? Of course not. They're doing this because they want money. Because under the Guernsey law, that whenever they grant such a request, they get half of it. If any money is seized, they keep half. So they sent uh, $13.15 million to the U.S. and kept $13.15 million for themselves. Because Ray Batar's account was $26.3 million. They also sent $1.17 million that was transferred in connection to uh, a, a, quote, large-scale importer, uh, importer of Colombian marijuana. So I guess the U.S. also had one of those accounts frozen, unrelated to Ray Batar, and uh, that money was distributed as well. So, so Guernsey is happy to freeze these accounts because they take half the money. So, so Guernsey's sitting there. They, they, you know, there's these large bank accounts. Foreign governments contact them and say, "Ah, uh, yeah, this, this is uh, illegal money." You know, can here's the reason we have to believe the money is illegal. Uh, can you freeze it? Uh, you know, we'll do further investigation. Send us all the documentation on this money, and, and you know, then basically once it's proven, once Guernsey is pretty convinced that this really was uh, ill-gotten funds, then they take half and release half back to the requesting government. So it's easy for them. They don't have to do much work. They just uh, freeze it, investigate a little bit, get the results of the investigation from the foreign government. Once they're convinced, they say, yep, okay, we believe you. Here's half the money. We'll keep the other half. Now, the way Guernsey's attorney general put it, This case illustrates the dedication and persistence of Guernsey law enforcement authorities in working with overseas authorities and successfully bringing a case to conclusion despite the process taking several years. It's an excellent example of successfully tracing and identifying proceeds of crime across jurisdictions and of repatriating such proceeds. Guernsey has an ongoing and exemplary commitment to international cooperation and mutual legal assistance, and therefore we are extremely pleased to announce this asset share. That's, that's all BS. They're doing this for money. That's the only reason that they have such a exemplary commitment. 
So they've little islands like this, these little self-governing islands, they are frequently used by shady organizations and companies to store funds. So uh, I'm sure they've gotten a lot of these requests over the years. That's probably why they came up with this scheme to keep half of it. Figure it's it's a win-win for everyone but the criminal. So that occurred. Uh, now it's not like Ray Batar just had this uh, confiscated from him. This is this is years ago. This is sometime between November 2012 and uh, June 2015. But it's just been finally paid to the U.S. and now we are just learning about it. Ray Batar, by the way, who got out of jail or get out of prison time because he supposedly had a terrible heart condition and just a short time to live and he wouldn't be compatible with prison. And then he had a lavish $2 million wedding to a hot chick and looked very healthy. So the government got clowned there. can't believe they went for that thing not compatible with prison. Who is compatible with prison? What does that even mean? I'm going to try that excuse if I ever... Uh, I'm facing prison time. I'll find some shady doctor to claim I have a heart condition. I'm not compatible with prison. <laughs> okay, that's that's uh, it Trader Risk, you still with me? I'm here. Okay, yeah, Calwatt's gone. Th- this is an embarrassing situation. Uh, there's a site called Betcoin, betcoin.ag. That's B-E-T-C-O-I-N.ag. It's not a coincidence. It sounds like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is, to my knowledge, the very first online poker site that featured Bitcoin. It was before Seals with Clubs and other ones you had heard of. So Bitcoin, I didn't even realize, is part of the winning poker network, which most notably serves America's card room. Except everything's in Bitcoin. So you keep your balance there in Bitcoin. Everything's done in Bitcoin there, except you're on that same network as America's Card Room. I, I didn't know they had joined that, but that's uh, that's apparently what they've done, which is a good idea. Because the problem with these Bitcoin card rooms, including seals, apparently, from what I'm hearing, is that uh, there just is not much traffic and it's hard to get games going. So here you can wager Bitcoin and keep your balance in Bitcoin, and yet uh, it's part of a larger network like the Winning Poker Network. So, I, I didn't even know that, that Bitcoin was part of that, but, but apparently they are. So, here's something that happened that, which was very uh, embarrassing for them. And uh, so, the way these networks work is that you're, you're playing against players against all the other sites on that network. And each site on the network is called a skin. So the network is what manages all the games and, and manages the money moving between people on the network. You know, when you win money from other people, it, it transfers from them to you. Uh, but the interface to the network, the software that each individual uses, each individual player uses, is provided by each skin. So, for example, Bitcoin, and, and I'll, I'll, sometimes on these networks, the skins manage the, their own money, and sometimes the network manages all the money. Uh, I, I won't go too much further into that. I've just explained it before how they handle it when 
Uh, the skins manage their own money. That's a process called reconciliation, where where they pay each other back at the end of the month. I, I won't bother going into that. But Bitcoin is part of that network, and therefore, if you play on Bitcoin, you basically have access to all the games that you would have access to on America's Card Room. Except again, you're you're doing it through Bitcoin rather than uh, than traditional cash. I guess they've been part of the winning poker network for three years. So I'm surprised they never heard about this. But uh, but anyway, they, they are on the winning poker network. And the only reason I, I know about this now is because of, of an embarrassing thing that happened for them here, and I don't know how they're going to end up handling it because they really screwed something up. Uh, I... Okay, so th- th- by the way, this is this is from someone on two plus two. I'm just learning about this now about how they're, how they're on the network. Apparently, they're only sharing tournaments, not cash games. So, supposedly, they you can enter winning poker network tournaments through Bitcoin, but the cash games are, are totally separate. So, I, I've never seen that arrangement before, but I, I believe it. At least that was the case. As of January 2017, from this message I'm reading from someone who seems to know what they're talking about. So this story is about a tournament. Would you believe, I mean this is crazy, but would you believe that people on Bitcoin were able to enter and rebuy on winning poker network tournaments without any funds in their account? So you're on Bitcoin, you have zero Bitcoin on there. You have zero funds of any kind. And you see a tournament, you can just register and start playing and rebuy. No problem. Doesn't cost you a penny, because you don't have a penny. You, you have nothing. You can be flat broke and enter. Isn't that a good deal? These aren't free rolls. These are like tournaments for money that you can enter for free. There's some sort of terrible bug. <laughs> so... When this sort of thing gets noticed, then of course it starts to get exploited. And of course the word gets around. And of course, once you see this happening on one tournament, you're going to start entering a lot of tournaments with this little bug. And that's what happened. So I don't know the total number, but I know that a lot of money is owed to the winning poker network by Bitcoin. Because of this situation. So according to a Poker Fraud Alert member named Donkey Killer, who I know listens to the radio too, he wrote, uh, Today players are able to enter and rebuy in all tournaments without Bitcoin in their account. A bunch of user accounts have been disabled until they can figure it out. Multiple users took advantage of this bug, and there's no telling how much money this is going to cost Bitcoin. I wouldn't doubt it if they get kicked off the WPN network. Yeah. (laughs) I think they're probably going to be presented with two options, Bitcoin. Either you guys cover every entry to these tournaments, whether the person had the funds or not, or we're kicking you off the network. Because I believe this is Bitcoin's fault. I believe the way it works 
is that when someone attempts to enter the tournament, Bitcoin software is supposed to send a signal back to the winning poker network. Yes, this person has the funds to do so. Enter them or no, they cannot enter because they do not have the funds. And if they don't have the funds, then it just won't sit them at the tournament. It won't register them. If they do have the funds, then it's up to Bitcoin to deduct it from their account. And then Bitcoin will reimburse, you know, will, will then send those funds to the network to be distributed to the winners of the tournament. I believe that's how it works. So if Bitcoin is screwing up and basically uh, giving the okay to the network that everybody who enters has the money to cover it when they really don't, then it becomes Bitcoin's responsibility to make it right. So it's, it's basically Bitcoin vouching for all of their players who try to enter and erroneously doing so. And you say, well, okay, well, can't they hold the users responsible? Well, yeah, well, how can they? <laughs> the users have zero. So if the users have in, in their account, if, if the total amount that these users have in their Bitcoin account is 0.0, then what can they do? They, they can't force them to pay. They can close their account. They can say, get off Bitcoin, don't ever come back. But they can't force them to pay in any way, and they, they can't sue them. So they're just screwed. So that's a pretty bad mistake, and we'll have to see what happens, whether Bitcoin is kicked off the network for tournaments or not. I don't even know how that would happen. They've been operating for three years. How how can that even happen? But somehow it did. Harris Atlantic City pulled something very shady on a December 8th giveaway promo. This is, uh, this is really crappy. And, uh, it hasn't gotten very much press. It was written about on a site called, uh, seven stars insider, which, doesn't just write about seven-star stuff. They write about uh, all kinds of stories having to do with Caesars. Sevenstarsinsider.com. They're pretty good. It's run by one guy. It's not a forum. It's just it's a, it's just a website. But this is what was reported there, that there is a drone giveaway. They're actually giving away drones for a seven-stars holiday party on December 8th but that there was a bait-and-switch, and people did not get what was promised. So this is what the email said, and there's a copy of it shown on 7 Here's what the email said. Dear whoever, invited seven stars and a guest are... That's a weird way to put it. Invited seven stars and a guest are invited. That's really weird. Invited seven stars and a guest are invited to attend a seven stars holiday party hosted by Harris Resort and Caesars Atlantic City. Complimentary dinner and cocktails will be served. Each invited guest will receive a choice of a welcome gift or free play. So remember that. Each guest will receive a choice of a welcome gift or free play. And then it says guaranteed gift, colon, Force One U45W Blue Jay Wi-Fi FPV drone with HD camera. Now, you don't have to memorize all that. The, the takeaway here is guaranteed gift, and they just listed this very specific drone. 
and each invited guest will receive a choice of the gift or free play. So you basically you can come there and say, hey, I, I'm not a drone person. I don't want this. Uh, give me free play instead. They don't say how much free play, but, but they're saying that you, you have a choice. And that if you want the gift, the guaranteed gift you'll get. These are their words, not mine. Guaranteed gift, colon, and then they list this very specific drone. Now, I went and looked up this drone. I googled the drone. I found it on Amazon.com. This particular drone costs $129.99 on Amazon. Now, I can tell you as an owner of a drone, that is a crappy drone. Because a good drone, and I don't mean the top of the line, I mean a good drone, is around $1,000-$1,100. That's typically what they'll be. Sometimes if you get an older model, it'll be $800, $700. But a drone that's $130 is more like a toy. That's, that's more of what you get for your kid who you don't trust not to wreck it or who you don't want to spend $1,000 on. So that aside, that was the drone they were offering. And, of course, there was free play if you didn't want it. But despite the gift being guaranteed, when people got there, they were given a drone that was called the Petrol FPV UDI RC-U42 drone. What does that mean? Well, that's a different drone from a different company. And if you look that one up on Amazon, the price that you can buy this at today, $41.99. Hmm. So we go from a guaranteed gift, which retails at $130. And when I say retails, I mean that's really what you can buy it for. That's your guaranteed gift, a $130 drone, and they give you a different drone worth less than third, a third the value. I mean, this isn't guaranteeing you a drone and giving you one worth like $10 less. They're not giving you a $110 drone instead of a $130 drone. This is a $42 drone instead of $130 that they actually claim is a, quote, guaranteed gift. They didn't have to put guaranteed gift. They could just say, here's, you know, you know, gift is going to be whatever, which is still crappy. That's still a bait and switch. But to actually use the word guaranteed and then not give it and give something, you know, much, much less value is horrible. But it gets even worse. Some people didn't want any drone. Keep in mind that a lot of casino patrons, especially seven stars, are older people. I've been to seven stars events, and it's, it's uh, let's just say uh, I'm one of the younger ones. Even though I'm not a young man, I'm, I'm close to 46 years old, I, I feel young at seven stars events where most people tend to be older than I am. They tend to be 50s, 60s, and 70s. And it makes sense because people with the income to gamble enough to become seven stars tend to be older people who are more financially established. You're not going to have many 22-year-olds who are seven stars. Uh, so I'm not saying there aren't young seven stars, but for the most part, people who reach the seven stars levels are ones who either have the money or the time or both to reach that level. So you don't see that many 65-year-olds flying drones around. This tends to be something that more young and middle-aged people are into. But once you get beyond 50, you don't have that many drone operators. So it's very reasonable that a lot of people who would be going to this party have no interest in the drone and would want the free play. They don't say how much free play, but they'd want whatever the free play is. So they got there, and the people running the event at Harris said, nope, we're not giving you any free play. <laughs> so 
some people objected. They said, wait a minute. And they whipped out their phone and they said, here's the email. And they showed that email I just read you where it says each invited guest will receive a choice of a welcome gift or free play. And in response, the officials at Harris said <laughs> they didn't care. They said, I don't care what the email says. We are giving away this drone, this drone only. Take it or leave it. Now, you may say, okay, well, why don't they call New Jersey Gaming? Why not, uh, why not sue Harris for this? Why not report Harris to the uh, New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement? Sadly, there's nothing you can do. When casinos give promotions, provided you are not paying anything to earn this promotion, you know, when it's just a promotion where you're showing up to get something for free, they don't have to give it to you. It's up to them to actually give it. There's, there's no law forcing them to give you anything that's part of a promotion. It becomes more of a gray area if it's like play this much and then you earn this. Uh, you know, it's like like if, if you're earning something very specific and they don't give it to you, then you, you, usually you're still screwed, but you, you have a little bit more wiggle room to complain. But if it's just like, show up, here's this party, we're going to give you a drone, you show up and they give you a lesser drone, it's tough luck on you. It's really crappy, but it's actually not illegal for them to do. So they get away with it. This is also the reason that casino companies can confiscate all of your points or rewards credits. They can do all that at any time. For example, I have a lot of rewards credits built up at Caesars. I have... uh, I think I have almost 2,000 right now, and, and I'm going to get a bulk of them pretty soon from a promotion, so I'm going to be well over $2,000 again. Probably like $2,600, $2,700 I'll have. And if those get confiscated, there's not a thing I can do. In fact, even if someone comes up to me at Caesars who works there and says, Todd, we don't like your face, so we're banning you from our properties and zeroing your rewards credits. I could not sue them. I could sue them, but I'd lose. Because technically, these reward credits have no value. They have value to me. I can trade them in for value. I can use them for valuable things. But they have no legal value. So they could take them away from me and ban me from the property simply because they don't like my face. I'm not even kidding. Now, they couldn't ban me because of my gender, my race, my religion, my sexual preference. But... They really could ban me because they don't like my face and take away my RCs. They really could. And there'd be nothing I could do. Even Mac versus Sandy could not help me. So when these things happen, it's just frustrating and there's not much you can do. If you are a victim of this sort of thing, and I, I use the term victim because that's really you know, when you spend your time to go down there to an advertised party that's supposed to have such and such perks that you basically earned from giving the casino a lot of negative expectation play then yes, you should morally have a right to get what they are promising you. Unless it's an obvious misprint. If, you know, if they meant to offer you $100 for showing up and they accidentally put 100000 uh, and you know there's no way they would normally offer you 100000 you know it's a misprint, then morally you can understand why they wouldn't give it to you. They don't necessarily owe it to you. But... When there's something like this, when they offer you a guaranteed drone 
that's $130 retail value and they give you one worth less than a third of that value and also won't honor the free play option like they promise and you come all the way down there for that, you have a right to be pissed. They did screw you. So what you should do when this sort of thing happens is you should contact your host and tell them you're very unhappy about this and you want this made right in some way. Either give them additional, give you additional free play for next time, give you the equivalent number of points in your account. So you say something like, you know, hey, I, I don't enjoy being cheated. I want to be treated fairly by the casino. I came down here. I was expected this. I was guaranteed this. I wasn't giving this. So if you guys don't make this right, I'm not going to come back. And don't worry, this, you're not going to be committed to that. The, the host is not going to say to you next time, oh, you said you're never going to come back, you better not set foot on the property. They're not going to say that. The host wants you to come back because they make money off you. They can make commission off you. So if this ever happens to you, tell the host you want this made right or you may never come back. You don't have to say you're absolutely never coming back. You say, I may never come back if I'm going to end up being cheated out of this. So, for example, if, if you thought you were going to be due $130 in free play and they didn't give it to you and your, your email said that they would give you free play in lieu of something worth $130, you can say, you can say, you know, add $100 or $130 to my account in points. Can you do that for me? Because of what happened. If they say no, then say, I feel like I'm getting cheated. I don't like that I'm not being dealt with in good faith. I, I may not be playing here anymore. Because if you are a player they want to keep, if you're, if you're a very marginal player they don't care about having there, then they're not going to care. But if you're a player they want to keep, they may go to their boss and say, hey, we got to make it right for this guy. You know, We screwed the pooch on this one. And if you don't get satisfaction from your host, you can talk to their boss. They, they do have the leeway to make things like this right, especially for small amounts of money. If it's a matter of like $10,000, you're going to have a very hard time getting them to give it to you unless you're like a huge whale. But if there's a screw-up on their end that cheats you out of 100 bucks, they'll give it to you. In fact, this isn't quite a comparable story, but it's sort of along the same lines. In 2015, what had happened was uh, my seven stars lapsed for about like two days. So like for two days, I went back to gold, which is the bottom tier, and then I popped back up to seven stars, only because they were slow in processing it. So I didn't maintain seven star for the entire year. And there's, there's a reason that's significant. Caesars has a rule. I don't know if they still have it, but they had a rule in 2015 at least that if you earn a new seven star that year in 2015 then you're entitled to all the benefits on the way up. So you're entitled to all the diamond benefits on the way up if you are going to 7-star. So even if you make 7-star and you haven't used all your diamond benefits, you still get the diamond benefits too. However, if you're already a 7-star and just re-earn 7-star that same year, you do not get certain diamond benefits. You get some, but there's certain diamond benefits that you do not get if you just re-earned 7-star, which you already were. So what happened to me is one of these benefits was a $100 food credit that you get as being a diamond that year. And what I said to them was, look, I didn't re-earn 7-star because I lapsed for two days. Now, the truth is I lapsed because they didn't process it fast enough, but I, I did lapse. I was not a 7-star for the entire year. There were two days in the year I was not a 7-star. So I really did earn 7-star again. 
The only way you can say to have renewed your seven star is if you were seven star and you remained seven star and there was never any kind of lapse in there. But I had a lapse. So I argued I deserve the $100. Well, first of all, explaining this to the total rewards employees was really tough. I'm sure you understand it. I'm sure just about every listener to this show understands what I'm talking about. But uh, the, the total rewards employees were very confused. So I, I had to explain over and over and over to, to get them to understand it. Finally, like a supervisor there understood and agreed with me. But said, I lack the authority, I being them, they lack the authority to make this right for me, that they couldn't just give me $100 in, in, in food credit. So they, they eventually took this to a host... And not my host or anything, just just a host there on property. And even though I didn't have much of a play history at Caesars itself, and even though I was overcomped, uh, the host looked at it, agreed enough, and said, uh, "You know, this is too tough to figure out. I, I, I see what he's talking about here. I'm just going to comp him a hundred dollars." So, so the guy just he called me and said, "Hey, just uh, go. You know, you, you still want to go to a meal this trip?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Okay, just go to any meal, charge a hundred to the room, and I'll comp it off." So I did that. I, I charged 100 to the room. He comped it off. That was that. Fixed. So he had the authority to do it. Now I realize here we're talking about meal comp, which is easier for them to give than a uh, to reward credits in your accounts. But I've also had reward credits added to my account when there's been other screw-ups. It's not common, but I've, I've had it before. I, I've had it before where they really wasted a lot of my time from incompetence and I complained and they gave me $75 in reward credits. Just, just for the trouble. And I, Brandon had that too. Brandon, Brandon had a similar thing where he got reward credits put in his account because they wasted a lot of his time. So the thing is, it can be done. Not just at Caesar's properties, any property. So, so like, if your time gets wasted in a promotion like this where they don't keep to what they sent to you in email or they don't keep to a, a printed offer to you and you go all the way down there and they bait and switch you, then go to your host, and if the host won't help you, go to the boss of that host, which you can ask for, and threaten to take your action elsewhere. Again, that threat won't hold any water if they don't really want you anyway, if you're an advantage player and they know it, or if uh, you're overcomped or whatever. But, you know, but if, if you're someone that they feel will, will generate commission, they will probably make it right for you. So this, this was a, a dumb situation, and Harris should have made it right for these people. It's a small amount of money. I mean, yes, it's multiplied by however many people they, they invited, but the bottom line is they chose to invite people to get free play or a $130 drone. They chose to do that. So keep to what you chose to do. I don't know why they changed it, but keep to what you chose to do. It could even be something stupid, like they just they couldn't get that drone like they thought they could. Maybe it ran out or whatever. So then they, they just bought some other drone they thought was similar that happened to be cheaper. Or maybe they did that on purpose. Maybe they're like, well, this this one we can't get like we thought. Let's see. Oh, look, something very similar. Oh, and look, it's a lot cheaper too. Oh, great. We, it's a win-win for us. Okay, great. And then they don't realize people will Google this and realize that they're getting something worth much less money. I can also tell you that as bad as a $130 drone will be, a $42 drone will be much worse. A $42 drone has got to be complete crap. Because you just can't make even a... a, a, a okay drone for $42. It's just, it's just the, the parts involved in making a drone that's useful in any way, you, know, you can't do that for 42 bucks. 
let alone profit by selling it for 42 bucks. So it's, it's got to be a total piece of crap. Trader Risk, you still with us? I'm here. You are. So, so what? What is? What do you think? Obviously, I'm sure you you believe you agree. This is a outrageous. This happened. Has this ever happened to you? Where you've shown up for a promotion and they don't uh, do what they claim? It has not. But I, I've never. I don't really. I haven't participated in too many. Okay. Yeah. And would would you be pissed if this happened to you? If you showed up and this uh, this is what occurred? They both you know refuse the free play and give you something worse uh, than what they claimed. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would feel that you'd be able to work it out with somebody. Yeah, that's, that's what I would think. I, I just think there's certain customers they want to make them happy, and you don't have to be like a huge whale. Just like someone right. that the casino sees as a value customer to them. Uh, if it's a matter of, of like low three figures, they'll 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 fix it for you. Totally, and I'm sure they could just make it right very easily without going through all the red tape too. If you talk to the right person. Right, and also, especially, they're more willing to make it right for one person complaining than, like, the massive people, like, a whole mass of yeah. people who got screwed. So, so, exactly. So, so, if they think that just a few people who complain, they just throw $100 in their account, I think they'll quickly do that, provided that it seems like a, a valid complaint, which in this case it definitely is if something in writing was not delivered. So, True. Here's some rumors about Caesars that I want you guys to know if you... Either uh, are you either a diamond or seven star. You should listen to this. Caesars is the only property I know. Maybe maybe you can tell me this, Trader Ruski, because I I don't have high cards at many properties. So, in your experience, have you seen that when you earn any kind of points, and I'm talking about like whatever is equivalent to reward credits, any kind of points that you can redeem for something at a casino? Have you seen that if they give you the option to do it as free play, that everywhere except for Caesars, they tend to do it at the same value as like redeeming it for food? So like, uh, like if if you have a hundred points and each one, or forget, let's say you have ten thousand points, each one's worth a penny. Would would you typically at other properties that aren't Caesars be able to get a hundred dollars free play or a hundred dollars food for that, or is the free play at a lesser rate? I'm not sure what rate it is. I mean, when I went to Vegas this weekend, I had um, I was staying at the Golden Nugget, but then I told then some guy called me from Westgate wanted me to go there. I said, "Oh, I'm going to probably be stopping by there at some point." So he put in like 125 bucks on my card, and then I had like 150 bucks in food. Which, I mean, I used all the cash, but I don't really have much to do with the food. How long does that stay on, do you think, Jeff? Is that like a per-trip thing? That's weird. The guy just, the guy just like, added it to your card or something? Yeah, or I might have had some left over from my last trip. Yeah, see, that's, that's, I, that's a different But I don't think thing. I played at Westgate that much, so I'm not sure how it was on there still. Yeah, so that, usually it's per-trip, but if you're not, were you staying there, or you just, they just wanted you to come there? No, he was trying to get me back there, and I needed a, I wanted a room for CES close to there for one of my one of my uh, employees. So I was trying to make it. So oh, I'm so interested, you know. Yeah. Oh, do you happen to have rooms during this date? Yeah, you know, yeah. like I wasn't going for CES. <laughs> so, okay, so, so, yeah. It's it, usually these things are per trip, uh, though. Sometimes they'll they'll reissue them because it's a you know it's what's known as a room, food, and beverage cop R- RFB. 
where uh, where if if you don't use it, then then they can sometimes just reissue it because you just you know they have a certain allowance they can give you based on your play, and so they'll, in some cases they reissue it, and so, some other cases it's just kind of a use it or lose it and it's gone. It it, it depends from casino to casino. I, I don't this one I, I don't know what to say about it, but. Uh, why am I even asking? Oh, I, I, so, so anyway, about these points, from what I've seen from the cards I've had at other properties when I have earned free play, usually it's at the same rate. Like at the Cosmopolitan, it's like this. At the uh, at, at Red Rock, it's so much like this, you can actually turn it in for cash. Where you earn whatever number of points, and then the points have a equivalent in dollar value. Maybe it's one cent per point. And then you can do whatever you want with them. You can, you know, now there's sometimes restrictions. Sometimes you can't do free play at all. But if you can do free play, usually you can exchange it at the exact same rate that you would get for it if you were to, like, eat with it. So Caesars is different. Caesars, their rewards credits are usually worth one cent each. But if you exchange them for free play, they're worth a lot less. So if you have a gold or platinum card, which are the bottom two levels, gold is bottom, platinum second to bottom, then it's two to one. Meaning if you have 10,000 rewards credits, you could either spend them at a restaurant for 100 bucks, or you can get $50 in free play. So it's two to one, which sucks. That's why I don't even do it. Well, I can't say that because you, when I tell you the rest of it, then you'll see why maybe I should do it, maybe I shouldn't, depends how, you know, how much I want to hoard. However, if you're diamond, then it's a little bit better. Then it's 1.75 to 1. So here you'd have to spend uh, 175 reward credits to get a dollar in free play. And if you're seven stars, it's substantially better. It's 125 to 1. So you're basically getting, uh, for every 500 reward credits, you're getting $4 in free play. So that's a lot better. A lot of seven stars we're spending the reward credits in that way, especially ones that often get food comps anyway. Because what happens is Caesars has this dumb policy that they won't give you any kind of comps until you've burned your reward credits. I'm not talking about offers you get in the mail. I'm saying like if you ask your host for comps, they've gotten tighter and tighter about this where they they really try to avoid ever giving you any kind of on-the-spot comps until you've used all your reward credits. So... What some seven stars would do is they would just exchange all the rewards credits in for free play at this 1.25 to 1 value, and then they'd be out of rewards credits, and then they can get the room food and beverage comps from their hosts. Now, if you're overcomped like me, that's not going to work because your host won't give you anything, so I don't bother with that. That's why I just have a ton of rewards credits. Anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up is that in 2018, Caesars is supposedly going to end this special redemption rate for diamonds and seven stars, and it's going to be two to one for everybody, even seven stars. Supposedly this will take place in February of 2018. It could even take place as soon as January 2018. It's not clear. In fact, this has not even been announced or confirmed. The reason I know this is that hosts have been going to some of their players and warning them hey, I see you have a lot of rewards credits. If you'd like to redeem these in for free play, I, I would suggest you do so very soon because in 2018 it's going to change. Though I, I still think by 2018 they mean at the beginning of the total rewards year, which is February 1st, but it, it could be January 1st. They can change any time they want. So if you are 
a seven stars or diamond who likes to change you to trade in your rewards credits for free play and you're going to be at a total rewards property in December and maybe in January if they haven't changed it yet I would suggest doing this before the rate goes up because it's probably happening it's not sure it's probably happening another change that might be happening that will affect diamonds who have 80,000 tier credits or, or more and seven stars is the Diamond Aspirations 2 trip, which is very simply a trip where they give you $750 of airfare and four free nights at any property. And in fact, this year, you're actually allowed to turn it in for $750 in rewards credits and just pay for your own travel, which is great. But... That is supposedly going away also. This is a benefit they've had for a long time for what's known as high diamonds, people who make 80,000 tier credits. You make regular diamond at 15,000, and then there's Aspirations 1, which is 40,000, and Aspirations 2, which is 80,000. So if you make 80,000, which is kind of like about halfway to 7 stars, then they give you this trip as, as one of your additional benefits. So supposedly that's also going away in 2018. Now, there's nothing you can really do about that, but I'm just saying that uh, don't count on that trip in 2018. And if that's part of the reason you earn 80,000 tier credits, you probably don't want to do it. Now, I will have more confirmation of this probably within about two weeks. That you probably won't hear about this for about three weeks, because uh, two weeks from today, I won't have confirmation yet. I should have confirmation just before the new year. And that is. I think I will have access to, as I did last year, I think I will get access to a document that they distribute to Total Rewards employees to discuss or reference the 2000, you know, the, the future year's program. They basically inform all the employees what's coming up the following year. And I will have access to that document probably at the end of December, like very, very end of December. And at that point, I won't be able to take or take pictures of that document, but I can look at it. Because if you know the person who shows it to me, if if uh, if I were to take pictures of it and put it online, they would get in trouble. So I can only look at it. They don't they don't mind if I talk about what I see, because it's not it's not prohibited to show it to anybody else, but they they can't distribute it in any way. So I will. Uh, Try to get access to that document again, which again should be in late December, and I will see if I can verify these things and report it, which I, I'll probably be reporting in the first week of 2018. So, if these things matter to you, this and anything else I find that has changed with the Total Rewards program in 2018 from looking at that document, I will let you guys know in advance. Because what's very stupid is even though you start earning for 2018 on January 1st, you don't know what you're earning towards because they don't tell you what benefits change until much later. They, they usually don't tell you until uh, um, you know, February or sometimes even March or April. It's really dumb. Finally, it is not common that you can walk into Caesar's Palace and as a nobody, as somebody who does not have a host, as somebody who is not a high roller, as somebody they don't even care about, as somebody maybe who's never even been there before, that you can get something for free. How often does a casino just give you something for free for walking in? Not signing up for a player's card. 
not participating in a promotion, but just walking in. How often does a casino just give you something, not knowing who you are? Well, it's going to happen tomorrow at Caesars, of all things. There is a small chain of Middle Eastern-themed fast food called the Halal Guys. That's H-A-L-A-L, the Halal Guys. And they are coming to the Caesars Food Court starting December 14th, which I would say it's tomorrow, but now it's technically today because it's after midnight. But the Halal Guys is coming to the Caesars Food Court, which if you wonder where that is, it's it's the one right by the self-parking structure. Basically one of the first things you run into once you enter Caesars from the parking structure. So they've been changing their food offerings a lot over the last two years. And one of the things they recently added, or they're going to be adding, is the Halal Guys, which is opening December 14th, which is now today. And amazingly, they're actually going to be giving free food if you come down there during certain hours. So if you come down to Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, go to the food court, again, it's right by the self-parking, and go to the Halal Guys, they will give you complimentary food between 12 and 5 p.m., and then again from 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. So either you can come in the afternoon or late at night. 12 p.m. to 5 p.m., or 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Now, how much food will you get? I don't know. How much... You know, will there be any limit? Can you come back for seconds? I don't know. What specific food will be given to you? I don't know. But here is the way the Halal Guys is described. So at least you'll know what type of food they serve. Perfect for lunch, dinner, or evening cravings, the Halal Guys is open late into, into the night to cater to now, night owls looking for... A post-Omnia nightclub bite. I guess it's a club there. The menu at the new Caesars Palace locations features signature sandwiches and platters with a choice of chicken, beef gyro, chicken and gyro combo, or crispy falafel, all seasoned to perfection. Meals are made to be customized with toppings, smooth smooth hummus, smoky baba ganoush, golden fries, and more. Guests can drizzle or drench their meals with tempting white sauce and spice things up with a famous and fiery hot sauce. The restaurant also offers delicious baklava for dessert. By the way, this is replacing Phillips Seafood Express over in the food court. So, that is what they serve there. I'm sure you get a good idea from hearing that, and it's fast food. But they will be serving complimentary food from 12 to 5 and 11 to 4. So that's really happening. And here I have a little bit more about this that someone posted in the radio thread. The Halal Guys in Caesars Palace will celebrate its grand opening on Thursday, December 14th with fun festivities and free food for guests. From noon to 5, head to the Forum Food Court in Caesars Palace to watch the, quote, first slicing and enjoy complimentary food with family-friendly entertainment. I wonder what that's going to be. From 11 p.m. to close, late-night guests can get their taste of Halal Guys signature dishes with complimentary food throughout the night. So there you go, just like I said. And this is from their official website. So yeah, it sounds like you'll get something there. It sounds like it's something, I don't know if you could have a full meal there, but, you know, if you're in Vegas anyway, and I, if I were there, I would stop by. 
Now, if it's a zoo, like I, I hate when like there's free giveaways and there's like some massive line that's going to take like hours to get through. It's not worth it. Like I see people, it's amazing what some people will do for free stuff. And a lot of these people are not even that cheap in their normal lives, but like just for some reason, free just rings such a bell with them. What was it that Brandon said they were giving away at the Palms? Wasn't it like a cleaning product or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, people just wait and wait. I, I, I told the story of Chukchansi Gold, which is near Yosemite, where they once gave away a towel, and I saw a line that looked like it had to be 90 minutes long. Like, it's just, uh, I, I don't get it, because some of these people, it's not like these are, are very, very cost-conscious people. There are some people who just, like, waste money in all facets of their lives, and then, like, they, they get a free towel and they'll wait in line for an hour and a half. So... I don't know if the halal guys will be like that, but this hasn't been promoted that much. So I, I don't know how many people will know this. Now, maybe people in the food court anyway will will see this and say, oh, free food, cool. But the, it may not be as crowded as you think, especially from noon to five, which you know, noon to five on a Thursday is not exactly a, a prime time there in the food court. So especially between like two and four probably is your best bet. So yeah, maybe, maybe give it a shot. It's not something worth going way out of your way for, but it is something free being given away at Caesar's Palace in the food court. No player's card necessary. You don't have to say who you are. You don't have to sign up for anything. Just get free food. Speaking of food, I, I this is not on the agenda, but I wanted to read you guys an email I sent to Seth Polanski about the World Series food situation, which is very frustrating to me. I, I hate it because I play a lot of these later events that begin at 3 p.m., 4 p.m., uh, such as like they like to begin the limit hold'em events at that time. So if you play a number of World Series events, there's really no avoiding events at at the beginning of the afternoon, unless uh, you only play like the thousand dollar no limit hold'em events, which always start always start earlier in the day. So I have experienced the same frustration that many have at the World Series. And that is, you you get done with your event, you want to eat something at the Rio and go to sleep. You don't want to leave property especially because you have to drive. And some people don't even have a car. Like, I have a car there, but a lot of people don't even have a car. So, like, the last thing some people want to do is start taking cabs or Uber to get food. You just you, you want to get food within the hotel, and you can't because everything freaking closes at 11. Even the earlier events will run after 11. So you want to get food, and there's just about no options for you. All there is is this crappy sports deli, which... Is, is greasy, and it, it basically sucks. There's often a big line, too. And then there's Smash Burger, which wasn't even there before, but they just opened it, which is, is again, it's, you know, it's, it's a burger place. So, you know, unless you want a burger and fries, it's also not a place to go. And that wasn't even there last year. This is a new thing. So those are your only options after 11 p.m. No room service. The All-American Bar and Grill, that's also closed. All the other restaurants are closed. Uh, on weekends, the pho is open till 1 a.m., but not everybody likes that. So th- that's it. So with so many tournaments ending late at night, why do they not have anything but fast food to eat? And this has been bothering me and many other players. I hear people grumbling about that every single night when I walk by. <laughs> like, like everybody's like, oh, why is the food like this? Why can't I get a decent meal? Like everybody complains, but they never change it. And the reason is because normally that's fine for the Rio. The Rio has such low traffic. They, they just don't have enough demand for food after 11 p.m. 
But at the World Series, any restaurant that's open after 11 will, will do brisk business. At least be open to like 3 or 4. Like the All-American Bar and Grill, if that stayed open until 4, it would do brisk business. They would, they would definitely make money from that. So, I didn't bother bringing this to their attention that this needs to change last year because this is it, it sounds simple to change, but it's a lot tougher than you think because they have to they have to hire people to work those hours you know, to staff it is a lot more difficult than it would appear to be. So they need time. So I couldn't tell them in the middle of the World Series and have them change it. There's no way that would get done. But now that it's five and a half months till the World Series, they, they have plenty of time. So I wrote the following to Seth Polanski, and I wrote to him because. Yeah, he's the one I've dealt with the most there. He at least listens to me and uh, and will, you know, sometimes solve the problem. So even if it's not his area, he can forward it to the right people. I'm actually surprised he hasn't answered me yet. I wrote this to him yesterday, but he probably is busy since he just released the schedule. So, you know, the fact that he hasn't responded yet, I guess, is okay. But th- this is what I wrote to him. Uh. Hi, Seth. Glad to see the World Series of Poker schedule really so early. I do have something I'd like to suggest to the World Series of Poker staff this year. Perhaps you can get the suggestion to the appropriate department. The food situation at the Rio is very poor late at night. Room service ends at 11 p.m. The All-American Bar and Grill also closes at 11 p.m. On weeknights, the only two food options after 11 p.m. are the Sports Deli and Smashburger. Not uh, as many World Series of Poker days do not end until well after 2 a.m., this leaves hungry participants with scant food choices. I have heard many people say, I don't care if it's expensive, I just wish there was something I could eat here. Most of these people end up leaving the property and getting food elsewhere and are frustrated having to do so. Could someone involved with the World Series see if the All-American Bar and Grill could have some special summer hours during the World Series, perhaps until 4 a.m.? This would benefit both Caesars with increased revenue and players. They'd have somewhere decent to eat on property after events. Also, room service until 4 a.m. would also be nice, again, just during the World Series of Poker. I didn't bother bringing this to your attention last year during the World Series of Poker because I know that staffing changes take time, and there's likely nothing that could be done on the fly. Now that we have five and a half months until the World Series begins, perhaps someone could get this process going. I think it would be a win-win for everyone. Sincerely, Todd would tell us. So, I don't know if this is going to have an impact, but this may be just something they haven't really thought of. But I, it's just one of these boneheaded things they do, or in this case, don't do, which just makes me scratch my head because they would make more money doing this. This isn't just to be nice to the players. They will make more money. If all they care about is making money, which, which is what they care about, by the way, then this is something they should do because they will make more money. I'm saying open a restaurant for five more hours will you, where you will do brisk business every night for those five hours. It, doesn't that sound like a good idea? And you have five and a half months to prepare the extra staffing. And the players will be happy. And people will say, wow, last year there was nothing to eat here at this time except for, uh, for fast food. Wow, now I can actually have a sit-down meal until 4 a.m. Nice improvement. And they make extra money. Everybody wins. I found myself driving off property. I, I got, I mean, I'm, I'm someone who eats fast food plenty, but I got sick of it. I, I couldn't go to the sports deli every night. I, I couldn't go to, there wasn't even Smashburger then, but even if there was, I, I couldn't go there every single night. So I started driving off property to pick things up. It was frustrating. Sometimes I'd be playing the next day. Sometimes I'd have a, a continuation at, at, at uh, 2 p.m. the next day. So I didn't have to wake up early, but you know, I still I wanted to get to sleep. 
I just played a long day of poker. I wanted to get a good night of sleep to, to play day two and be alert. But I'd be very hungry, and, and I, I'd have to eat something, and I just I didn't want to eat from the sports deli. So, and, and the deli part is a ver- it's a misnomer. It's not, it's not like a, a New York style deli. It, it really is just like fast food, it's like chicken strips, pizza, things like that, hamburgers. So, hopefully, they'll change this. Hopefully. If anybody wants to call in for a river phone call, I, I ignored some calls we got during the show. I apologize for that, but we didn't get that many tonight. 775-FRAUD-55-775-372-8355. Let me look and see if we got any additional texts during the program. Hmm. We did not. I feel so unloved. No additional texts during the program. And we got some earlier, but usually we, you know, it's funny. When I look for the text like this, they're never there. But when I forget to do this and then I end the show, I look and there's like 15 texts I did not read up on the air that I could, like I see it and I go, oh crap, I should have read this. And in fact, I feel bad because people are actually commenting on the topics and are expecting me to read it and then I don't read it and I feel stupid. So then this week I look and, and, and we don't have any new texts in a while. That's always how it goes. It's, it's kind of like that with texts that don't have to do with this show, too. Like, I find it that if there's someone who I'm waiting for something I really want to know about, like, they, you know, I'm, I'm having a discussion with them, and there's, there's just some information I want to get from them, or they're telling a story and they haven't completed it, whatever it is, like, I'll text them, okay, like, you know, I'm here, tell me, and, like, they're never there. And I can wait and wait, and they're not coming back. So then finally I just put the phone down, I forget about it, I don't look for a while... And then, like, like it turns out, like, everything comes in when I'm not looking. It's always that way. So I guess it's like that with this show. As far as this show and its schedule, a lot of times people expect this show will not be regular during the holidays. And that's often a fair and correct assumption. I will definitely be here for the... December 20th and 27th shows, barring you know, getting sick or some kind of other emergency. I also probably will be here for the January 3rd, 2018 show. Though it's possible I may delay it a day or two. But right now it looks like January 3rd is happening. I don't think I'll be skipping that week. I, I don't want to promise that one because that one, it's kind of still up in the air whether I can make it or not, but it's very much leaning towards the show is going to be as scheduled on January 3rd. So I'll let you guys know about that. There's definitely a show on the 20th, definitely a show on the 27th to close out the year. And that will be our 45th and 46th week of shows out of the 52 in the year 2017. Which for a show that is not operating for profit for a show that's just voluntary because I want to do it. That I think that's pretty good, 46 out of 52, especially given that uh, four of those six missed shows were just when I was not here, when I was on vacation. And one was when I, I couldn't find a way to do it because of the, uh, the World Series, just too many events back-to-back. 
You gonna say something, Trader? Yeah, and there was Brandon's show. Yeah, and there was that was, too. Right? Were there any others? So there, I think there was one other. Did yeah. Brandon do two shows? No, Brandon did one show, I believe, but uh, that that still counts as forty six weeks of shows. It was just two shows in one week. Got it. Yeah, but but yeah, that, that was uh, people really enjoyed that show. And oh, just to give you an update on Brandon's show, thanks for reminding me. Brandon has a sound card that I think I I actually recommended it. And I think it should work with his computer to operate radio because the the show he just did in November was actually early December wasn't it wasn't November the, the show that he did was through seriously serious so seriously serious ran the show but Brandon did not have the ability technically to run the show given the equipment he had so I, I sent him a a portable sound card that he plugs into his USB port, which should do the job. Uh, I do have to work with him to set this up. And uh, I'm going to be doing that very soon. And once that's set up, then he can just turn on radio whenever he wants. He, I, I, Brandon knows how to stop the archives. You know, but what happens is, you know, I just realized I never, I, I knew I forgot something tonight. Not a topic. I just, the call to listen line, I never gave out the damn phone number. I never mentioned the call to listen line. I can't believe I forgot that. It's like my favorite thing in the world. Uh, the, the call to listen line, though, it's 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. It's actually a phone number you can call to listen to the show. And I, I talk about it all the time. It doesn't require the internet or a smartphone or anything. It's just a number you call from any phone in the world, and you can hear the live show going. Or one of our many streaming reruns where the the system just picks a random show from the past and runs it as if it's live and then picks another random one over and over. So that just that that just runs repeatedly until we come back live. And what's kind of cool about it is we've done so many shows, we've done more than 260 shows of, of many hours each. So there's so many hours of content that we've done over these now more than five and a half years that if you call up that line, you, you're rarely going to hear the same one twice. It's gonna. It's just like just if you could just leave that thing running, you just hear so much material without it ever repeating. You could probably leave, leave that thing on for a month and it may never repeat. That's how much material we've done. So, uh, what I was going to say is that uh, before live radio can be turned on, that has to be turned off because that's basically broadcasting. So that broadcast has to be turned off before this can be turned on, or otherwise turning this one on will fail. So Brandon has the ability to do all that. I've shown him how to turn off this, the reruns. I've shown him how to turn on the show and uh, you know turn back on the reruns when he's done. So he, he can do all this stuff. Uh, but the sound card still needs to be set up, but he has it. So I'm going to work with him to set this up. And then he will be able to turn on radio whenever he wants and do a show. So it doesn't even have to be like a scheduled thing. It can just be any time during the week when this isn't on, when this live show right now is not on. Which, of course, he's always welcome to call and be part of. But uh, as far as running his own show, he can do this at any time other than when this show is running. So I'll also archive all those shows as well to where you can get them the same way you get this show. I forgot to mention that too. Yeah, we have, we're, this show, as I've mentioned before, I, I make as many listening options as possible for you guys, so it's not difficult to listen if you want to. 
So in addition to listening live, you can you can catch it on iTunes, you can get it on Stitcher, you can get it at Google Play, you can get it at TuneIn, which is an app. You can download the MP3 directly from the radio forum on PokerFraudAlert.com. So a lot of different ways to listen to the show, and whenever Brandon does a show, you will be able to listen the same way. So we get most of our listenership from the archives. Not live. And and sometimes I forget that. Like, I don't forget it, actually, but sometimes I, I neglect that fact, and I, I try not to do the show aimed at the live listeners. I like the live listeners. I like how they will participate, but I don't like how sometimes I will forget that most of the people listening, the vast, vast majority are listening when we're not live. So I, of course... The most important thing is to make the highest percentage of people happy. So I, I want the show to sound good to both the live listener and the uh, the archive listener. Uh, as always, if you have never made contact with me before and would like to say hello, you can text me. You don't have to be shy. I'm not going to find it an annoyance. You can either email dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. You can PM me, Dan Space Druff, on the forum. You can text me, 775-372-8355. Just tell me who you are, how you found the show, what you like about the show, what you dislike about the show, whatever. But I always like to hear from new listeners. In fact, if you see me at the World Series or, or somewhere around Vegas or in commerce, you can also come up to me and, and tell me you're a listener. I, I find it very interesting to hear from and meet the listeners to this show. And, yeah, it makes me feel good when I know there's people who love listening. Sometimes people come up to me and say, you know, I, I've heard every show, or, hey, I found this show uh, five weeks ago, but I went back and listened to a bunch of older shows by now, and I'm still going back to, you know, listen to every single one dating back to 2012, and I go, oh, wow, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lot of dedication, but I'm, I'm flattered that you enjoy the show so much. So... And if you don't want to make contact, that's fine, too. You can just listen. I'm not demanding you guys make contact with me, but it's it's always interesting to hear from new people that I haven't talked to before. Anyway, uh, regarding people who called in, I know tonight I didn't answer a few phone calls. It was nothing personal. I just, uh, when the calls happened to come in, it's when I didn't feel like taking any calls from anyone. So if that's what happened, then I apologize. But uh, it, it really isn't anything personal. If you ever want to call in and just speak to me uh, during the show, just call kind of between segments or as we seem to be wrapping up a segment. And uh, we will we will do that. By the way, I got uh, a text tonight from the individual. I won't say who it is, but uh, I mentioned him about how he was in that in the surgery. Uh, he said it went well. He's already on the mend. He said, thanks to all my Poker for Alert f- friends, Druff and Brandon, and any other well-wishers. Uh, thanks, Druff. So, the guy who had the surgery we were referring to, it went well, and he's back at home recovering. 
So that is good. And we've actually had more people die who listen to this show than I expected. And that's sad. It, re- it really is. Like, I'm not saying this because I'm amused by it. I'm not. I, like, I, whenever, one, whenever I get a message that someone has uh, passed away who listened to this show regularly, especially one who isn't very old, it, it saddens me, even if you don't, I don't know them very well. I just go, wow. It's like, the audience isn't that huge to where we should have that many people. I mean, it hasn't been a whole lot of people, but it's been more than I'd expect. And and the ones, aside from Delaware, who was, uh, even he wasn't super old. I think he was there on 70. But aside from him, uh, every other person that, that's uh, passed away that has been a listener to this show has been at an age you would not expect that to happen. In fact, uh, I think most of them have been around my age. So that's uh, that's especially sad to hear about, and uh, I'm glad this particular individual that is not going to be uh, the situation for him. So not only that, but you know, we have. Uh, with our listener base not being that huge, you know, I, I I don't want to lose people that way either. You know, we've got to keep every listener the way, whatever way we can. I think the two plus two poker cast. I think they have enough listeners to where if some die, that uh, they they can be fine. It's not going to affect their ratings. But this it's a hit on my ratings too. That's the other problem. You know, when you when you're in the casket, you can't listen to this show. So. That's all. Trade thank you for uh, being here. Let's see if the chat room has anything to say before I, I terminate the uh, the show for the evening. Um, yeah, FTP Jesus is talking about how Caesars, it, it's stupid to do things like this. This is a... Uh, he, he, FTP Jesus is in Arizona. He said, not to mention a lot of seven-star folks here in Arizona, especially up in Scottsdale and Paradise Valley, where average homes are over a million dollars. It's a quick hop to Vegas, but why bother if you get treated like shit? So, yeah, that's what – this is what I don't get. And I'm, I'm going to finish the show with this, and I've said it before. This is what I don't, I don't understand about Caesar is that they do these stupid things like like the thing with the drone promotion to just save small amounts of money. And get everyone mad, and, and drive away players that are valuable to them. And yeah, they'll fix it if you make a big deal, but they just shouldn't do these things in the first place. And and you see this over and over, where there's like some boneheaded mistakes that just piss people off. And you know, and I'll laugh about them, and I, I keep coming back because I know what to expect. I, I I I know what I'm dealing with. I know what I'm in for. So I'm not surprised by any of this, but uh, th- there's some people who th- they put a lot of money into gambling there and lose a lot of money, and they expect they expect a trouble-free vacation. They they don't want minutia being a problem. They just want everything to happen as they expect, and when it doesn't, and when it's so hard to correct, and there's so much fail, they get frustrated and they don't want to come back. And that's what Caesars is missing. A lot of times the small things 
that can make or break a vacation. Sometimes it's a small irritant. If it's just something that shouldn't happen and that they can't seem to fix, it can just piss people off to where they don't have a good experience. And, and a smart company does not let those things happen. A smart company empowers people to take care of these things. Um, I know this isn't about a casino, but uh, like in the cruise line industry, there's a there's these there's a few upper echelon cruise lines which are much more expensive than the typical cruise lines you've probably heard of much more. And on these cruise lines, they're much more expensive, often two or three times the price. But the service is so good, and if you have any complaint, they take care of it immediately. They always overcompensate you for anything that happens. They make sure that you are very happy as a customer, that you don't feel like you got screwed, you don't feel like you're being ignored, that they'll always overcorrect anything, where not only do they make it right, but they make it more than right. And that's what Caesar should be striving for, with not with everybody, but with players which are deemed valuable to them. They have to empower people to make it right. And they don't have enough of that there. What you get is a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing, a lot of uh, people saying, I, I'm sorry, I, I'd like to help you, but I can't because they don't have authorization. And they're telling the truth when they say that, by the way. And, and it just drives people up the wall. And I've spoken to people who I, I watch so frustrated and, and I watch how mad they are. And I've spoken to them. And they tell me that they just can't stand this. They may not come back because the, uh, it's just so hard to get certain things corrected and certain things done. And why is it like this? And I say, I know. I agree. So it just amazes me sometimes. It should just absolutely never happen that you have a promotion giving away a $130 drone or free play, and then you refuse to give the free play, and you, and you give a drone worth a third of the value. And then when people object to it, you give them the middle finger. That should never happen when you're inviting the very best customers you have in the seven stars. That should never happen. Whoever does that should get fired. That's an idiotic thing to do. Why invite them there for a holiday party and then do that? It's shooting yourself in the foot. I don't get it. That's why I covered this story, not because of the tragedy people got a $40 drone instead of a $130 drone. It's because it's amazing how boneheaded those decisions are. Like, who really decides that's a good idea? FTP Jesus is referring to Stations Casino not paying a bad beat jackpot. Where can I find that story? I don't think I heard about that one. Do you have a link to it? I'll cover it before shutting down here. Yeah, I'm not seeing I'm Googling it. I can't find it. Oh, no, no, no. I found it. I just found it in Las Vegas Review Journal. Hmm. Okay. Well, why not? Let's, let's cover this. we got a little time. Um, I guess this got taken all the way to the Gaming Control Board. Forgive me if I'm reading while doing this. I, I was not familiar with the story till right now. Uh, it says, The Las Vegas casino culture is littered with tales of bad beats, a strong poker hand that is edged by a better hand. 
then it talks about how there's a bad beat jackpot. I won't bother reading that because you guys know what that is. Uh, so it says, uh, the State Gaming Control Board will decide next month if players at five station casino poker rooms should, have, should share a bad beat progressive jackpot of 120000 More than 80 players could be paid since station's Jumbo Hold'em poker progressive jackpot pays everybody who's competing in any of the poker rooms at a time the jackpot hits. The biggest winner could be 83-year-old Avi Shamir, who thought he won $60,000, a 50% share of the jackpot, for losing in a bad beat with a straight flush. His hand was topped by Len Schreeder, a self-proclaimed recreational player who said he's played 80% of, at 80% of Las Vegas' poker rooms. He had the winning hand with a higher straight flush. They were playing around noon on July 7th in the Red Rock Resort. Interesting. This is back in July. But I guess it's just going now. Uh, so it says, uh, When things went hor- horribly wrong for Schrader, he was in line to win $30,000 as the player responsible for the bad beat. Uh, so, uh, a review of the video of the game, surveillance video, showed that Schreeder exposed the two cards he was holding out of order as the game concluded. According to Station's Jumbo Hold'em jackpot official rules, discussion of the hand during play-by-players at the discretion of management may void a Jumbo Hold'em jackpot. Station contends that exposing the cards early constituted a communication among players that invalidated the jackpot. The players said Schrader's revealing of his cards came after the river card was dealt, the last one of the sequence of the game, that the final outcome couldn't be changed. Once the card was on the table. So I, I see what they're saying here. So, so basically, it's against the rule of these jackpots to, for the players at the table to collude to make it happen. So, so for example, because everybody gets a share of it. Everybody who's playing poker at any of these rooms gets a share of it. So it's everybody's benefit that a jackpot hits. And even if everybody doesn't get a share, you, you, there's usually like a table share when one of these bad beat jackpots hits. So everybody at the table gets it. So in order to stop people at the table from colluding to get themselves all a jackpot, there's usually a rule in place that you can't discuss the jackpot uh, about playing. You can't say what your hands are. You, you can say something like, you know, you can see the board that maybe it could be a jackpot hand. That's okay to say. But you can't discuss that you have certain hands here. So, uh, for example, and it's usually, you know, there's some standard, like straight. it has to be a straight flush loses or quad you know, quad tens or better has to lose, something like that. So let's say the board is uh, is 10-10 jack with uh, jack of diamonds, 10 of diamonds. That's, that's the board. And, uh, and let's say there's three people in the hand and one bet's and before the next person can act, who might raise, the third person says, hey, look, I've got nine, seven of diamonds in my hand. If you raise, um, you know, I, I may be afraid to call this because I may be drawing dead to the one card straight flush. So since the bad beat jackpot is so high, Please don't force me out of the hand. Let's just, you know, how about we just all check this down and then hope something comes down because if you happen to have quad tens there or if somebody else has pocket jack, then the jack falls. And, you know, like let's all, since we probably have hands here that could make the jackpot, could make a bad beat occur, let's make sure none of us gets run out of the pot. 
let's make sure we just you know see all the cards dealt and uh you know so this so this could, this would be a jackpot collusion like they they can't artificially have people in the hand to get a jackpot because they're telling each other you know what they have and not to force someone out who who, who might be able to get it if they don't bet too aggressively so that's why that rule's in place. That's why you can't ever talk about having a jackpot hand. So they do have in the official rules of that jackpot that if anyone discusses their jack their hand and it wins the jackpot, then it's invalidated. So in this case, I guess the guy was so excited that he got the jackpot here. He you knew he got a straight flush, and you know he he probably thought that it, you know maybe it was above another straight flush. I don't know how the way the betting went, but before all the betting was finished, but after the river was dealt. Uh, this guy showed his cards. I, I don't know under what circumstances, but he showed his cards. So they're saying, okay, well, the, the, the hand's not technically completed because the betting's not completed, so you just invalidated the jackpot, which, which is bullshit. I mean, yes, strictly following the letter of, uh, of what they're claiming, maybe, but, but that, you know, the, that really is cheating the players out of it because this is not the spirit of why they have that rule. As as was mentioned here, you you can't change the 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 cards that came out. By the time the river is out, clearly both straight flushes are not folding against each other. So, yeah, it, it, and, and the outcome of the hand can't change. They both have a straight flush, and that's it. There's no more cards to come. So 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 what if he shows them before the betting's over? It, it doesn't affect the fact that there's a jackpot. They just use it as a technicality not to pay it. So they complained to the Gaming Control Board, who does have authority over this. This isn't the same as like rewards credits. This is this is actually part of the game of what you're gambling to win. This is a prize you're you're, you're shooting for. So this is the Gaming Control Board does have authority over this in Nevada. So they complained, and uh, Gaming Control Board investigator Bill Oleges reviewed it and determined that the players should be paid. He said, Schreeder violated the traditional poker etiquette by exposing his hand, but it did not change the outcome. So, uh, and it says, uh, there are a lot of people uh, if gathered in the gaming controlled office, and uh, I guess uh, they had... Uh, an attorney presenting the case for the casino, and there was a, a retired gaming control board officer testifying on the behalf of the stage, stage and casinos. What's so stupid about this is that uh, this money doesn't technically fr- come from the casino. The the the. The jackpot is actually built up from money they take out of each pot. It's kind of like an additional rake. So now the casino does take a portion of it for themselves out of every jackpot. But uh, they take that whether it hits or not. So I don't even see why it's to the casinos. I guess I guess they prefer not to pay it so it gets bigger and bigger and more people come to the casino. Like it's more exciting to play for a bigger jackpot. That's probably they don't want, why they don't want to pay it. But it's not like they have to just pay hundred twenty thousand out of their own pockets. This, this money has to be paid. And in fact, if a poker room closes down, Nevada state law requires that they give the jackpot money away in some way. They cannot keep it. 
So this is money that has been paid by the players and has to be paid back to the players. So this isn't done yet, even though they, that or, original investigator from the Game Control Board determined that it should be paid. This is just one step in this whole hearing process. And uh, I guess they... The, the, I guess the hearing is concluded. Or no, it's not concluded yet. It'll be concluded on Tuesday. And then a report will go to the control board later this month or in early January, and at some point they will come to their decision. And if the station casinos are not happy with the decision, they actually have a right to appeal it to the Clark County District Court, which is ridiculous. That should be final at that point. And they, there's a lot of anger over this, that station's even pulling this. It is really scummy. I agree. Um, one of the people who was going to get the much smaller share of it is angry. He said He said to the Review Journal, I was hurt emotionally by the Red Rock, but this guy was hurt financially, referring to uh, to this guy who was supposed to win the 30000 He said, Red Rock kicked me in the stomach, but Red Rock kicked him in a place a lot lower than that. <laughs> he said, it's pure greed. They don't care about locals. They say they do, but they don't. They, the station casinos promote themselves as the locals' casino. I don't know why they're fighting so hard about this. It's player money. I mean, yeah, they like to have the bigger jackpot to entice people, but how stupid. I think they're just digging their heels in because they, they like making their own decisions. They don't like being told what to do. Really crappy. I didn't know about this till tonight. Well, thank you, FTP Jesus, for giving me that bonus topic that I kind of had to learn about on the fly. I don't think any other poker shows do. I don't think other poker shows just you know, pick up topics in the, the end of the show. <coughs> and just cover them as they learn. Okay, Trader Risky, you still here? Yes, but fading fast. Okay. We're, we're about done. Before we're done, though, just before we're done, I think we should hear a little bit more from Personality Barbie. In really cute clothes. I love the color pink, of course. I really enjoy performing. I actually have a picture of kind of a depiction of what I would see myself as. Hannah drew it up for me. It's Hannah drew it up for me. This is so fun. I also like the the background music, which is like music of someone talking, which is very distracting to hear someone else talking. It sounds like someone's talking over her, or trying to talk over her. It's like a background conversation. Oh boy. It's not perfect, but to give you a little bit of an idea of how I appear to myself. So, 
I have long blonde curly hair. Unfortunately, it's brown right now. <laughs> I'm pretty tan. I would give my name where you think I would. Some people might think that I'm a little bit vain, but we all have interests, and my interest is just in myself. <laughs> Alright, I've heard enough. Jeez. Well, as Cal Watts said, they're probably good for each other. That's a sad thing. Well, that's all we got tonight. I hope you all have a happy Hanukkah. Hold on. Hang on here. Hang on. I gotta stop this. I don't like the spelling. I don't like the English spelling of Hanukkah. I, I mentioned this on the forum. But I'm going to say it right here. Hanukkah is typically spelled in English with an H or a CH to begin the word. The reason you see both of them is because in Hebrew, the word Hanukkah starts with a letter which does not exist in English, which is called a chet. And it makes the sound ch. And there is no ch sound in English. So the actual name of the holiday is Hanukkah. And how do you write that in English when you don't have that letter? So sometimes it's with an H, sometimes it's with a CH, which is meant to indicate the ch sound, but to me it just looks like the ch sound, like the word choose. So to me it looks like chanaka, and that always bothered me. That bothered me even as a kid. Uh, so I remember I was like 10 years old, I was in Hebrew school, and I was thinking about what way should it be spelled? I don't like ch, and an h is you know that's fairly close, but it doesn't really. That's still a different sound. It's ha, not ch. So Hanukkah with an h is just Hanukkah, not Hanukkah. So what's the real correct way to write it? And I just couldn't get on board with the ch crap. So I came up with kh. I thought it should be kh. A n u k k a h, or just with one k. I don't care. But the point is it should be KH instead of CH, or just H. And that's because there is no KH, really, in English. I mean, yeah, occasionally see it in a name or something, but usually just the H is silent. But there's no English word I can think of that where, that where it starts with KH. So that, I think, is perfect because I think that is as close as you can get to writing H. It's certainly closer than CH, which already has a pronunciation which is very different, which is ch. So I, I, I'm okay with a Hanukkah spell with an H, but I hate the CH. I hate the Chanukkah. And Benjamin was, was starting to write Chanukkah on one of his homework assignments tonight. And I stopped him. And I wouldn't let him do it. I, I, told, him, I told him there's no Chanukkah. You're not gonna. Not gonna he, he's aware of the whole thing too. Like I told him, he he agrees with the KH thing. Believe it or not, Trader Ruski. Before, before you go, um, do you like the CH pronunciation or, or, or written form of, of Hanukkah? Um, no, nah, it never bothered me that much. Okay, maybe maybe it just bothers me. So so. No, no, no. As long as I get those those uh, six pack of socks, I'm good. Okay, okay. <laughs> So, uh, all right, it's Trader Risk. I know you've, you're going to sleep and you're tired. So, uh, good night. Thank you for joining us. 
Thank you. Have a great holiday, and I'll talk to you next week. Okay, you too. Good night. Okay. All right, brother. So yeah, so we're, we're, it's not going to be Chanaka. If you're if you're celebrating it, is Hanukkah? Spell it with K H. I spelled it with K H on my Twitter and on a Poker Fraud Alert post. This was the second night of Hanukkah. There will be uh, six more nights. Uh, believe it or not, you may not know this if you're not Jewish. Hanukkah is not a major Jewish holiday. It's just one that is better known because of its similarity in many ways to Christmas, including the fact that it comes at a similar time of year. So, a lot of non-Jews believe that it's one of the most significant holidays in Judaism. It is not. But it is the only holiday you get presents. So, it is six more nights, and it's always a challenge finding, like, eight gifts to, to give to the kids here. It's, it's harder than you think. The first few can be easy, but after that, it gets tougher and tougher. So, I think we've pretty much covered everything. We will have a whole new slate of topics next week. It's funny, I was excited to talk about the World Series topics tonight, but I, I got a bad reaction from people. People just like, they're telling me to speed up the segment, it's too much, even Watch didn't like it. I mean, I'm sorry, they released it early, what can I do? I'm not going to talk about the World Series events months from now, after they've been published for a long time. I was very excited to see that list. I, I jumped right right on, on reading it. I, I put off something else so I could read this. I I've been wanting to see that for a while now. I'm just expecting that it wouldn't be here. Alright, people. It's been a pleasure being able to do another show that I thought I may not be able to do because of illness. And to bring Poker Fraud Alert Radio to you 46 weeks in 2017. Good night. And as always... Shalom.